Uh, hello, everybody. Good morning. Hi. Oh, good or morning. Afternoon. <laughs> whatever, whatever, wherever you are, depending on on what side of the planet you're on. I'm gonna mukbang and better and uh, give Bill the opening. I feel like he's gonna tell you about a Patreon in this new podcast that we've going on. I'm not gonna tell you about Patreon. Uh, yeah, so hello, this is the Geeky Gamer Podcast, um, and we talk about Geeky Gamer Podcast stuff. Uh, let's everybody introduce ourselves. Um, yeah, we're going to do it that way. Uh, we'll start with Holker. My name is Who Daniel, and I play Dreadlore on Monday nights. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth? Uh, my name is Ken Hell, and I got the wrong headphones on, so, because it's got that audio thing where it, you can't talk. Well, wait, no, that's just real. Uh, maybe I can't talk because I'm always focusing on two different things. Anyway, uh, oh, I knew I heard it from somewhere. I'm stream. I'm, I'm listening to the stream on the phone. I play Dreadlore. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the video uh, Geeky Gamer Podcast, and I have definitely just flustered the shit out of myself, because that's what I do for, for a living. Uh, it's, I think the quality of trying to do things at, at the same time uh, good for me. Um, hey, Archangel, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> uh, well, I, you're honestly expecting me to follow that. You gotta follow that. <laughs> I, I, I just, I mean... Uh... Well, uh, I'm Brett. I'm also known as uh, DJ Archangel, um, and uh, I am new to the Dreadlore universe. Yes. Um, yeah, I I don't know if there's much more to say. Well, there's more to say, but gosh, <laughs> that feels like an interview. Yeah, it does sound like sounds like an interview. Uh, well, before we do the interview and all that good stuff, um, and just do a chit chat, we're gonna thank all the people that support us. One of those people uh, being our sponsor. Who's our sponsor tonight, Holger? Tonight's sponsor is Indo-European Ablaut. Indo-European Ablaut is a feature of many languages and is characterized by vowel variations between words with a closely related meaning. Examples in English are shit and shat, Eat and ate, sing, sang, and sung, and I am an American who wants to eat foreign food at a native spice level, and bad idea. <laughs> Although the exact characteristics of ablaut are difficult to understand if you are not a linguist, you can easily read all ablaut it if you are still interested. Just had the difference. Just had so we're sponsored by linguistics? <laughs> yeah, that's why you're on, huh. Brett. Uh, so <laughs> that, that's why you're here. You're a linguist. Oh, no, that's... You actually are a linguist, though, right? That is correct. Yeah. And a physicist. And a mathematician. And a mathematician. Yeah. You have and a fucking geeky gamer guy. I, that most of all. And a DJ. Yeah. And a breakdancer. Yeah, B boy is, is the B boy term. as as we like to prefer. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's just that no one people that are not in it 
like when you're like you know they're a b-boy they're like wait what and so right. i'm just like they, they, they break dance yeah. yeah um well let me do the patreon people so <laughs> ken will serenade us serenade he'll dance for us <laughs> I can't uh, serenade you when I'm needed, but I will mukbang while you while you have this uh, Patreon conversation. Nostalgic, thank you so much for doing the life support, Daniel Holker. Hey, who's that guy? That's a real dick, real dick. Life support plus, and then Tim Roberts for the podcast star. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/dreadlord if you want to dig on that. Uh yeah, I want to thank Restream.io. You know, for the Grammy. And all lowercase letters for some of the music we're throwing down. Um, are we using Mr. Interrupt? Uh, well, sometimes we use Mr. Interrupt. And, yeah. and Couch no. Fire Media is kicking all of the uh, the goodness that you might be seeing if you're on YouTube watching us now or later. Right. So what is the Geeky Gamer Podcast? We, we've done a couple episodes. <clears throat> it morphed out of... Uh, we would have this game on Monday nights, which we live stream, and we still do it on third. Sorry, Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. And afterwards, we would want to talk about, you know, kind of talk about the, the the campaign and everything. We called it After Hours, and so we we're like, oh, we should make that its own podcast. But as we started doing it, we realized it's kind of it would be more fun to have guest stars uh, and to chat about things, not just the campaign, not just Dreadlore, but everything geeky and gamer, and maybe we could actually make something out of that. So then Ken made a really cool fucking logo, and uh, <laughs> that's where we are now. Brett, you are technically the first official uh, guest star on the Geeky Gamer podcast. Oh, man. I mean, my life's only downhill from here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sliding downhill. Depending on your perspective, that could be a good thing. <laughs> I snowboarded once. Uh, it was a painful experience. Fun, but painful. You ever, you ever snowboarded? No. 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 <laughs> I, I have lizard blood. I, I typically... Oh. I, I don't enjoy the cold a whole lot. Although, hmm. I do really love Iceland, so I've been trying to reconcile that. So, this reminds me, you... So you've been to Iceland, obviously. Oh, yeah. And uh, um, tell us about that, because I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions about yourself. You want to know about Iceland? Yeah, oh. I want to know about you and Iceland. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Um, Ken is cold, and that's why he's fogged up. <laughs> um, it's, well, it's a pretty fascinating culture. I mean, obviously, they're pretty, you know, insular, uh, which I'm used to that due to other places I've lived, you know. Oh, indeed, um, indeed. Um, so you lived in Iceland? I didn't live there. I've just been there a few times. Um, but I do have that sort of experience of why things are a little odd when places are just kind of cut off from everybody else. Mm. Um, there are definitely similarities uh, in various countries and such that, that are in that situation, you know, sort of full import kind of situation where... Um, you, you have to be self-sustaining because, you know, bringing anything over is just not going to be um, sustainable in that regard. Um, that was not the best way to word that, but yeah, you get the idea. Um, so uh, things about them, uh, 
I mean, it's hard to put anyone in a box, but uh, um, some little things that can kind of give you an idea of what it's like over there. Um, supposedly, I, I got this from a friend of mine that I traveled over there. Supposedly, there's a dating app over there that actually has a feature that tells you whether or not the other person you're talking to is related to you. Because oh my. they have such yeah, a small true. population, they run into that a lot. <laughs> oh, my. I, I, I actually read a BBC article about that. That's that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, just to let you know, there there just aren't a lot of Icelanders. Um, <clears> and uh, um, so there's uh, a lot of, uh, I guess passionate resolve in maintaining their culture, which of course, as uh, any linguist would know, is heavily tied to language. So even though pretty much everyone I ever met over there was fluent in English, uh, well, okay, mm. except for one person. Um, I met one person who was not fluent in English. Um, it's just, uh, I found out the hard way. I had, <laughs> I, had, I had mentioned that the mini fridge in my, my hotel room was leaking and, uh, Sometime later, enough later that I'd forgotten that I'd called about it, there came a knock on the door, and some older gentleman, uh, like, just start. He starts kind of speaking to me, and I didn't understand what he was saying. And then he starts kind of grunting and pointing at my refrigerator, <laughs> and it had gone so far out of my mind that I'm trying to figure out if this guy just wants me to give him a drink or something. And I'm thinking <laughs> this doesn't feel like anything I'd been prepped for in this culture. Uh, I I don't know what's happening right here. And then it just took a little while for the wheels to kind of crank into full gear, and I thought, oh, this is. This is the maintenance guy, and apparently he speaks no English. Uh -huh. um, and though I speak a tiny bit of Icelandic, definitely nothing that would have bailed me out of that situation. So I just uh, kind of stepped aside and let him go over to the uh, refrigerator. Um, so that was a dumb situation I didn't need to be in. Uh, so I, that, that taught me that maybe I should have prepped a little bit harder for the possibility of not being able to rely entirely on English. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, but except for that guy, everybody else's, uh, English was just, I mean, as one might expect from any natively speaking culture, uh, I'm, I, I'm given to believe they, they learn it pretty early. So it's as close to native as you're going to get, um, uh, might even blur the lines of what one might call native. Um, oh, but indeed. they, uh, right. You know, um, so, uh, um, Beyond that, uh, just uh, things that kind of let you know how well integrated their society is. You know, just it they they seem to be kind of on board with whatever makes things run smoothly. Uh, for mm. example, I have never in my life held an Icelandic kroner in my hand. What is a kroner? Uh, that's their money. I've never oh. had to have cash any time <clears throat> I've been there. Really? Really? Wow. Um. Uh, and that did it didn't matter where I went. Like I mean, I could be way out in the boonies, um, you know, scuba diving in some crevice or something, and they did, didn't need cash for anything. Um, uh, oh. Wi-Fi also was surprisingly stable. Again, uh, you could be on something that looked like a moon rover, driving across the snow out to like a glacier or something. Again, Wi-Fi is still working. Um, uh, it's it's just it's how how do they have Wi-Fi everywhere? I guess when you have 
enough of a planned out mesh. And I'm sure there are places you can go where it's, you know, goes away. Uh, you know, I, it's not like I was like in a know, volcano, right? I wasn't exactly <laughs> trying to get lost, you know, so I, I'm, I'm sure that any Icelander listening would say, well, I could tell you where you could start losing. <laughs> Wi-Fi. G magma. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, well, I didn't really, they, there wasn't any, um, volcanic activity most of the times I went there, but the last time I went there was actually after they had just had an eruption and to just show how sort of calm and organized these guys are, they were taking people on tours of it. Mm. Like, Hey, want to go watch the volcano erupt, which is just, <laughs> just the complete zero panic attitude was also, <laughs> let's check just, this out real quick. Yeah, that felt very on brand for everything I've learned about them so far. Um and uh uh just um like the 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 geysers um or what we call geysers um mm. they they are uh that word is actually from them. Uh, really? I don't know, I don't know how many things sense. we've gotten directly from Icelandic, but that one is. Um and uh they actually use them to bake bread because what? they What? Yep. Uh, which is kind of cool. Um, uh, actually, that leads me to one of the things that, that was one of my takeaways. One of the most fascinating takeaways. I am not at all being sarcastic. I'm totally being sarcastic, but it still stuck with me anyway, was that, uh, so I did this little thing you could do where you could say, like, spend a day with some natives, you know, where they just kind of walk you through a lot of the culture, show you some homemade meals, you know, kind of get a little more of the non-touristy aspect, you know, obviously being treated as a tourist, but nevertheless, at least you're not getting trotted through museums and whatnot. Um, so, uh, I go in there and, and the guys obviously just, uh, uh, just, uh, fascinated with his own culture which was wonderful so he's like in there giving me a crash course and little phrases in in uh icelandic how to pronounce their favorite little volcano that comes up in the news every now and then which oh yes i've totally forgotten how to pronounce it because of course it's, of course it's it's like um, 13 it's, letters it's like, <laughs> like welsh <laughs> level craziness right um, right right and uh Triple g's so uh uh with so stuff like that. And then of course things, you know, little tidbits about music and whatever. And then, you know, he makes some food and then each time he would start out with a little bit of bread, spread some butter on it. And I remember just at one point he had, he had handed out, okay, so now th this is the bread that we cooked with, uh, you know, uh, a geyser. And, yeah. uh, and I said, Oh, so do I put bread on uh, butter on this as well? And I remember he just gave me this just deadpan look and he said, always butter. <laughs> now and, is the, is the butter, <laughs> is it like from a goat? Or sheep, most likely, sheep. I would say. Or they're all about sheep up in. Yeah, Austin. they're pretty. They're pretty big on sheep over there. Um, I, I would also. I. I would. I would probably almost be willing to plug my favorite steakhouse over there. Uh, I've every time someone's gone over there, I've said, if you're going to Reykjavik, you know, obviously, if you're not going to the fringes and all, if you're going to Reykjavik, there's a steakhouse uh, right in the dead center. That every time I've gone there, it's been an amazing experience and. Huh. Uh, as a person who can't stand uh, lamb for the most part, right? I just, mm. it's just never really won me over. Mm. Uh, the first time I went there, I asked him, I said, what do you recommend? And he said, oh, you've got to get the lamb. And I just said, uh, it, lamb's not for me. And it's just not, it's not my thing. He said, trust me. He was like, and I, just, Shh, and I was just, uh, I kept, I kind of waffled and waffled. And he, he just said, please, please trust me. It's, it, you know, it's, it's delightful. It does a little mm. chef's kiss thing and all that. I'm like, all right, all right. So they, he brings me the lamb he talked me into a lobster tail because, of course, and dude, uh, dude uh, yeah, always and, uh, use the lobster tail. I mean, any place that's coastal, the lobster's yeah. probably oh, not yeah. going to be bad, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so 
And he wasn't kidding, man. That lamb was amazing. It's a bomb. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it was so phenomenal. Reykjavik. Yeah, Reykjavik. Um, and uh, the the waiter himself, like I, I said, you know, was if I come back here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, selling his brothers out. No, um, so uh, I, uh, the waiter himself, I, I asked him, I said, you know, well, if I come back, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask for you. So, you know, who would I ask for? And he said something. He said his name. <laughs> he said his name, but I, here's the thing. He, he had a nickname, but his, and his accent wasn't bad, but it was just enough mm. that I thought he said something crazy in Icelandic. And so I kept trying to figure out what he said, and I could just never quite sound it out. And so mm. uh, I, I did go visit him. Each time I went back to, to Iceland, it was one of my priorities. Like, we got to go eat at the steakhouse again. And and then we got to ask for this guy who I can't Borger. remember the name for, this, right, right. this name I can't pronounce. So this last time I went there, I uh, my friend who was with me, I was like, well, we got we to gotta get this guy. And we even called ahead to ask if he was there. But since we didn't know his name, we're kind of like, you know, mumbling something. It was there, there, you know? Right, right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't didn't work because they're not stupid. Right. And they understand how their names sound. Um, so <laughs> they uh, that didn't work. So I just figured, well, we'll just go there. And, you know, maybe he'll be there. And if, I mean, if he's not there, then asking for him wouldn't have worked anyway. Um so we get seated, and and we did get seated with a different person because, of course, mm. I completely failed at asking for this guy. Right. But he, I saw him wandering around, and I, I just thought, okay, so how do I tactfully ask for this guy without letting on that I've completely botched remembering his name? So my friend is one of those who's like, I'm going to rescue you from this kind of stuff. So she you know, gets him over, and you know, she's like, okay, so I want to get a picture of you guys together, blah, blah, blah. And, she, and then, um, then she she asked him, so what is your name? And your name is. <laughs> and so the guy is like, I mean, lightly balding, right? Like right. lightly, like not, we're not talking like just squeaky, polished, you know, kind of shine, but he's lightly balding. But mm. apparently it was enough to make enough of an impression on him. He was saying his name is Mr. Clean. Oh my God. I'm I'm also lightly, lightly balding. It just, it, it's, not only would it not be the first thing I would think of when I saw the guy, it just, it just never would have been the thing I would have thought he would, you know, there's, here's this foreigner sitting in his restaurant saying, I want to ask for you next time I come here. And he says, yeah, ask for Mr. Clean. I was like, really? So yeah, that was, that was, that was it. So that's awesome. So if you go to this steakhouse in Reykjavik, make sure you ask for Mr. Clean. Um, and, uh, hold on a second. Uh, really quick. I want to introduce, yeah. uh, Andrea, who's just jumped in. Oh. Andrea, say hello. Hi, hi. Wait, am I? Hold on. I. Oh, I am not muted. Okay. Yeah, you're you're not muted. Uh, who are you? (laughs) Who are you? Uh, you you know, no, nobody of uh, of consequence really. Uh, I (laughs) I play the games sometimes. You know, every once in a while. Yeah, every so often you're on Um, the campaign. Yeah. Meaning every. You know, I haven't. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, play uh, Leah Mizrahi and Sarah, who is now, I guess, te- temporarily retired. Um, yeah, yeah. When, when we get back to Dungeons and Dragons, maybe we'll, we'll probably port those characters over into Dreadlore. Um, what we're doing right now is uh, Ken and I are drinking. Um, Holker is thinking up the next thing to destroy us with comedically, and. We've got 
Brett slash DJ Archangel uh, nice. talking. Um, Ken, is there a way to, I don't know if you saw my text, is there a way to, to pop up Archangel's little icon on the thing um, or or does it not does it not work that way mm. i know since you're using since we're using discord it'll also show the green kind guy of. it's just it's uh, a it's a disembodied voice <laughs> you know archangel is god um uh, the angel of the that's, lord <laughs> that's exciting uh yeah i could probably uh or maybe just his little like icon would be if we could just have it somewhere yeah it would be kind of cool you could just generally feel a presence. Yeah, yeah. No, we we got it. But we also see me, my yeah, um, my second me, the big green, the big yeah, green. That, that was the thing that uh that I was talking about uh, earlier. It's not a huge deal. I just like to actually see that he's there. That, that uh, he exists. No, I, I I agree. I'm with you. Well, you got to see me twice. Um, <laughs> Brett, you do you have? Him. Do you have? I, I actually didn't ask you this because I, I failed miserably at my task. Um, and do I you have any any links or anything you would like us to promote? We can we can have it thrown up on uh, the cast and in the metadata and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, I need a, a Discord link or two if you got one. Um, or not. Uh, well, I've got my server, but it's a uh, it, it's I just created it recently, so it's not doing much <clears throat> lately. Um, it is definitely going to be sort of a gathering place for the meaning of the minds. There's no reason mm. for the only reason to promote it would be just because it's not searchable, uh, because mm. it uses just Unicode symbols as its name. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you saw, you and Holker would get along. <laughs> so um, uh, that's that's the only reason to promote it is because that's all the, the only way you'll find it. Ha ha. Huh. Um, well, uh, message it to me. And I'll message it to uh, to Ken, and we can we can actually like do something with it at, at the very least in like the metadata, because um, I'd like to promote you somehow. Do you have any of your music or anything or videos online? Um, gosh, I'm I'm so like bad at online presence uh, because I'm also like a weirdly paranoid privacy <laughs> advocate. So dude, <laughs> dude, it is <laughs> it is it has caused me problems. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh so that's that's another thing that comes up a lot so like uh i i do like talks at, at conferences for like cybersecurity and things like yeah, that you should get and, me a job and they're they're they they'll <laughs> people will ask me things and like where do we find you i'm just like nowhere that's you the can't point, right you can't do it you, you will never <laughs> see my face <laughs> kind of uh because i get this stuff that's why you can't find well, me. That, that that's um, a thing that's a thing like uh, a lot of the people that i've talked to about you know trying to guest star and such uh and in, including our next guest, guest uh, Mildra, I was like, "Hey, so you, do you do video?" And he's like, no, "I never do video." And I'm like, "You're into, you're in the industry, aren't you?" You know, it, <laughs> it's it's a thing. Um, and there's a lot of gamers that, um, you know, you just don't want your stuff. Like everything can be used against you. You know, right? To get all yeah. conspiracy theory, but it's not conspiracy theory. Like some of it, it really I is. Like I've, I've, there was, uh, I think it was in the Netherlands. There's a guy who celebrates George Orwell's birthday by putting little party hats on all the surveillance cameras. Oh, that's um, awesome. yeah. <laughs> the Netherlands. Come on, come on guys. Uh, so like it's, you know, these kinds of, it's, it's not to say that, you know, having some sort of uh, interconnectivity and, and collaboration conversation as a result is a bad idea or having people be able to recognize you is, is necessarily the worst thing. But I do think, uh, the way I always put it 
Uh, I actually just got in a confrontation at a conference just a little while ago about some guy mm. had said that uh, when you're talking about the various aspects of cybersecurity, a leak in confidentiality has never led to a loss of life. Um, so I sat there and seethed oh. through the rest of his talk. And uh, when everybody had finished, I just uh. kind of stomped up to the platform and just said, that was wildly irresponsible to say something like that. And I just said, uh, and I just kind of rattled off a list. I was just like, I mean, we could start with the things that are known to be dangerous, like, right. for example, field operatives and uh, politicians and so on. Mm. But you can continue on with, you know, doctors and patients involved in controversial procedures, you can, sure. uh, whistleblowers, uh, you know, the list goes on. Um, and uh, and I just said, it's, that's absurd to believe that, you know, your your privacy can't be a risk factor for you. And Yeah, of course. That's why we had passwords. Right. And, and uh, well, uh, you know, security and privacy aren't the same thing, but, the, true, but they, they, there's a lot of interplay. And in the sense of, uh, of privacy, the way I put it to him, because he, he reached out to me afterwards. So credit to him. He, he said, you know, well, you made some good points. So I want to adjust my talk to take privacy a little bit more seriously in that regard. Um, and so I said, uh, well, the way I look at it is privacy is the default state. All your information is yours and yours alone until you continually erode it throughout your life. Um, security, on the other hand, is uh, active. It's it's an assertion that must be maintained. Mm. So uh, those are sort of the two different states there. Um, and you uh, so sound I, like you might be Gen X. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just you know. Give it off a vibe. <laughs> I agree with you, of course. Um, uh, um, it's an interesting take. Uh, continue with it. Uh, oh, well, uh, so anyway, um, as a result, I, I, I run into a lot of that sort of um, issue where someone wants to know, like, where, you know, where do I find you if I want to learn more or something like that? And I just say, kind of like you just did that's really it you know <laughs> it's like you know catching a leprechaun at the other end of the rainbow you know yeah. just you know you might you might find me the best thing to do is just know my haunts you know like if you see me talking at a conference keep going to that conference i'll, I'll be back someday um uh, <laughs> you know I, I don't know what else to tell people because i i, I it's leave I don't a message think it's a, on my answering machine <laughs> you know, the one that talk, has tape <laughs> talk to my people yeah. <laughs> and, and they're, they're just like which people and i and they turn around and i'm gone um, yeah right <laughs> <laughs> um so nothing electronic on you whatsoever <laughs> oh no no i'm not i'm not a luddite at all i'm a no. super technophile uh i but i just i vet my stuff you know yeah yeah of course like like I have zero web cameras, but I have like 50 different security appliances. But you, you don't um, have TikTok on your phone? Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> Are you what about kidding Amazon? Me? What about Amazon? Do you have all the Amazon Echoes and 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 oh. Samsung TVs? I mean, they listen oh. in, don't they too? Oh, of course not. No, no, I don't have those things. Uh, and I I actually got like an Amazon a dot or whatever as a freebie with something at one point i was just like sure i'll give it a try i'm interested in the tech as a linguist you're always curious how voice command has you know evolved right because um it's never great and you're always wondering like okay so i wonder how do they account for like i've got a cold today or something like that right um and uh well the first time my some a voice on my tv activated mm. the alexa i yeah. i just said okay that's the end of that and yeah. i just Ripped it off the wall, tossed it in the trash. Yeah, I um, literally don't have one of those. Um, Andrea, do you use Alexa or oh, no, Siri? No. Or any of that stuff? 
Uh, no, I, I mean, I, like... Go on. And it's not really, like, uh, for me, a sec- security issue or anything like that. I just... I don't know. I don't find them terribly useful for my particular lifestyle, if that makes sense. So, yeah. uh, Brett, I wanted to... I, I'm, I'm throwing a wrench in this a little bit. What's up, Mildra? Uh, Hello. I'm throwing a wrench in this a little bit. Uh, unleashing. Andrea has an interesting perspective on these things. Um, oh. <laughs> indeed. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. What do you think about security and all that stuff? Um, I mean, like, in general, are we talking about, like, general or specifically, like, cybersecurity? Uh, cybersecurity. They're, See, they're, pretty, for me, they're pieces of the same puzzle. Mm. Yeah, I guess for me, like, the difference in my philosophy is I personally am not terribly concerned about my privacy because if it ever gets to a point where somebody actually means me harm for some reason, I'm kind of in a place, like, physical security-wise where it's like, I wish a motherfucker would kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like, feel like uh, I, I take a, a similar approach as well. Uh, I, we, we're, we're podcasters, so like, I, I feel like I put my whole life. We're, we're on on the mm-hmm. internet for three to six hours a week. You know, I, I want, I want the government to listen in because then at least I know I have an audience, right? I mean, I want. I want people. I want Siri to listen in because then I feel validated, maybe with my with my thoughts. Maybe maybe that's all wrong. <laughs> no, no. And there's nothing wrong with either of those perspectives, and I wouldn't say I'm at odds with them either. Uh, what I just say is you should always be in control of of yeah. how your information flows. That's all. You know. So, for example, when oh, yeah. people have access to your information, it's not necessarily that they intend to do you harm, but they could redefine things outside of your control like you know they could redefine your identity or something like that those are the things i object to i don't necessarily think somebody's going to find out where i live and punch me in the face um yeah you know that that's the thing it's just about have having the control over your own information um yeah when i feel like when we're like entering this new era of you know metadata and like these huge surveillance networks that we have i mean just in terms of like that kind of stuff too because like I'm a very, very spiritual person, so I think, like, there's a whole lot of other stuff that comes into it, too, for me. But even just, like, on a purely physical aspect, there's just such a huge apparatus, not just, like, I don't know, like, there's to- there's so many different moving pieces, it's kind of hard to keep track of it. Yeah. Is there, is there even privacy still? I mean, does that exist? Like, do we have privacy? Is that well, still it- on the table for any of us? Uh, well, or, or do you have we, to go full on cybersecurity and protect all your assets? I always joke. I always refer to it as going full Snowden. Um, oh yeah, go full, uh, you, you got to move to Russia, is what you're telling me? Yeah, got to move to Russia. Switch to Graphene OS. You know, yeah. Um, what is Graphene OS? Uh, oh, Graphene OS. I see. Right. I don't, I've yeah. never heard of it, but that is how you de-Google your phone, essentially. Um, re- really oh. quick, I I want to I want to interject because Milgram popped graphite. in. Um, Mildra is our uh, other special guest, and I want to introduce him really fast. Mildra, would you like to tell people who you are? Hello there, everyone. I am I am Mildra, Gaming Monk Extraordinaire, also known as that one 
that one crazy guy who won't shut up about about various RPGs in it and indie games, and the and the guy who who um shares in, shares in the suffering of my Canadian friends whenever the snow hits. Uh, are you Canadian? <laughs> no, I'm Minnesotan, which is worse. Oh, Minnesotan, I see. Which may may as well be Canada South. <laughs> uh, indeed. Hey, I, I'm from indeed. Buffalo. I I get it. Um. <laughs> oh, you and, get that lake effect snow. Yeah. And um. And the and the person who keep, who keeps who keeps picking on the Leafs every single year because they give me new reasons to pick on them every single year. <laughs> but I do. I but I am a tabletop reviewer, interviewer. I do. I am going to be encroaching into doing video game streams in 2024. Um, I do. My whole thing is is just is just celebrating storytelling and celebrating craziness in my open bar of the internet yeah actually uh oh, Mildred yeah. and i know each other um online of course you did you see the kickstarter is that what it was yeah i had found out about you through the kickstarter yeah and uh he he was uh very gracious and and did a really cool interview uh it's been a while though it was a couple of years ago but you do that with um a lot of ttrpgs um, I just saw one. I can't remember the name. It's a "Someone Will Die." I think is what it's called. Yep, that was the second interview I did yesterday. Yeah, really cool, really cool interview. Um, I didn't, I didn't see, uh, I didn't watch all of it, as in I don't know the mechanics of the game. But the guy kept on. What was his name? Do you know? Um, that I, I, would I, be that would be Titus Villanueva. Villanueva. I didn't want to butcher his last name. Um. But yeah, he when he mentioned the Game of Thrones TTRPG, I was like, oh shit! So that's where his game's going. Was it D six? Is that his mechanic, or do you know what it is? D six D six is his mechanic. It is yeah. much more rules light than um, the Game of Thrones RPG, right, which, right, right. which is good. In, which is good. In that interview, I said I said I <laughs> I don't have the highest opinion of because it did it did some things that oh, did it break it? Um. Well, I, f I felt that I felt that it, for the amount of points that it's distributing, it had way too many attributes, mm. and a lot of the a lot of the vibes I was getting, especially since I'm I'm not a fan of when critical hits only apply towards combat and nothing else. Perfect. I know I know some old game I know some old games do it, but just because they do it doesn't mean I have to like it. Right, um, right, right, right. And the. The whole time I was going through this, I, I kept having the thought in the back of my mind: Why don't I just use, why don't I just use L five R seven C for this? What um, is L five R seven C? Um, L five. Well, I'm speaking of two games, but they use mm. a similar mechanic, mm. or or did up until up until recently. Um, the first one is Legend of the Five Rings, which I've been a fan oh, of for about twenty yeah, years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The other is Seventh C. Both of them. Seventh C. I don't know. Seventh C is kind of the swashbuckling sister to Legend of the Five Rings. Now, Legend um, of the Five Rings—that's based off uh, the fuck, the book, right? As far as far as the rings, when it comes Musashi to the Miyamoto's elements, yeah, book, the Book yeah. of Five Rings, the Book of Five Rings, right? Um, Which I think Brett probably knows something about, actually. I do. I've, yeah. 
I've read that damn thing back, back to back to front. I'm, um, I'm weaving us back together, Brett. I'm getting us back <laughs> into it. <laughs> it's, it's a small book. <laughs> no, but, all you've got to do is master the sword and cut their head off. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's all you've got to do. <laughs> well, you for, you forgot the whole thing of being ridiculously late to duels and right, using right. an oar instead of a yeah. sword. Right, right, right. And I think actually Andrea knows a lot about this. Holy shit, we're getting into like cybersecurity, <laughs> tactical stuff, gaming. So Meldra, just to, to, to tie up kind of like who you are and what you do, uh, give us the give us the short form and then we'll continue the cybersecurity and see where we go from there. Yeah. Oh. Uh, like I said, I am I'm mainly a game a gaming and and geek culture variety um content creator with a emphasis on TTRPGs, though I do cover a variety of topics through the various shows that I do, whether it be talking about different anime in the Parliament of Geeks, talking about different topics ranging from world building to roasting certain create to certain directors on the Geek Watch podcast to doing to doing deep dives on doing chapter by chapter deep dives on certain RPG books through the Valley of the Judged, or so, or sometimes and sometimes just doing. Um, emergency stre- emergency streams when there's like when there's some breaking news that I feel is worth my notice, mm. and um, and every few months doing what we call the hangover shit show. Um, oh shit! Tell us where, which is which is which is us going through some of the reve- some of the reveals at certain gaming events like say Gamescom or TGS or Summer of Gaming, and just show- showcasing the stuff that was brought that was introduced outside of the big presentations um mm. we did this not too long ago when it came to the game awards where we didn't talk at all about anything that happened at the game awards and only talked about things that were announced or further elaborated on around the, around in and around that time mm. um the whole thing started because I, the the whole thing started because of a response to certain attitudes i was seeing but that's getting into the weeds you wanted the short version yep the point is we um, myself and the other people in the temple, we do a whole lot of stuff. Um, always wanting to try something new. New. Oh, and I, I forgot about the actual play we do on Saturdays called Cloister of the Dice. So you actually have a game that you do? You live stream it? Yes, I live stream it, and then I upload the VOD on YouTube the Monday afterwards. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll check it out, man. Um, so Cloister of the Dice. What system does it use? Um. The plan is the plan is to shift between a variety of systems as we do it. I used to call it monastery at the table a few years ago before I took a hiatus for like two years, mm. and then rebranded it as Cloister of the Dice. Currently, we are using Emberwind. Um, yeah, you mentioned Emberwind uh, when we were when we were discussing stuff. Yeah, and when we we're probably going to be finishing up that campaign sometime in January, okay. and when we when we wrap that up, I'm going to do a roundtable with. With the part with the party as well as the uh, designer, um, De- Derek Chung from Nomnivore Games. Oh, very cool! And shortly after that, I'm going to be doing one, um, one shot with a with a game called Lone Wolf Fists, and I'm not going to be GMing that. The creator Joel T. Clark will be GMing that. Oh, cool, cool. Um, well, Lone if Wolf- you want, if you want, or go on, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um. Lone Wolf Fist is basic is basically Joel Clark's loving tribute to at to both Wuxia 
and anime like Hokuto no Ken or Fist of the North Star. <laughs> Brett, help me. <laughs> yeah, th no, that's that's what it is. Fist of the North Star. Mm -hmm. One of my one of my very good buddies, uh, a guy named Ro. Uh, Holker, you know him. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. Uh, Will Stull. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he actually helped with Dreadlore and some of the mechanics on Dreadlore. Anyway, uh, we call him Ro. Loves Fist of the North Star. And he's not the reason that I dig anime, but he's the reason that, like, I know any good anime. Um, mm. yeah, yeah, he's he's really good. Starting with that one? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> the the one that he actually introduced me was uh introduced me to. I always fack up the name. Don't don't sidekick me, Brett, because I know you know Japanese. It's like fuck. It's like the the Hakagura. Hakagure. Hey. And I, I, I haven't heard of that one, so I You haven't. So Oh, is that is that that's the shortened version of the name, probably, right? Because they they like to have these big long names and then shorten them. Dude, I have them. no clue. I have no clue. Okay. Well, I can tell you what it's about. Andrea, do you know it? Uh, uh Mildred, do you know what it early. is? I know what it. I know what it is. It is a it is a lengthy treatise on uh, on samurai culture of of its day. It is hmm. a highly it is a highly regarded book. It was referenced um, quite a few times and so and somewhat quoted. In the film Ghost Dog. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. The um, shit. Who's the main guy? Uh, Forrest Whitaker. Yep. Yeah, and he, and he's like this, like he does like the samurai thing, but like with a gun. Well, right? he ex he extols the he extols the um. I won't say extols, but he tries to carry on that it, that is as his um. It's essentially like his is type. Well, it 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 it's not like it, it it pretty much is for him. It is. The weapon yeah. is irrelevant even though he does use a sword in training and right. kind of bugs me that he's that he she's the thing the um the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's an interesting movie. I mean, it it's it's an interesting movie, but that that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Okay, so Getting that is Mildra as you guys gather uh mm -hmm. he's got a lot going on. Um, Hell yeah! Yeah. So, in the event that you guys in the cloister of the dice need uh, dreadlore run, bam, uh, we can do that. Uh, but yeah. you know, just we can we can talk about it later. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got the rights for that. <laughs> I've got um, I've got my own. I have my own plans that I'm that I'm gonna be do, that I'm gonna be doing because once once I finish up with the Sword World campaign. Um, I want to shift away from fantasy for a little bit because doing two um, fantasy campaigns back to back like that, I don't 100%. want to um, have it overstay its welcome. You should do a space faring campaign. I've actually got a couple candidates that I'm considering. Uh, what are you thinking about? There's two that I have. There's two games that I have in mind. Um, are either of them D twenty? No good <laughs> um one of them is faith the sci-fi rpg which uh, i've okay. done which i've done as part of um valley of the judged in the past 
it is not using dice at all. It's using cards, like just playing hmm. cards. Okay. I mean, it, cool. it technically has its own deck, yeah. but you can use a standard playing okay. card deck for it. Right, right. The other is Coriolis, which could best be described as Lawrence of Arabia in space. That is a free league project. Hmm. And um, because and it's using the and year zero league, engine. Right, right. Which means Dude, Free League is good. Free League is good. They're a little they're pretty big, but they're good. I've got Death in Space uh in tow. Yeah, Where I have going? Death I have Death in Space in my in my library. Mm. It's just that um the it's just that, that that particular style of science of science fiction is not one I'm prioritizing at this time i guess i'd say well um so i'm gonna i don't want to get too in the weeds on the ttrpg stuff um but i because because we're gonna jump on this in about 10 minutes and like really dig into it mm -hmm. i want to include archangel a little bit and uh the rest of you meldra let's slide back a little bit into cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. um so how can we tie that together? I'm going to leave it to Brett. Hey, Brett, how do you do it? <laughs> we don't have to dominate a conversation on cybersecurity. It's just uh, something that happens to be important to me. That's all. Um, no, no, I'm a gamer, too. I, I'm all up for talking about games. Um, uh, what do you fact, know about gaming, Brett? What do you some, know? <laughs> well, I, what I was going to say is actually um, from, uh, I think, my youngest um development of affection for cybersecurity was learning about DEFCON. Um, yeah. uh, I'd, as, in, I'd been, as in DEFCON in Las Vegas? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'd been, uh, you know, of course, I'd been fiddling around building my own computers, largely to game. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I had a very broke life. So uh, I was always using secondhand parts and, um, you know, doing all these kind of uh, you know, gum and string kinds of contraptions to try to get my, you know, rig to be able to hang with all my friends' uh, computers mm. that were uh, considerably higher quality. Holker um, knows all about that with his LAN parties. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I remember yeah. I was the one that started the trend among all my friends to try to run all our computers in RAID 0 to just squeeze a little extra performance out of them. And... <laughs> uh, did you actually... I, did you actually? Are we talking like back in the day, like 2000, where you were messing with jumpers? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh baby. yeah. Yeah, it oh, was yeah. hairy. Like, oh, we we were always just you know crashing and burning all these systems, trying to run them all super hot and everything. Um, and uh, and the funny thing is, the thing that would amuse probably a lot of people who are you know hardcore gamers, uh, is we were doing this so that we could play stuff like, um, StarCraft. Like, you know, these, <laughs> like, other people are, like, rigging up their system so they can play something, you know, some first-person shooter with, you know, with all the, you know, whatever the effects are going on. You know, you got to be able to see your reflection in the car door as you walk by. You know, that's critical to your, <laughs> to being able to kill the enemy. Um, uh, uh, I've always just gotten a nice chuckle out of what they obsess over in those games. Um, but... Uh, Were you a Halo player? I know that's totally off, but... No, not at all. I hate first person shooters. Oh, I can't stand it. Really? That. Oh my yeah. god, I fucking love uh, first person. The 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 mechanics. Yes. Oh, dude, oh. the mechanics of being able to throw a grenade, and it like ricochet. <laughs> this was Halo. Like that's the first time you were right. like, "Holy shit!" Well, the, no, the ha very no the Halo was of... getting shot at by a, by a jackal that you can't see. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, 
the 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 battle arena shooter format as as sort of a gaming mechanic no problems there it's it's literally the interface i don't i don't like watching my muzzle jiggle in front of me as i'm walking around you don't it like just, your muzzle jiggling with... no it just makes me kind of seasick i don't it it it's not uh, immersive to me like it's not immersive to me at all so right. it's not it's not necessarily that i hate the idea of let's duck around corners and shoot each other i just need to have an avatar on the screen to focus on otherwise it just it it just it's mm. nausea inducing. What you, what you need like is it. meta, baby. You need to get so, into that meta. <laughs> you probably, you probably. Okay, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing you're not a fan of, of descent either. That thing made me so sick. Like I would watch that for a second. You're in this little aircraft uh, and you're like, uh, going when and... you say descent, the first thing I think of is a board game. So no. I oh yeah. No. I know. I mean, the same, the same with like anything after Wolfenstein 3d, uh, yeah. first version shooter wise for me, it's, it, it does. It makes me sick. Uh, yeah. so Andrea, I, what were you saying? I was going to say, I, I know you kid kind of, but for reals, I, uh, I played, there's a, there's, on, on uh, meta quest two, there's a game called contractors. And the great thing about it is it's, it's an FPS game. Um, but the great thing about it is it's like super open source, so there's like a shit ton of mods for it on oh, the cool. on the console itself. And one of the best mods like I liked was um I mean they have Battlefront Halo like Battlefront um mod, which is awesome. But one of the most intense experiences I've had on the platform was a Halo mod playing like the classic maps in first person. It's just like <laughs> Holy crap! I was like, it's like it's familiar and totally different at the same time. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I no, I mean, with all that I've said, I, I I do make some exceptions if the game itself is so standout that I that I'm willing to sort of endure the interface. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Dead by Daylight, I think is a phenomenal game. It's got a terrible community. Sorry, everybody who's listening, but <laughs> but I'm gonna let you guys take this. I don't I, know. I think they know. They know they're toxic. I'm not telling them anything they don't know. <laughs> no, um, <not> anything. <laughs> um, but it's a it's a great game. But only if you're playing as the killer do you have to deal with the first person interface. Actually, if you're playing as the survivors, they actually are all the over the third person over, over the, shoulder. the shoulder. Yeah. Mm. So Apparently, it, the lore is really cool in that. It is. It's it's very good. I mean, of course, now that they're uh, a AAA title, they they have access to all the IP. Okay. So originally, really, really, they... really quick, what does? I'm sorry to interrupt you. What does AAA mean? I've heard it before, and I don't actually understand it. Um, now uh, someone can probably give you a more like legally correct definition, but mm. from what I've gathered, it has a lot more to do with resources, uh, and sort of the the depth of of their, you know. I guess uh, like coding and capabilities. Yeah, it's big budget essentially. Okay. I mean, I okay. think you can boil it down to that's really all you need to take away. Mm. Uh, but mm. I'm, I'm, I do think if there it causes is... a dozen programmers to look for a new career. It's AAA. <laughs> yeah. <Shit>. Ah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. There he's, you go. He's too, he's too clever. He's too clever. Um. So, uh, so that was one. Pip. <laughs> why, why thank you I, i'm collecting all the internets um so uh the second game that i made up uh an exception for well uh, i i guess it's not really just two because i also like citizen kabuto but that game's so old there's no point in referencing mm, it um but uh the other one uh is payday uh because i love stealth and heist games um but uh, that's another one where you you have to play with your bros because if you play with uh uh pubbies 
they always go loud. And then it's like, okay, if I wanted to play Call of Duty, I'd play Call of Duty. I'm trying to heist this place. Like, what's that drill sucks. Continue. The, the, what was that? That drill I, sucks. Oh, <laughs> it does. It does. But that's that. It, depending on the mission, that's part of the fun of it. Is you know, okay, so. It, we brought this crummy drill to get through this safe. So our skills have to be that much better to get to actually complete this heist successfully because the terrible drill is taking forever so and breaking constantly and whatever. If I, if I ever want to, if I ever want to live rent free in the heads of any pay, of any payday fan, all I, all I have to do is, is just call them and not say anything, but just play the cloaker sound. You know, the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, and I, it's been a long time since since uh, I've played because I was kind of deciding I was going to take a break to wait for Payday Three to come out and all. But um, so apparently Payday Three came out. It did. Xanatrix, who I believe knows you, Mildra, yeah, uh, says Payday Three was such a disappointment. That's what they always yeah. say. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I've got no fucking clue what y'all are talking about. Um, um, you're gonna have is, to you, tell yeah, us I thought, what you I thought mean. Payday was a, a board game. That's what I found. So, uh, so that's where I'm at. So, uh, I, it's, it's, a, it's a first-person shooter. Where you, uh... It's it is a it's a first-person squad-based uh, uh, heist game. Uh, the idea is you're you're members of the Payday gang, which are bank robbers, uh, professional. So that's all they do. And mm. so they they get sent on various heists of varying levels of ridiculousness. Um, and you know like sometimes uh they could be robbing like a standard you know bank in some town they might be uh uh robbing some kind of government facility they might be robbing a nightclub because you know that's a thing you do um because you know was it avici or somebody wanted to get his name in there uh so it, it gets ridiculous all over the place oh there are tons of cameos now so it's another one of those examples of a game that has grown so much they gained access to like celebrity ip so uh john wick is in there um oh. uh uh what's his name played hellboy uh oh shit uh, ron perlman people. ron perlman yeah. ron perlman's ron in there um uh and and a few others uh so those guys were kind of in there a little bit more like the last time I was playing. I know they've added several celebrities in known quantities since then, but so it just like Dead by Daylight started out with they couldn't even get like um Leatherface. They had to just create their guy they called the Hillbilly and gave him a chainsaw. Uh... But then they were able to actually add Leatherface with the name brand R in a circle, blah blah blah. Uh so they you know, some of these franchises as they grow, they gain access to being able to make deals with IP, which is uh, it's cool when they can do it, but it's always a bummer when you know that would have been cool for a uh, for a very for a platform or an idea if they could have included some known quantities, but they can't because they just don't have the clout. You know, mm. like like if somebody wanted to make a new Spa Smash Brothers type of game, but they're little guys, so they don't so they're not going to be able to stick in any recognizable characters. So they've got to make up all their new characters, and maybe some of them don't have a lot of appeal because realistically you got to wear a lot of hats in this kind of stuff so you know they, they invent this really cool game engine and maybe some neat mechanics but maybe they're not real good at creating characters and mm. so their characters fall flat but the game is fun so what do you do you know just hope that it that hangs on long enough that you can finally be able to buy yourself a couple known characters it's it's kind of a shame what happens in the industry sometimes that's why I stick myself in as many games as possible Mildred, <laughs> I think I think this is all you man you you and Andrea yeah. You guys are the video Dude, gamers. I, 
So, like, I legitimately just ran through my head, like, I'm trying, because, like, I was just like, oh, what's my favorite game? And I'm just like, wow, my, the video games I played are just, like, sort of all over the place. Because, <laughs> like, I was like, oh, Spyro, well, no, I liked Halo, you know, really well. It's like, well, but I also like Stronghold really well. It's like, oh, man, I can't, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Classics, yeah. Um, and uh, so... Uh, basically, I I'll play just about any kind of game. I I play tabletop games. Not as much these days. Um, uh, I don't play as many tabletop games as I used to. I play board games like crazy. Um, mm. I I kind of like a little bit of the structure, um, and the mechanics of them. I think it appeals to my mathy side. Um, I always try to convince people to play Axis and Allies. Are you an Axis oh, and well, Allies uh... or no? I wasn't. I, I, I used to play not that. Doing it. <laughs> I was in elementary uh, school. I mean, uh, I don't think I've played it I since have, then. I have done my time with Axis and Allies. I'm not yeah, going back. No. Yeah. What no. about a D6 no. game? You, yeah. <laughs> you got some D6s. Three hours of D. Anybody play the 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 most recent uh, addition to my board game um, collection is the Princess Bride. So I, I've definitely moved uh, on. Whoa. What? The, what? Yeah. The, yeah. The Princess Bride board game. It's very exciting. I look so forward what, to like what like what kind of mechanics you're talking about here? Yeah, I don't know it. Um, oh, you haven't that's played a it yet. Question. I've not played it. So, I uh, uh, see uh, the, the the games that are based entirely on a franchise that has nothing uh, to do with games are always hit or miss. Right. So right, I, right, right. Uh, so I hope for the best for you, man. Uh, all I can Dude, say Battlestar is Battlestar Galactica, the board game, pretty fucking good. Uh, any Battlestar that doesn't have Chrome Cylons is a miss for me. <laughs> really. I was not into the reboot. Sorry. You all right? Let's fight. <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, 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 hold, hold on a second. Give me, <laughs> give us a week to, give us a week to at least promote the thing so we can make some money off of the fight. <laughs> right. you know, get 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 the get some promotion involved. Get both get both of you guys weighed in through the press conference and all that. Like. Well, well, if we're if we're weighing in, Brett's gonna win. I'm I'm um, guessing the way that Will would want that to go down is I would pretend to be his friend and then stab him in the back since he's a right. fan of there apparently that there version of things. <laughs> That's it. But which um, one of us is the Cylon? Is the question? Turns out we're both the Cylon. We we would never both, know and <laughs> roll credits. <laughs> okay, are we judging the new BSG on the entirety of the series? Have you guys watched the entirety of the new BSG? I've seen a good amount. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't finish. I will admit we, the. There's no judgment there. I understand. <laughs> now a couple things. A couple things I will admit. Um, part of the reason I ended up watching was because at the time I was asked if I would run the the role playing game, which I did. Which hmm. I did for a li for a little while. It I was, have not seen it. It was a favor. Um, sec secondly, um, the I. Uh, as a general rule, I try not to play compar comparison ga comparison games when I'm dealing with a full on um, reboot or even even a addition change. Mm. Mostly because mostly because I want whatever I'm seeing to stand or fall on its own on its own strengths and weaknesses. Uh, it's for the same reason that I'm not I'm not going to compare if I'm if, if I w I wouldn't wa I wouldn't watch. Like say Star Trek: Next Generation, and then try and compare it to the original series. Or you're watch... clearly not a Trekkie. Oh, I. <laughs> That's why. Them go is on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just fucking. <laughs> I'm just fucking. But, but, well, or, or at least you're not a but, true Scotsman. No. Those are real fighting words. <laughs> Ooh. 
<laughs> All right, so continue. BSG. The point the point is is that I enjoy I enjoyed what it was do what it was doing. If I were to play the comparison game to the to the original, um I don't think that would that would be fair given the completely different circumstances that both shows were in, so I didn't. The big reason that I had an interest, and I may revisit it one of these days, is primarily due to the writer. That being Ronald D. Moore. I did not who, know that. He is he was one of the he was one of the best writers that um post classic Trek had. Um a lot of the a lot of the better remembered episodes of Deep Space Nine were his baby. Dude, DS9's awesome. And I'll fight a motherfucker on that. <laughs> Continue. And he he also was one of the people who would would on multiple occasions check the check his higher ups because he he had expressed repeat frustration uh -oh. with the with the sameness that he that he saw with Star Trek production. Mm. Um, specifically that there that there always had to be a cap a captain in a chair and a monitor. He, he had he was vocal about how annoyed that 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 was something that had to be done every single time. Makes sense. Makes sense with if he wrote for DS Nine because yeah. I mean a lot of people were were sliding in the Star Trek. Is anyone else in the Star Trek but me, Mildra, and Brett? Yeah. Who's not oh, in yeah, the Star Trek? I, I I used... All right. Good. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Continue, Mildra. Trek away. And now I've now. And I do, I do think he had he had a point because something that um, Xanatrix and I have been very critical over the years is the concept of what we call design by gospel. This idea of doing things a certain way because we've always done it a certain way without figuring out whether that certain way fits for a given project. Um. Though I agree that that's that's uh that is a fair thing to have a problem with sometimes that's actually part of what i might say is the writing challenge in other words in order to create in order to maintain continuity you have to have these anchoring concepts that that make sure that no matter how much you vary from the form these these various traits will make it recognizable as a continuation of the form so that for example, you could have the episode where they all put on their, you know, Nazi suits or whatever and hang around on some other planet. So they're basically in, you know, regular Earth clothes, but it's recognizable as an episode of Star Trek because of the continuity of various aspects of the form that they maintain. I've always I've always said that this kind of thing is a pendulum. Yes. If you sw if you swing too far one way, then you are becoming completely slavish to the, to the matter. Yes. Um this is the reason why, say, sim racing is is in such a sorry state, which is something I've covered on my channel in the past. Right. Um, no, you're you're. If you I, I, that's correct. Uh, it's as as a friend of mine's dad said when I was growing up: moderation in all things, including moderation. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> if you go too far the if you go too far the other way, well, you you end up with this sprawling affair where there's not really a whole lot of identity. And if mm. I'd use a case in point with that, I would say probably um, the last few Assassin's Creed games where it feels like there isn't really a identity. Yeah, it, it very much strayed from the form. Like, is, are these guys even assassins anymore? Yeah, I agree. Well, there was also the f there was also the fact that the combat loop felt like it was dr it yeah. was doing the UB box thing, which is which is well past um, overstaying its welcome. 
the there's the whole issue of how does this relate to the real world the real world story or is this just the historical story that we're dealing with right um how does the how does the fact that the combat system felt like this bastard child of elements from the witcher and the souls games the fact that it started introducing more and more attempts at rpg mechanics that yeah. and town building to, yeah yeah and, uh, and then trying to introduce um trying to introduce trying to introduce skill tr skill trees and equ mm. and equipment systems that did not that did not fit the um, sandbox that had been developing over several years. Well, uh, I agree. I agree with all that. Uh, uh, what I would say is, uh, I definitely don't think that skill trees and some of those things are really at odds with what with what the assassin system was trying to create. But without trying to be one of those, uh, the first one's the only one that was ever right, and everything that varied from it got it wrong. I, I wouldn't say that, but I will say there was something very clean about the methodical nature of the original game, which was you went into a new area, you scouted it out, you talked to the different people to sort of learn the patterns of your target and also learn sort of your ins and outs, uh, and basically develop your plan, and then you executed your plan. It was extremely methodical, which is exactly what you would expect out of assassins that are successful enough to take on the Templars throughout history. Um, and then it started varying into, instead of when, if if things go sideways and the soldiers are called on you, you run toward the soldiers because you're basically a soldier yourself. And that started feeling less and less like an assassin because why bother with all the preparation if you can just take on the army when they're sent to you? So it was getting sillier as it went on. I mean, one of them's a pirate, which I, I mean is only an assassin in the sense that he kills people. It's, there's really, I mean, the, the franchise, though it may be fun, it lost the thread of what they had established as this sort of new genre of sort of that stealth mechanic. Sort of, instead of, a, instead of robbing a bank, you're killing a guy. So it was a very similar, it, it had a nice branch of the, of the heist game paradigm. And it was well executed in the very first one. And as, as Mildred said, it had this really interesting um, virtual reality kind of um, lore mm -hmm. that they were trying to put into play. Uh, memory. Yeah, it was. It the was idea, it, the yeah, framing the animus, device right. was, you, was that the Animus was creating a simulated environment where you, where, um, you were reliving the memories of a distant ancestor as a way to, and that would, um, that would have a ripple effect in the sense that you would be able to gain these gain essentially learn the skills that that ancestor had the same and, and reveal the, information that might have been yeah. lost otherwise right of course uh, they were, the downside they were claiming was your memory was in your dna is what they were yeah. trying to claim yeah. the genetic memory is nothing new to science fiction and dune used it a lot right. and that's kind of what this is go what this Ooh. is going on the of course, of course, there's the other side of it, which it, which was known as the bleed effect, where uh -huh. you you're in it you're in it for you're in the animus for so long that the line starts blurring, mm. which caused one of the previous subjects to go insane because he could he completely lost where he ended and where his ancestors began because he kept seeing those memories even when he was out of it. Here's here's a question. I know this is all lore, mm -hmm. um, which is really cool because obviously. Dread lore. Anyway, there's a senseless plug. Um, this is all lore, but 
is the game itself other than just the story and it being anecdotal is the game saying something but is there a is there a higher issue there um there is when it comes there was when it came to the conflict between the assassins and the templars there was a greater a greater theme of um of control versus freedom Mm. not in not in a binary but 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 showing the ups and downs of both of both ends of that spectrum you know the the templars wanting to have that wanting to always have this sort of control over over things in the name of some sort of order or the like whereas the assassins promoting ind- promoting a, a individualistic attitude and promoting a degree of um, freedom but within cer- within certain um, boundaries based on the code i.e the creed there is also the fact that you your um your when it came to the animus thing your health was how synchronized you were with your ancestors' memory. Right. Interesting. Brett, what's your take on that? Uh well, uh uh I I definitely feel that that was kind of what they were trying to say, but I think almost what I, I think Mildred was was originally leading up to with that is that it well sure that's what they said, but realistically it was two sides of the same coin. They were both trying to control you. They were both trying to run the world. They were both really it was just it just it was you know pick your poison do you want the assassin's version of how things are supposed to be or do you want the templar's version of how things are supposed to be both of them claim to be the good guys and uh in in some of the stories it seemed it was mostly in the early ones i i really i kind of fell off playing them a little bit so if they continue with this thread that somebody else would know i would not but in the original stories there were elements of you of the main character sort of picking up on that and saying, you know, I don't really know if I like you guys telling me what to do either. And your version of things is also kind of not great. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, that's what they really wanted to drill on in the movie, which is why the movie was terrible. Well, there's a movie. Yeah, it was bad. Oh yeah. And the, but they, they, they picked up on that tiny thread and nothing else. So I, I had no idea there was a movie. Andrea, did you see it? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, it's not. That's not great. It has some interesting concepts in, in yeah. itself, but it's not a good movie. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's a shame because they did pick up on one of the interesting things about the game, but unfortunately, that divorced from everything else that was interesting about the game made it seem almost like it was a sledgehammer. You know, like ah, I'm gonna just hit you with this this high concept and just. Just I think the word you're looking for is flanderization. Well, <laughs> it was it was not well executed, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a, a shame for a movie about assassins. Um, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I'm so gonna my, keep going. So so my um, my thoughts on terms of like the how far the games got away from the original core concept. Mm. Um. And this, and I will preface this by saying, this does not necessarily make it a good game concept. But in terms of like the historical realities of secret societies that are basically at odds with each other and essentially like wiping each other out, then coming back up and then wiping each other out, the way that they've depicted that in the games is actually pretty accurate Mm. in the sense that like, 
you have these, you know, survivors who are picking up the pieces of this secret society that had a very, you know, core and defined set of rules and and um, ways of doing things, and then trying to, you know, figure out what you know what they didn't know after surviving this like execution event. Um, and so I find that like in terms of that aspect of the games to be fascinating because like you have like these several different episodes where each side is kind of like practically wiping each other out and the other side is sort of picking up the pieces and and trying to figure out where to go from there kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that was part of what was immersive about it is just as she's I- indicating um, when you um, when you play these games. Of course, there's all the historical context, so anyone who's got a pretty good mind for history would would recognize things. But nevertheless, everything felt like, yeah, that's how that would play out, and it it helped it helped the 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 players really feel like this feels realistic because this is exactly what would happen when two secret societies that play dirty are just just intent on wiping each other out. Um, and they don't really care about the collateral damage to the world. Um, see, see, that's that's what, what pulls me out of those lore worlds, lore bases. Because um, I, I don't play a lot of you know video games unless it's like fucking Donkey Kong. Because um, I'm, you know, oh, don't don't get way. me started on the lore of Donkey Kong. It's a motherfucker. <laughs> we will go on Donkey. <laughs> Uh, what are the different worlds? It, it seems like an assessment creed. Let me interrupt you. Uh, like it, it, it goes into like this color mode, and then it goes into black and white mode. And I don't know what is that. Is there is there a meaning behind that? Is that symbolic, or am I asking a question that I think he's doesn't... referring to um, the eagle vision? Yeah. Oh, is that what that is? Eagle oh, vision. Yeah. yeah. Which this is, is just like is walking around. He's gonna have like bad back problems it's, go ahead it's something of a sensory um ability that you that you originally only had access to when you had full synchronization and it was basically a, a way to tell um allies from enemies and, and the like yeah notice maybe secret sigils that have been left as clues and things like that is this is it based in scientology because that sounds a lot like scientology no not deliberately <laughs> there are also ruins in Dreadlores, so you know, hey, sigils, ruins. Shut your fucking mouth! <laughs> it's all the same, right? <laughs> what the fuck I, was I talking about? At... Yeah, yeah, I interrupted the shit. It's out of okay. You. I'm going back. I'm going way back, ladies. So you, you mentioned Battle Donkey Star Kong, Galactic. so I assume you want to talk about sewers. I'm, no, I'm talking about Ga- Battlestar Galactica. Listen, what's your problem with BSG? Oh, um. I think it was just I, I liked the 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 space opera from the original. Um, I, I. But it was awful. Um, it, <laughs> I mean, pretty awful. I I think the new ones, comparably awful. So I I think I mean I they rebooted it, like, it. So yeah, I'm not gonna the say, new one also from a pretty pretty serious writer strike. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean that's what I'm that's what yes. I'm getting at. So well, like space fantasy uh, and 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 sci-fi, they, there's a lot of interplay between the two. Um, mm. are, I think I think we all kind of grant them a lot of latitude for quality because we want it so badly, uh, and and there's so little of it out there, um, uh, especially anything with any real effort put into producing it. 
that that a lot of us, you know, consumers of of these worlds are are willing to just say, okay, I mean, I don't care that everything's anthropomorphic and basically just a latex mask or whatever. I'm willing to just say, yeah, sure, that's what all aliens are going to look like because I really want to see this story. Um, and uh, and of course, some of the sci-fi uh, ones, the ones that dip a little more into sci-fi over the fantasy, sometimes they'll try a little harder to say, what if the alien is just a streak of light? And they're like, okay, well, at least you're trying. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, I, I think the fans, the, the consumers of all these things are, I, I don't want to say it's a lower standard. I want to say they've, they just, they've decided that that obsessing over quality is not going to get them anywhere. And if they want to have these things, they have to just say, look, I, I have to not care about some of these things. And so some of, some of the writing is a little schlocky. Some of the characters are poorly constructed. Some of the, You're talking you know, about the new BSG. I'm talking about all of them. Oh, <laughs> um, I mean, I've also watched Buck Rogers. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I am willing to tolerate some pretty low quality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, so, uh, apart from go on, Andrea. I was just gonna say, for me, like, and I, I didn't, I've not watched either completely through. Like, I've watched the majority of each. For me, I would say, like, I like the story of the reboot more, but I like the ending of the original more. And I guess for me, like, that kind of mm -hmm. comes down to like the fundamental differences in the, what they're saying is like the new one. It's kind of like, a, you know, the gritty, like, realism, you know, stuff like that. The, and he's just like, oh, yeah, and then we blew it up. And, like, like you know, there's, like, there's some hope, but it's like, yeah, Earth's gone. Bye-bye. You know, you're we're all dead. <laughs> um, whereas the original was, like, it was, it was a little bit confusing, but it was just, like, it was more hopeful. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, our our brothers and sisters from, from you know, from this other, you know, series of colonies, uh, are going to somehow integrate into our, you know, society, and it's going to be all okay, probably. <laughs> right. That, it was, I, it was I, also I, a bigger universe, uh, the original, I think. Uh, whereas, yeah. you know, they really wiped out the make. Right. Yeah. There was there was so much. There was I, I I I think they did a much better job with the sort of cosmic arc, um, you know, ARK uh, concept than a lot of of sci-fi and space fantasy endeavors have tried you know a lot of them tend to be almost too far into the you know yay everything's hearts and unicorns this one was at least a little more realistic about like well there's going to be a lot of hostile stuff not everybody's going to get along plans will go sideways mm. but but we still think that we can make this work and that was and that's what made you kind of get drawn in say i i'm i'm, I'm invested in the plight of these guys it's it's not always working but they've They've got their hearts in the right place. They're trying, and even even some of the sillier ideas, like the Federation type things and all, were um, they figured you, out? Is that when a it, dig at Star Trek? No, no, no. They had okay, one continue. too. But uh, well, so, uh, but the uh, some of those things just, uh, I, I think they had. I, I agree with Andrea. Like the hope was part of what kept you coming back because mm. even. You know, when bad things happened, you kind of had some semblance of, but here's why we're still trying. Whereas the newer one didn't seem to feel it needed to give you that anymore. Well, um, it's, it's, but the, I, the newer, the last season of the newer one, the writer's strike ended it. I mean, they were, you, you know, those guys were writing, uh, I think it was season four was the last season. I, I don't remember, but they were, 
you don't write two, three seasons ahead. They were, they felt like they were in the middle of it. And right. like that, because I, w- I was well, working in LA at the time. A little, a little and, background really quick. Yeah. On Ken. Ken, who are you? My, my name is Ken. I do stuff. <laughs> Ken has been on a lot of projects, a lot of, uh, uh, pretty big projects. Um, writing, editing, doing all kinds of stuff. So he, he lived in Los Angeles for quite a while in deep the film shit. And I believe it was, were you here during the writer's strike or were you yeah, here after? I was there, yeah. I, I was there during the 2004. Yeah, so this is the perspective we're getting. Six, Go on. I think it was 2006 or seven writer's strike, which was, it seemed like the, the newer writer's strike was a lot more painful than, than the, it was a lot longer strike. and it was a lot longer. Um, but it didn't fuck up BSG. LA, LA is a different world, but I mean, any any negativity that goes to that show. I mean, I was a huge fan of the show at the time, and and when that went on, and like as a person, like there wasn't an editor strike or an animator strike. I worked through that whole yeah. that whole time. Don't call me a scab. I, you know, you got to yeah. pay rent somehow. Yeah. Um, but you know, they just they. They just rehashed old footage, so it's 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 not. They did what they could with what they had. Um, it, well, it wasn't intentional. That, the whole in hindsight, last season was not in, intentional. In hindsight, yeah. though, or go on, Brett. Uh, well, I, I did want to clarify. I'm not making a uh, necessarily a quality assessment about BSG in the sense that I thought it was poorly done. Um, I but. Uh, that was actually more of a defense of the older one because I think a lot of people look back at something that was made like 30 or 40 years ago and go, well, that's garbage. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's kind of what we had. You yeah, know? That's what you had to go with. But it was, um, it was amazing um, for a TV show at the right. time in the 70s. Um, that was, we, I was watching some, some footage of it just now and right. like it, it looked really good, even yeah. uh, as a VFS. There is a bit of a story um, when it comes to a lot of the VFX that were used with the original, because a lot of the, a lot of the people involved were, um, were were the, were born as a result of a schism when when one of the, one of the bigger VFX guys, were, that worked under George Lucas ended up leaving, and Lucas and company did not take it well, at all. <laughs> they sh- they shouldn't because this looks like Star Star Wars. Well, I forget the guy's name, but he was. But in the halls of Lucas, he was treated as a traitor for for his departure and and work on that project. Oh shit! Like when I, when I say when I say that things that, that um they did not take it well, I am be I am being very very serious, which is just, which is saying oh. something given all of the ins, all of the insane. Um, dramas that happened within um, just w- just within the development of Empire Strikes Back ar- around that time. Oh, <laughs> par for the course for Lucas, though. I think he held yeah. grudges quite a bit. Sure, mm-hmm. and and He'd... and uh, it's no joke. If you go up to Skywalker Ranch and you start putting flyers um, on their property, uh, the the Skywalker Ranch police will come and get you uh, from personal experience pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Why? Whoa. Why would you put flyers on Skywalker Ranch? Uh, it's promoting to promote a, your podcast, man. Come on, yeah. uh, 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 independent uh, film. It was a long time ago. They asked us to that leave. That feels they like trolling. 
My trolling wasn't no. well received. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, See, now, we, at least we, when we, I we troll, definitely... it's like things like tricking people into driving in circles by putting up signs that say free t-shirts, turn right. Now, every so oh, yeah. often, Hoker, we definitely in the wrong. Hoker will, will troll. Uh, he'll troll our own live stream with, with the sponsors that he does. <laughs> Won't you, sir? <laughs> uh yeah yeah although it's, uh, it's, that's kind of your idea hey shut up. <laughs> that backfired <laughs> but of course the idea was so like you know some exec you would see this film that we made and and like you know give us a call i mean that's not the we we learned from that that was a learning experience they <laughs> they did not see it and i'm sure that none of those security people saw it because they gave us our flyers back, and they said, "Here you go." They gave them back. They gave yeah. them back. That's very nice. Of <laughs> well, for a lot of reasons, like for instance, I have friends that are writers in LA that you know you can't talk to them. I can't put you in contact with them because you, if if you have a conversation with them and they use your idea, you, mm. there's potential for for them to, you know, get you to sue them. Right. So right, it, right, right. It's, a, it's a weird. It's a weird world. So if like Skywalker pulled any or you know anybody from that place pulled any information off that flyer like mm, the, the reality is is that then yeah it could be baiting someone for we yeah it's 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 our thirst trap or whatever it, what is it yeah, called right. thirst trap. <laughs> uh, i want to i want to do a comment really quick um so xanatrix has been talking a little bit i uh, don't know if they're still on but they uh they've been saying moderation in all things including moderation since they were young. Uh, they said, have you forgotten the jellyfish Hanar from Mass Effect, which I didn't play, uh, that converse through light impulses? I think he's referring to, um, Brett, when you were talking about... I was going to say, aliens. several comments I made. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the... Um, um, and uh, that, that, that quote was from uh, one of my friend's dads. I'm positive it's not his quote but that's where i heard it mm -hmm. um and I, I i tend to agree like in other words it's generally better to find some place in the middle of the spectrum not hit the extremes as mildred had been talking about at the time when when i said that and uh uh you know right? like yeah he was talking about the pendulum effect and and as we all know the pendulum on either end tends to not be the desirable position mm -hmm. but what i was the but even in moderation means sometimes it's okay to take an extreme position on something uh, you, you can't always just, you know, wash about in the middle. Sometimes it's okay to pick that that, that extreme position, um, and that and that 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 doesn't have to be a political statement. That could be anything, you know. Um, uh, so, uh, but I but that's the idea is never always one, you know, just the one stance. You can't always be extreme. You can't always be moderate. You know, you've got to kind of pick your path, and it should be a combination of those things if you want. I well, guess it's whatever works things, for the, you know, yeah. just going back to right. you know, in kind of a layman way to the book of five rings. Right. Right. Like, well, right. You know, well, I mean? if like, you want to believe that Musashi had the, had the answers. <laughs> I mean, the, the idea of like, are you like, what's your goal and right. Whatever it takes to achieve the goal. That's what you do. You know, right. that's, that's right. the reason that, you know, yeah. he won and, all the whatever. And and I think aphorisms like that are really not meant to necessarily tell you what to do, but to sort of give you a pause, you know, a time to think about like if if I'm at a crossroads and my 
my general guiding principle seems to be misapplied, is is there another way to look at it? And that I think that right. was meant to sort of liberate you to say, yes, you can absolutely step outside your normal paradigm and it could still be the best path for you. I think that's really helpful. Have you ever read a Zen Cohen? Uh, no, what is it? Yeah. A Zen Cohen. K-O-A-N. Yeah, tell us. Cohen. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not going... I'm going to be vastly simplifying the matter because whenever I'm dealing with Buddhism, that's a complicated subject. Mm. But they are pa they are passages that one is one is meant to reflect on the intent and inter and interpret them. They're not meant to be um, taken at face value. Right. And with the where this ties into something like the Book of Five Rings is in that similar sense of. Um, a lot of these, a lot of the stuff is not meant to be taken at face value, but to be interpreted upon. To Correct. Some, some a little bit more than others. I mean, the Book of Air was was Musashi just take just taking pot shots at um at a at a lot of swordsmanship culture of his day. Uh, and and exactly, and what I uh so, I think um, the idea of just like you. I guess the I guess the words I would use is, I think the ideal would be for it to be descriptive rather than prescriptive. Mm. So, mm. more of like, however, you know, it's I'm not telling you how to get there, but right, it's a way of going about getting right, there. right. Exactly, and I think the koans because a lot of them, you know, some of them kind of tread a little bit on the edge of absurdism. Like they're 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 kind of odd when you when you you know think about them. But that's the idea is you you think about this and it's supposed to inspire where you take it it's not supposed to tell you where to take it or, or even what to think it's in fact sometimes the weirder ones are the ones that may may get you somewhere uh better in a sense sliding to uh to the aside was it ablative holker he said ablaut 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 yeah ablaut uh, so we're talking about a Zen koan, right? Koan. Koan. Mm -hmm. yes. Now, what you just said about the koans, <clears throat> I'm going to get kicked for this, reminds me of the koans. The koan <laughs> brothers, right? Oh. <laughs> you get, yeah? Yeah? Is it sinking in yet? The level of depravity that I just went to? Oh. I know. Oh. <laughs> but it's a thing. It's a thing. It was that that was quite a walk. You're welcome. That You're was welcome. not that was not stretching it. it. it that, was not, having, not, that was having that was having Reed Richards drawn and quartered. It's not it's not even search you can't AI doesn't know what to do with it. Is is what that the the answer to that. You you've you've broken AI with that stretch. All right, well how uh, about this? So basically we're talking correct me where I'm wrong here, not that anyone wouldn't. Uh we're talking about not necessarily the way to get somewhere to your goals, mm. but you know you have to adapt to the situation, right? Right. I think so, I think anyone with on. any wisdom is generally going to preach adaptation. That's, so that's, BSG yeah. episode season three point five. I'm just saying they knew where <laughs> they wanted to go, okay, and they had to get there. So there's a couple seasons that aren't that great up until season three point five. I think that's the one where they get to the the, the planet. I think it is. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I've never seen an episode. Good, good. D never do, never do. I hate. I that. I know what you're oh, talking the, about. The, the but planet. I'm, 
but I'm not going to say anything fur further than that because um, principles. Indeed. The, the well, new, I'm spoiler the like new planet. Is that the planet you're talking about? Like you, it's one of them. About... They, they get they get yeah. to several new planets. Um, but I appreciate no, that because like, I'm the, usually the a person one, who's go on the radioactive planet. No. Yeah. Oh, it's not that one. No. And you definitely want to tread lightly on that brand new show that nobody's heard of. You know, because they wouldn't. <laughs> but the yeah. thing is, is I'm actually Mildred, explain yourself if you don't mind. Uh, what principles? Yeah. No, I agree with him. I agree with him. I'm just teasing. I when the I've always operated under the assumption that somebody somebody hearing this could could be just as much of a newcomer, and mm. if if um something I say is is enough to bring them into something or i'm not or i'm i'm in a conversation that is not fo that is not focused on a certain thing then i generally try to not avoid but minimize um spoiling because i wouldn't want their experience to be tainted i'd rather uh, um well stanley but... stanley once said that every comic is someone's first and i try to Help! I want to help people have um, a fresh eyes appear appearance. Well, it's something. Devil's yeah. advocate, though, opining at all is spoiling. I mean, it, it really is. Uh, so that's why, I, that's why I said minimize. Yeah, right, right, right. I, but I mean, it, it's you're always going to influence someone's first experience if you're if you're giving them anything going in, and that doesn't even have to be revealing a, a plot point or something. That could be. Um, I told you a particular actor's in there, so they now they already have preconceptions. I'm, you know, I'm aware. Of, I'm aware of that. That's yeah. why. That's why yeah. I try and tread carefully with this kind of extremes, thing. extremes, as we've well, covered, right? So okay. we basically, we take it into account. We take it. I into think account. that that we, but 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 anybody who's watching this, if they if they're watching this and they haven't seen Battlestar Galactica, I mean, that that's kind I mean, of Hulker has. They're not going to see it. They're not going to see it. I mean, you don't know that. Well, Andrea, that... have you seen BSG, the new one? Yeah. Oh, you, oh you're right. You were talking about it, right? Yeah. I would tend to say it's not so much that, but just, I mean, when something has been uh, absorbed into the culture, which Battlestar in both forms has, probably the old one is kind of fallen out at this point. But, you know, I think the Battlestar... new one's actually fallen out, to be honest with you. But go uh, on, sorry. Mostly just due to time, I would say. But I think yeah. people are, have still largely embraced it as one of our bigger sci-fi uh franchises the, de the, dead um, the deadlock video game is still getting updates so oh, okay okay so okay. um so what i would say is when it's it's kind of like saying are you worried about spoiling friends i mean you know like can you spoil friends though I, right well i mean you find a point you, on the on the spoiling thing but in general i don't want to be a dick right yeah. right 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 and, right. and i appreciate well, that i appreciate that yeah i yeah, I think, I'm, I think there should I'm be not, like a ten-year. I'm not picking the battle with you, Mildred. What I'm trying to say is, I, 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 I'm sort of just saying, um, I think other people, by expectations of thinking they can be insulated from something that's absorbed by the culture, is they're sort of imposing on you. Like uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I think them having expectations that they can hide from something that's completely prevalent in culture is is a bit naive. That um, is well, not, kind of, well that's. To to the, to those kind of people, I would I would simply say, for one, um, skill issue. <laughs> Two. I would not want I would not want 
um, somebody to just to just blurt out the ending of of something that I'm that I'm looking into, even if I'm only looking into it in passing. And I okay. am a believer to to an extent of the golden rule. Uh, uh, okay, it's interesting. Well, it's interesting. Let, let me put some context on this really quick. When I think about this conversation, I frame it. I don't frame. I should say I don't frame it in terms of like video game endings and those kinds of things. I frame it more like, you know, like a book or um, what the fuck am I saying? I can't read, you know, like a film or something like that. And there's definitely the feeling of if the film or the TV show has been out long enough, like how long do people have to wait before they can openly talk about it? So are we able, are, are we just having two ideas out there or are we able to come to a consensus of what's the best way to go about things? Particularly, the best way to go a, about on a podcast is a, is a is a is a judgment call. Um, and truth truth be told, when it comes to getting into later season weeds with something like um, BSG, that's mm. in this particular case, that's something I'd want to avoid because I don't want to um, jump right in and ha and have people who are less familiar be sure, be confused sure. and then have to have to build that have to build that up. And by that point, it becomes a bunch of flimflam. Mm. So in that kind in that kind of situation, better to, better to better to just not dive into that into that angle. Um, it's, the, it's the same reason why if I if I was talking about if I was talking about say um um I don't I don't know if I was talking about if I was talking about Doctor Who, I wouldn't tr I wouldn't try and um. Go into yeah, we're not. We, well we ain't gonna talk. Doctor, we're not gonna touch yeah. Doctor Who with a ten foot. Bar. Don't, don't spoil Doctor Who for me. Whovians, man. The there, Aztecs. No I'm come out of you. Like, episode like four on that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that. Is, I think we're is, conflating. We're conflating some things here. Yeah, I, yeah, Brett. Like, like, telling someone who the murderer was in an Agatha Christie novel is not the same thing as discussing various traits which, of a character. Which um, is what? Which is why? Um. I honestly, I honestly feel that there's no there's no um one unified way to approach mm. this. It it does exactly. at the end of the day have to be a judgment call, and truth truth be told, the other the other reason I don't want to dive too much into something into something like BSG, um old, old or new is one is one passage of time and two and two, um the. Time is a resource, and I don't. And I don't think this was meant to be a BSG um, podcast episode. Oh no, man, we're going all BSG yeah. all day. Yeah, no, I, I don't I, lie to me. I, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. All yeah. I was, all I was saying is, like, for example, for me, it would be any comment about, like, say, an identity of a Cylon. That's obnoxious. Don't do that. Yeah, but, that's a little lame because that's what if, the show's about. Right, exactly. Right? But if you wanted, but it, like, if you want to just spout off about Starbuck, I mean, go ahead. Even if someone's never seen the show, and if you accidentally influence their opinion going in, it's like, well, that sucks. That if if it colored their opinion, but that's just that is a little bit of how discourse works. Now, hey, I will make okay, jokes okay, about as long as we don't, as long as we don't uh, reveal the gender of Starbuck. I think we're fine. Whoa! Just, hey, that was my next question. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, I will. I will make jokes about Adama's flashlight, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Andrea, so, what were we saying? What were we saying, Andrea? Did you not know? <laughs> no, that was that was exactly my uh, my next question. I was going to be like, but which but which Starbuck though? Right. Oh, right. Yeah. What were we saying, oh, Brett? 
Uh, well, and that's the thing is because largely I would say if I think it shouldn't be important to your experience in, in Battlestar to have not known the gender of Starbuck going in, you know, like that's that's a weird thing to change your opinion of the who's, show. Who's the <laughs> actress who plays her in the new one? Oh, Katie Sackhoff. Man, she's yeah. awesome. She's yeah, awesome. So, I love so, all I mean, her shit. Yeah, it's her. You know, the gender of Starbuck was completely irrelevant to the story, so it's that doesn't knowing right. that going doesn't in matter. doesn't change anything. Well, I have a question. Hit it. So let's say. Uh... Let's say someone wants to play a game uh, <clears throat> called uh, Metroid. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The... Oh, no. You're going to get <laughs> your fucking <laughs> shit blown out Doom. when... Doom. when Are you going to spoil Metroid for me? <laughs> what I'm saying is, if you play some of the later games, right? <clears throat> well, you know. You know automatically. Yeah. You know automatically. And so... The the first game is it's uh it's do you remember? For you, in fact. Do you yeah, remember the little yeah. So so you 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 got the I know I'm talking to to the choir here. Preaching to the choir. You got the little cassette deal or the the cartridge, I should say. You got the the weird rectangle booklet. Yeah? And it told you how to play the game. Boom, and it uses the pronoun he the whole fucking way for Samus. Samus Aaron. Mm-hmm. Boom! You win that motherfucker. In normal NES fashion, you restart the game. It's harder. One, you're in a goddamn like like a bikini or something, right? Yeah. If you well, if it's the special ending, if you if you're if you're a really good player, I it's think the old special ending. And boom, you're a lady, and she's fucking badass because the whole time you're you're playing this 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 woman, you have no idea. Same as Aaron's bomb. And she's a bounty hunter to boot. Mm. She's not actually a good guy. I mean, I don't think of bounty hunters as good guys. But did you? But did you, I was going to say they're kind of in the gray area, boot. aren't they? Mm. Were we it depends. That? Depends on which bounties they take, right? Truth. Yeah. 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 And and that's the thing. Like, uh, so I was talking to my lady, my special lady friend, and she was like, "Oh yeah, what's Metroid?" And because oh, she was in, she was she wasn't in that culture, and. Okay. I was like, well, here's the thing about Metroid that actually confused me as a kid. The game's not about Metroid at all. Hmm. Like, Metroid is, like, it's almost like an environmental issue. Like, they're these wonderful creatures that can do so much, right? I don't want to evoke Star Trek Discovery because I won't lie, I do not like that show. <laughs> I, love that it, I love that its acronym is STD. You know, that that's season that, one's okay. Season one's okay. God. It has its merits and, and it's God it's damn. really well done. The visual but effects are, are stunning and you were and, you were about to br- I feel like you were about to bring up the whole thing with the yes. tardigrades, which was yep, exactly a whole it. can of worms yep. legally speaking. Yes. I, so I yes. suspect that's exactly um, what I was talking about. If I had to guess, I suspect Metroid got its name in the in the translation. <laughs> well, the Metroid. I mean, who knows? Who knows? The Metroids are fucking terrifying. Dear God! Like when like you finally Geiger get to the all over a thing. What'd you say? Geiger. Oh, the uh, guy, yeah. the Giver, Giver, or no, Geiger? No, Geiger. No, Geiger. 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 Oh, H R yeah. Geiger. It's yeah. like a Geiger puke. It's like alien. So, 
as far as far as where the name came from, it what it wasn't the localization. What ended up happening? Um, there was an interview where um, one of the designers, Hiro Hiroji Kiy Kiyotake, was asked about it, and he had said, and I had to, um, I had to grab the quote so I could double check. Mm. There was one staff member, and the two of us decided on it. We attached Android to the Metroid subway, and that's how we got Metroid. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Very Man. Japanese approach. They love, they love their, uh, yeah, Japanese yeah. wordplay. Portmanteau. Dude, dude, Metroid was a crazy game. But um, but you couldn't you well, I mean, you could ruin it, but not really. Well, in terms of like the naming part of it too, because like I mean, you think of like Zelda, The Legend of Zelda, like not you know, obviously the whole game you're not playing Zelda. Zelda, but kind you of think like, you are. If you were yeah. fucking eight <laughs> years old playing that bitch, and you're like, wait, my name's not Zelda. No, it's about the Legend of Zelda. God you're damn. Link. So, I mean, I think from the beginning, you know your Link. Do you? Yeah. It a Link to the past. Uh, yeah, all that I was stuff. too young. I was just playing. I was like, why can't I get past the white sword? What the fuck? As, yeah, my, ment it. as my mentor would often say, get more gooder. Get, <laughs> get more damn. Practice makes Honestly, better. I'm pretty sure the only no, no, Zelda no. game I ever actually played was like the second one. Oh, uh, Link to the Past? No, I think I think she means Zelda. Oh, no, Adventures of Link. Yes. The one. So, like, I remember. The, the, I distinctly remember. There's this one part of the game where you like, you you find this treasure box and you open it. Then all of a sudden, like, the whole world changes, like color. No, that's the Super stuff. Nintendo version. No. Yeah. That, no, no. Um, that would be Adventure of Link. Okay. Is it? Because Adventures of or... Link is on is the second one on the NES. Yes. And it had both the side scroller. It was mainly side scrolling. You had like this weird over the top <coughs> map view. A lot of a lot of the game, top map. a lot of games around that time when when it came to their when it came to their second entry. Hmm. Had, That's how um, they rolled. Had it would because of the fact that they didn't really have a clear idea of what to do next. Um, a lot of a lot of folks did a bunch of weird experiments, and not of not all of them stuck. Um, like, look at the original Super Mario Brothers. To what to um, actually no Mario Mario's a bad example because of the whole lost levels thing. We didn't actually mm. get Mario two until the um, SNES era, right? Uh, because they because Nintendo decided that the actual Mario two, which was the lost levels and all stars was too hard for the Americans. And then when I when I played an emulation of the original one, I'm like, yeah, I can I can see that, especially with those poison mushrooms. Mm -hmm. But look at say Castlevania 2, which was which was trying to do more of a open world approach, which was wasn't a ter wasn't a terrible idea. It's just that it was an idea that the NES couldn't handle. Mm -hmm. You know, the Things like it, things like an, a somewhat open world and a day-night cycle. Um, yeah, but man, it when it turned night, you were like, "Oh shit, I better get indoors." Yeah, it was a it was a case of punching above its own weight class because mm -hmm. there, there were slow there were slowdowns a lot. There was sprite flickering a lot, and that's usually a sign that it's um, trying to do it's trying to do too much for what the system can actually take. Mm -hmm. um, and Zelda 2 is no is no exception to this kind of experimenting. Yeah, it thing. definitely did that. It the did that. For, 
the formula hadn't really been nailed down at that point. So it's e it's easy to look it's easy to look now and say okay this is the formula and how these things were working but at that time they had no clue. I mean the, and keep in mind we're just coming off of the video game crash. Where what is the, the video game crash? In the, the in um in the mid 80s. If you want to um, know what the video game crash is Play some game of, of if you want to know what the video game crash in 1985 is. Play play ET for Atari. ET was one factor, but that was one factor of three that that um played into it. And play it. some other games too. <laughs> and if e. you want to copy, just go to the Arizona desert. <laughs> <laughs> but ET was one factor because they had six weeks to make that thing. God damn. Yeah, they had they had to make a whole because they wanted it in time for Christmas. They were only given six weeks, which even even back then that was insane. No, that's insane. Nowadays that would be considered psychotic. That back then it's like you're really pushing it. And the the second thing was the sheer amount of crap that was festooning the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Mm. Because everybody was trying to make a game, even even people who had, even like pet food manufacturers like Purina were trying to get in on it, or toy manufacturers like LJN, and a and um, as Sturgeon's Law dictates, ninety percent of everything is crap. A lot and a lot of those bad games were just fl were just creating a market flood. Um, the third thing was the rising affordability of PC. So the question what that was coming up a lot was, why should I get a gaming console when I can do games and other things with a PC? That's kind of an <clears throat> ongoing argument these days. People have definitely factionalized on that one. No, well, there, there's that's def that is definitely the case, and that's that's the reason why Nintendo insisted on the level of control that they ha that they had. With the NES, the reason why there was the whole seal of quality thing, because the attitude that they had for third parties was, you can only make a certain number of games, to and have them get the seal of quality a year. Hmm. And it was a it was a very low number. I I can't remember the exact one. I think it was around seven. Like you, it was like six or seven. Because they didn't want. I guess they didn't want that same market flood that pretty much killed the Atari to happen again. And Atari, even to this day, Atari's never fully recovered from all the stuff that happened during during the 80s. Wow, I never knew about all this stuff. Um, I'm, what, I fashion myself a bit a bit of a historian when it comes to just studying these kind of things. Because there's all, whenever it comes to why something happened, there's never just one thing that led like to it. It's always... Answer. It's always a collection of things. A lot of people say, yeah, E.T. caused the crash. That's not exactly accurate. It played its part, but it wasn't the biggest factor. Just to use that as an example. Or, no. Well, that's, that's and of course, you, you stand on strong ground because that's sort of just how history works. <laughs> people mm. should know that. Yeah. So, all right. We're coming up on, let's see, it's 6 p.m. for me. So it's, what is it, 9 your guys' time, Eastern Standard. Uh, it is Central. eight. My, it is eight my time since I'm in Central. All right, so let's do. We're gonna go over a little bit. Let's do a little bit of wrap up. 
uh, of our thoughts. We've been wandering through the masses of all these different things, which has actually been really interesting. Uh, I stopped actually writing down our topics because we've been awesome. Uh, one was Iceland. Sorry Remember about that. that. Remember I that? Feel like I, I feel like that, <laughs> that, that went on too long. And, that was um, just before you by the way, for saying, anyone who wanted to know, this steakhouse that I sang the praises of for like 10 minutes straight yep. is Hereford. Hereford. Iceland's been in the news lately. I mean, that volcano has re-erupted in the last couple of weeks. So I mean, that is meta. It is meta. Damn. Uh, cybersecurity we dealt with. We, we, we popped back and forth on several things, but Star Trek, BSG, uh, you know, the idea of etiquette when talking about, you know, franchises and spoilers and such seems to be pretty much where we were headed. Um, we dealt with Assassin's Creed uh, as a franchise. Decided yeah. it totally sucks. <laughs> that's yeah, not that's... at all what we decided. But <laughs> just, just, just ship that off to Ubisoft. That, that's, yeah. that's our, yeah. that's our rating. <laughs> um, I wanted to hit some of the the comments real quick, real quick. Uh, Xanatrix jumping in kicking it uh basically says even masashi masashi miyamoto uh knew he didn't have all the answers um and then he talks about you know the book of the five rings and such yeah, okay he was he was pretty clear on that he was he was very anti-establishment so he was definitely not trying to say but i'm the authority let that mm. would that would have been very off-brand for him um closing thoughts we, we have a few minutes we're not in any rush or anything but uh I want to. I want to get to. I'm going to put some people on the spot. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to think about your mistakes in life. How much time you got? Do you have any idea how little that narrows it down? Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I clicked on this Calendly link for 9 p.m. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. It's early days. And if, days. You, and if you guys, two. if you guys are cool going a little bit longer, we can take a break and then come back. Uh, how do you all feel? What do you? What do you? I'm probably going to hop off here. Yeah. Okay. I I am an I am an old. <laughs> I can go for days. Uh, what yes. about you, Brett? Uh, I've I've got a little bit longer. And what about you, Ken? I mean, I feel like it ends when I stop. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> it really does. I'm okay, <laughs> okay with that too. No, no <laughs> pressure on Ken. All right. Well, let's do a five minute like bathroom break, get some water oh, and all gosh. that good stuff. Uh, I know. Hey, guess what, Ken? We're doing a break. Yeah. Do like a five-minute bathroom break. Uh, Holger, Andrea, up. if you can hang on for a few minutes, it's cool. If you got a roll, it's fine. Um, but I want to kind of like recenter things and start wrapping it up. Maybe do like 15, 20 minutes max um, after that. Yeah, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and hop off. So, all right, we'll uh, say yeah, bye yeah. to everybody. I'd like to say thank you to the guests for uh, showing up. Been fun. You should uh, come back sometime. Absolutely. Boom. Holker, peace out, dude. Andrew, you gonna yeah. hang? You gonna you gonna yep. roll? I'm gonna bounce too. All right. But yep. Good talking to you guys. Yep. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, you too. All Bye, right. Andrew. Right, catch you guys next time. Stay for for the rest of us, let's take a five minute break. Uh, let's use the bathroom, get some coffee, all that good stuff, and then come back and uh, kind of finish up this discussion, get it to a stopping point. Cool. Word. I...
watching the stream at all? Uh-oh. Give me one second. Hey guys, we're back on just for a second, because I have to uh, find one, one of the luxuries of um, being a No, we're going to come back once again. <laughs> Is that...
Oh, I just remember all these fights, you know, and I lost a friendship over that game and all that kind of stuff. And that's, yeah, that's because then, for a long time, that's how games were yeah. designed. Are we, then again, I've joked. We we're, right we're back. We're, we're just back live. Uh, Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> Continue. Uh, what, I, what I was about to say was I have jokingly referred to Jenga as a, for, as a, for, as a legal form of torture. <laughs> mm. I, I would generally say that about most party games. Dude, party games. There's a bunch of meetups out here. Um, do, do, Mildra, I don't know how, how specific you want to get on this. Whereabouts in the U.S. or in the world are you? Minnesota. Oh, so you are in Minnesota. Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he um, said that. Well, I knew yeah. he was from Minnesota. I didn't realize oh, he was okay. still there. Um, so, excellent. Hold on a second. Anyway. So, uh, I, I, go ahead. Go on. Yeah, my my idea um, had to do with meetup. Do you guys know what that is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it strong where you are? Because in Kentucky, at least in Lexington, where I used to live, like it was like it was it, for a hot minute, it was something, and then like depends on no. time of year. Um, I, my experience has been in small towns that could probably benefit from it. They don't use it effectively. And from larger towns, people already have means of like creating hubs of like certain you know hobby communities and things like that, and they don't really need it. So it just seems like it's it's a solution looking for a problem. Um, like my experience, ha my experience has been it as I said before, it depends on the time of the year, because when the winter really starts kicking in. Unless it is absolutely required for e either job or um es or getting essentials, nobody is leaving their house. <laughs> oh right, <laughs> because it's Minnesota. It, yeah, because it's too friggin' cold. Right, right, right. Oh. So out here in in Los Angeles, at least, like meetup is a thing. Yeah. Uh, which I've been I've been astounded by. Well, and, the temperature goes below 70 and everybody starts wearing sweaters over there. Yeah. And, uh, right now, it's like raining like a motherfucker and people are going nuts. Because it's rain. rain, right? And when and I say motherfucker, it's not really I'm, rain. Yeah, and I'm, pre I'm pretty sure if I was I'm pretty sure if I, if I was over there, you'd know because you'd hear the laughter for miles. Oh, why is that? <laughs> because I'd be laughing at everybody panicking over oh. over a little bit of rain and a little bit of rain? cold. Rain is dangerous in LA. Like yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to joke with rain in LA for two reasons. Uh, the the first most dangerous reason is that those roads turn into worse oh. than ice. Oh, I, and, I know. And then the second reason is like if you live in the hills, and I lived in the hills during some rainstorms, like those hills turn into like mudslides. And yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not diminishing, the, I'm not diminishing <laughs> it's that. Cool. It's just that. <laughs> From some of my friends in warmer climates, every year they give me shit about the fact that I'm up here freezing and they're down there and they're warm, wearing t-shirts and all that. And the moment they get a little bit of cold, they end up panicking. I'm like, shoot, nice. Now you know how it. Now you know how it feels to be on the other side of the glass, motherfucker. 
and I the, love it. The now, cold is the cold is no joke because you don't really have a heater either. I mean that, like so. So we had a gas heater, uh, and you turn that thing on, and it smelled like twenty years or forty years of 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 dust burning. <laughs> it was scary shit. You're talking about Los Angeles. On. Yeah, in Los Angeles, you don't want to turn on it, your your it heater. Get cold. Out it, there. It, it gets chilly. It doesn't get cold. Um, there's definitely been points where I'm like, dude, I need, you know, Kentucky gets down to like minus 15. Yeah, uh, but it's Fahrenheit. cold with no heat. Like, do you have central heat? No. Do you, do you, yeah. because why you're in the Valley, right. <laughs> you don't need right. central heat. Right. right. You, you it, certainly don't have gas heat. The real question is why the fuck did I bring up meetup? It was based on something you guys were talking about. I totally lost my train of thought. Yeah. That seems so to we happen were, a lot. Yeah. We, we were talking about, uh, playing board games and yeah, board uh, games. getting together. There was a, a board game called Lost Ruins of uh, Arnak. Uh, Arnak. Yeah. That was briefly discussed. Yeah. And uh, then it, I ended up bringing up the infamy of monster board games, like campaign for North <laughs> Africa, as well as yes. that gag about, um, about Jenga, about Jenga and by extension, mm, right. party games. Party games. That's what it was. Yeah. There's these meetups that I was like, so I'm trying to promote Dreadlore, you know, as the game system and all that stuff, as one does. And so I'm like going to all the meetups and being like, hey, do you got would you like would you like to play this? But a vast majority of them, they either want to play D D or D20, okay, or they want to do party games. Now, D20, I understand it's ubiquitous, people know it, they think it's easy for some reason whatever they really really have they, they just need to support hasbro uh for some reason whatever fine do that but party games i can I don't jump get in that. on that i can jump I in on that. that uh because since i'm a heavy heavy board gamer i'm constantly dealing with the organization of you know various events various player counts and all these kinds of things um and what i can tell you is uh, well-designed, well-balanced, uh, heavy mechanic board games have a problem with player count. Mm. Um, they do tend to top out at four. Uh, there are there are plenty that go past, but not not as many as you might like. So your variety drops off significantly if you're wanting to play very intricate, uh, uh, complicated board games, and your player count has gone past four. So. Mm. One of the reasons is player count. People start, you know, there are eight people here and we want everybody to play. So the quite often the only games that will accommodate the high player counts are these silly games because it's very hard to have really tight mechanics if you've got that many people participating. Um, hmm. uh, first of all, it's just hard to balance. And second of all, uh, well, actually the logistics of it are are pretty easy to read down first of all it's hard to balance second of all you're going to have component issues you know do you, are you really going to have this giant box filled with enough stuff for 10 people uh and then third of all there's the downtime for turns uh and all that kind of stuff so the game gets crazy long you've got to hold the attention of you know 10 8 whatever people uh while they're not actively doing something it's just it starts to fall apart rapidly um but party games of course they're all about the interaction they're all about the social 
component. In fact, that's more important than the game in most cases. You know, somebody said something silly. That's what we're going to remember. We're not going to remember, you know, somebody did a, a cool move or, you know, figured out a neat uh, way to use the mechanics to their advantage. We're going to remember that somebody said something silly uh, or whatever. And that's... Or, or, or picking a fight over cards against humanity, because I, I've actually oh, experienced that. Uh, oh, absolutely. One of the members of our party, like, I think they were so wasted that there was an answer to cards against humanity that they said, and you expect a certain amount of, like, give and take for the room, but I think mm. when, when there's yeah. a certain amount of alcohol involved... It doesn't matter what it is. They're like, are you fight? Are you picking a fight with me? It's like, where did yeah. this come from? <laughs> the, the game was designed to create strife. I mean, that's that is yeah. the point of it. Um, and but as as sort of the the lead in to TTRPGs, um, I think that's kind of why sometimes you get that overlap of the party gamers and the TTRPGers is because they're there for the experience. They're there mm -hmm. for the story, the narrative. They want to be able to talk about, oh, my, my, you know, the the GM was completely exasperated because we wouldn't leave the tavern and my friend wanted to marry his dog and so <laughs> on and so on. And, you know, ah, he kept rolling to hit on the wench, but we had this quest that we were completely ignoring. And those are the kinds of things that they want to talk about for years and years afterward. That's the, those are the memorable stories. They'll talk about them almost as if they experienced them personally, you know, like, well, uh, they did, like, they did yeah. experience them personally. Well, and right, that's, right. that's immersion right there. Boom. Now, right. does it go on with your, what you were saying? Uh, so, so, and, and and I think some people are up for okay. Let's add an actual system to this. Let's add, you know, an an actually well thought out story, and I've then heard they'll of opt. They'll opt for it? the what is it? Dreadlore. <laughs> right, right, right. Continue. <laughs> Just keep hanging that banner. Just um, keep... So, <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> And, and that's exactly it. That's the appeal. People sometimes want that. But then there are others who either because they've been influenced by stigma or whatever mm -hmm. else, they may not be up for all the system, the commitment, you know, knowing, oh, I have to come back here next week and do this again. You know, some of that kind of stuff. Um, they feel a little silly. The performance anxiety, uh, all those kinds of things tend to make them say, well, or I could just draw pictures and get people to guess what it is. Um, and we'll have just as many funny stories to tell about blah, blah, blah. Uh, there has been developed a middle ground. We often refer to them as RPGs in a box. And uh, what those are, are they're heavy narrative driven towards uh, the characters being able to make a lot of choices that drive the game. Um, uh, they're trying to say, if we can keep you on rail so you stop trying to marry the wench at the tavern, but actually try to complete the quest... Uh, we'll build the mechanics around to get you there and try to ensure that you have the experience that we think uh, you want. It's the reward but, system. Right. In a sense. And and also just, you know, that structure tends to keep things a little more on track, which it, it's it's going to be a split, right? Some people want the chaos. They don't want the game telling them what to do. Right. But um, they want their they want their character. So I, I mentioned this before. I'm sorry to interrupt, mm -hmm. but I'm going to uh, my buddy Roe. Will Stall. He he told me this and it really informed the way that I think about systems, which we can argue about. The system teaches the player how to play. Yeah. And this delves into the reward system. I'm gonna let you guys go with that. Yeah. Well, when I'm when I'm teaching games, um, usually the one of the the 
the phrases that I wear out all the time, especially because I tend to, you know, I prefer heavy games. So I'm usually teaching mm -hmm. something that's got big rule books, lots and lots going on. And so I always tell people as I'm teaching them the game, I say, first you learn how to play, then you learn how to win. Mm -hmm. And so your first experience out should always be just, just try all the mechanics, do all the things, Lose figure out. Just, just fiddle around. Don't worry about whether you're, you're going to win. You're a good teacher, though, and like I've, I've played. It's been many, many years actually since we played board games together, uh, over at Brad's. But uh, that's where Meatland came from. Ah, Meatland. That was a video <laughs> game. But anyway, you're a very good teacher when it comes to those things because when I would play board games with you, not to like blow smoke up your ass, but it's a thing. I never felt like intimidated by oh, I'm just going to fucking lose. But a lot of people, when you play, they're just trying to win all the time. Right. It's like when you start playing chess, not to get on a, like a, a tangent, although we will. It's relevant. Like you play chess and a lot of people I know that play chess, they like don't play anymore because they're like, oh, mm. I'm just going to fucking lose because there's such this bruh attitude mm. of like, oh, yeah, I, I won. I won. I won. And it's like, of course you won. My my rating is like a thousand and yours well, is like 2,000, you know? Of course you won. But well, you're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid. Right. And and that's... Uh, so there are a couple things at play there. Uh, one is, I generally say the a good call sign of a game is you enjoy it even if you don't win. Um, yeah, if you have sucks. to... Okay. If, yeah, if you <laughs> yeah, have to win... Of it. That doesn't yeah, count. If you have to win... <laughs> Uh, to enjoy a game, maybe the game's not that great. You can yeah. you can win at chess. <clears throat> I'm sorry. You can quote unquote win at chess by losing, or I should say, in how do I say this correctly? You can still have fun when you lose. In my opinion, if you're playing well, right. Yeah. Well, so and you're playing I played well rated and players, you lose. Uh, and and it's more like if I like I would lose games, but if I made them have to think playing red rated it wasn't just 20 or 30 moves but like it got out into the weeds into the into the uh late game stuff mm. and yeah the, no. the second component that i was going to mention on and, and that anxiety that people have approaching mm. a game is also that the game is measuring something about them they feel that it has uh, to yeah like they're worried right i'm not smart if i don't put in a good showing Right. You know, Which if I come in last, about. right, they, 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 they're looking at this saying, oh, I came in last. So did that just place me as the dumbest among my friends? You know, they don't want that experience because they believe that is what's happening. Yeah, and so, absolutely. And so that's another thing that you kind of want to try to dispel. Like this game isn't saying whether you're smart or not. Um, and a losing strategy doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means well, that, you tried something and it didn't work. Again, we, 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 when, we were talking, uh, I, guess, I think you guys were talking about, and Mildred as well, about Axis and Allies. Mm -hmm. Every time I played Axis and Allies, it's been with people that play it. And within the first 20 minutes, I'm like, I'm done. Because mm -hmm. they're all like, oh, I'm making the wrong thing. They see, they see that you, did, you didn't do it right. And, yeah. it's, and so you didn't do it right, so... I'd like to draw a parallel to an issue, to an issue that I've seen when it comes to multiplayer in, um, in video games. Because I love me some shooters. I love me some multiplayer games. It's it's not the sole thing I focus on, but I give a lot of time to it. And there's been 
and one one particular problem that has been a self-inflicted problem that has been occurring quite a bit mm. is how matchmaking works in a lot of games. There is you will not find a single person who actively likes skill-based matchmaking that's been pushed for the last few years. A lot of people uh, will honestly prefer um, a a ranked set stuff like ranked stuff like a server browser, which is what Battlefield uses, at least with the good Battlefield um, games. Uh, can you give a and, little bit of background on that? Because I understand about halfway. So the different there are two major schools of thought when it comes to when it comes to a lot of matchmaking. Now a lot of a lot of games will either have um, casual matches which are, which is just is just meant to be lighter cues and the and where you where you're supposed to get matched up with is supposed to be dependent on your win-loss ratio. Um, okay. And the problem that ends up happening with with skill-based matchmaking is instead of instead of using a unified rank so that you could be put with people of the same relative skill level as you it instead has it that the more the the more you end up winning the harder people you end up going against so you could have a couple good rounds and then all of a sudden you're put up against the uh, extra sweaty top tier and the, and you get right, wrecked right, right. yeah and the reason a big reason why people don't like this is because it doesn't it's <laughs> Actively punishes the idea of trying to get better at the game. I just think it's funny you said extra sweaty top tier. <laughs> you know, ex you don't. But you don't even have to play video games, and you know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. The but, kind of person it, it, who. Yeah, it's chess. It's that chess guy that that called you names because the guy, walked, the chess guy who will lecture you for thirty minutes because you don't know what en passant means. Right, 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 right. Like I've I've dealt with those people many many times and. Nine times out of ten, I'm um, I hear them for about one minute, and I'm like, "Dude, shut the fuck up!" <laughs> right. So that's the skill-based pairing, yeah. right? Yeah. And the reason, again, the reason why everybody hates it, you will find videos for days of people ranting about how much they hate skill-based matchmaking, and I'm not doing that to do some ad populum thing, mm. uh, but more that if so many people are coming to that conclusion. Pushing it is really not a good idea because you're going to get more of this problem. And the the best way to describe why people hate it, and this includes myself, is the idea with that rank system is as you're getting used to the mechanics, as you're getting used to the sandbox, as you're getting used to doing the dance, as Bungie would call it, mm. you are getting bet you are getting better and even if you didn't get to like level 50 back in um back in the days of halo matchmaking mm. um you still Which felt that not. you were that you were improving your understanding of how the game works what to do what to not what not to do but because of the fact that it ends up being this dice roll when you end up doing well if you're going to be matched up with people um above your weight class mm. there there's lit there's um little room to actually get better at it Right. So what's the so that's the skill based. What's the other way? I, I have an RIL. Can I can I comment to that? I have an IRL. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to play laser tag, and mm -hmm. so like when I played laser tag in real life, like I could never get my rank over twenty or thirty, not because I wasn't playing, 
other people, but it was, I, I just didn't have the money or time to commit to, to getting to that ne next level. So, so if, if we went PVP versus the best, uh, I, I, it didn't matter. Like I would do as well as I did in all the games. I would always get one or two, but, but it was the time and energy. Is that the way it's ranked or is it ranked no. based on, okay. It, the rank is, the rank is usually, rank systems are usually based on a win-loss average. And obviously every game is going to handle this differently, but the idea is you're being matched up with people of a similar percentage to what you've got. So if you end up if you end up doing poorly a bunch, you're gonna go you're gonna be matched up with people who are lower on the totem pole than you. You end up doing well, you're gonna be matched up with people who are higher up on the totem pole. Oh, it's much it's much like how you wouldn't have say a um a green belt um go up go up against a black belt in a in a sparring in a sparring match. You'd you'd have you'd have them match up with somebody of the same skill level, and that's. And that sort of ranking system is what people end up preferring. And of course, of course, this is this is a pro The funny thing about this being a recurring problem in shooters is that this in like fighting games, whether it be Street Fighter, whether it be Killer Instinct, or whatnot, this is not really a problem. They have they keep to a rank based uh, matchmaking system. They don't really do this skill based matchmaking um, setup. And there's also the fact that you can that every fighting game for the last twenty years has had some form of training mode, so you can you can you can practice combinations in what's known in the community as labbing. Hmm. You know. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, when it comes to to fighting games, I mean, the last one that I really played—it's been so long. Like I'm just so out of it. Uh, but again, my, my buddy Ro, he was really into it and he did the ones where like he would count the frames, mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And so like the, the animation, he would know, oh, there's three frames or six frames or whatever. Yeah, that's, and, that's common in the fighting game community. And it was like all these, I remember I used to go to KA, if anyone knows what that is. Fucking back in the day in Kentucky. Kentucky Arcade. Yeah. Hell yeah, baby. I know you know what's up. And you'd be like, it'd be like all these Korean dudes smoking, just chain smoking over the Street Fighter Alpha. And these guys were monsters. Like just fucking monsters. Um, I rolled over to the Miss Pac-Man machine. Where you don't count frames. You count blinks. Uh, so let's go into, uh, Brett actually mentioned a couple things in the chat. Um, let me look at what they were. Things that you need to bring up. Right, Archangel. Hey, I went Brett. to Joust. Everybody was playing uh, playing uh, the, the oh, game. Oh, motherfucking Joust, dude. No, no. They, they, everybody was playing, uh, what was it, Mortal Kombat? Like, that That was what, was, and the combos or the super double combos. Well, Mortal or... Kombat didn't have combo. Or not, not oh, what was the combo ones. game? There was, there was a combo. Killer Instinct was the, was the Killer first Instinct? one that I remember. That's the first one. Like they would do like it was the first one that exploited combos. They mm, they had yeah. combos in all of them. Even mind the combo. Even yeah. mind that the combo thing um when it was in when it was when it more or less hap started happening in Street Fighter 2. Um mm -hmm. that was an accident. And they just right. ran with it. Right. <laughs> it was, the, 
when the when the players figured out air juggling and combos and all that stuff, that was they were exploiting the game. I and see. then and then basically Capcom, instead of shutting it down like some game developers Just do, they were like, it. "Nope, let's uh, lean Dude, in." I, I played Selena, Maybe was, all right, Tekken, and that's all Tekken I did. That? Yeah, Tekken, Tekken had a, yeah. Yeah, Tekken Tekken had a ton of that. air juggling. Well, so did Virt- Virtual Fighter. When yeah, you're yeah, dealing with all. three, when you're dealing with 3D fighters, you have to keep in mind that's a completely different energy from 2D. Oh, sure. And mm. the and thus the way combos are going to work is go, is going to be different. It is more or less an is more or less an apples and oranges kind of situation. Mm. But like they're both from, they're both fighter games, but they're completely different kinds of fighter games. Yeah, well, it's. Executing a combo is still largely typing on the buttons, <laughs> but but you do have to account for space a little bit. You in two D spacing is far more important than in um three in three D for the most part. Mm-hmm. Combination um combinations and um more more of a more of a puppeteering approach is a big is a bigger deal, as and of course, obviously this is a generalization. It's gonna ver- it's gonna vary from from game to game you can somebody who's really good in one can't ju- can't jump into another and um j- and just assume it's going to work the same way um, mm-hmm. granted you shouldn't be doing that with any game period but that's the fo- that's the focus for this and the the for for me one of one of my big philosophies especially since i became since i became a content creator was instead of instead of doing this whole um newbie versus seat versus season dichotomy that so many people do mm. i want to try and encourage i always want to try and encourage a um, <coughs> path to being an expert instead of instead of just throwing someone right in the middle and saying figure it out or it's interesting it's interesting because you know going back a little bit to what we, we were talking about board games and essentially brett teaching me how to play board games mm-hmm. um Look, what's the goal? Is it the social aspect, or is it just a win? Um, I think I think that it I think that there's no one no one right answer because in, in a way it's a little Except of column A and a little of column B because <laughs> that um, was the right answer <laughs> because because I, of the fa- because of the fact that yeah. Yeah, pe- when when you're playing in anything and and being that level competitive, yeah, you're you're gonna want to win. What doesn't matter if it's sports or um, video games. Sports. And it's in it's in that same vein that I've that I've been very critical of people trying to diminish um, trash talk in the fighting game scene, for instance. Dude, trash um, talk's like, amazing. I love trash um, talk. Like, I I I love. You're gonna use every advantage you can to get someone up to get someone thrown off, and that include that includes trash talk. I mean, you've if if you want to if you want a bit of a rabbit hole, just look at all the stories of Larry, of Larry Bird talking shit and then backing Dude, it up. Dude, apparently, yeah, he's he was the most notorious shit talker of his day, and the worst part is if he would he would say exactly where he was going to shoot, then he would shoot, and he would yeah. actually make it. Interestingly <laughs> enough, interestingly enough about that though. In those games, Larry Bird is absolutely—he doesn't give a shit about the social aspect. He's trying to win. I want to hear from Brett really quick. What, what's your answer when it comes to the winning versus social aspect or third idea there? 
Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, he hit the nail on the head, but I, I guess I would I would add to that. Uh, so not 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 a, not disagree by any means, but just add to that, that um, I think my take on the competitive drive isn't even always beating the other players, but seeing even from another player an example of how you can improve. And so when you uh, feel that you didn't do well or or f feel that you did do well it's usually because you had a plan or and you executed it and it worked either the way you wanted it to or not and the other player in a sense isn't doesn't even have anything to do with it i mean if they showed you a way that you could do it better then of course you want to exceed according to that standard they just set not so much like I need to beat, you know, Michael over there. It's it's not that. It's that Michael played better than you and you want to play that well. It's that's what it really is. At least that's always been more my experience on it. So the competitiveness is less about beating the person, more and more about improving yourself through the drive exemplified by your rival players. Um and you know so Go on, uh, go on. Um, and so that's another thing that I try to uh, kind of put out there when, when we're playing board games in particular, uh, because uh, I don't think there's anything to lose on, on, the, on the experience by not winning. Um, uh, and, and I Because the I, goal I, is... The goal is the experience and, and, and to improve. Not being a sore loser. Nobody wants a sore loser. God, right. I'm such a sore loser, Absolutely. though. <laughs> and, and that's why that's your whole chest with Bill podcast, dude. My entire chest with Bill podcast is me just being bitching about losing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sore losing and sore winning because really, you know, dealing with you know people who gloat and are obnoxious—that's not always yeah. wonderful either. No, that's but it doesn't have to tank the experience. Just like you guys were saying, you know, trash talk can be fun as long as the the roots of it kind of are still in the spirit of everybody. You know. Enjoying the experience, right. driving to be better, um, right, right. you know, and just, you know, camaraderie. Uh, yeah, talking shit when you play the fucking Halo LAN was one of my favorite things ever. Oh, yeah. you're with friends, and you're talking shit with friends. Absolutely. Like, that draws you closer. It's not, it's right. not, hey, I actually think Never. you suck, you know? I've always when taken I, the approach of the best way to deal with somebody who's, re who's really getting into it with the trash talk, beat them. <laughs> don't get mad get even get him yeah. what were we saying ken and if if you listen to me or or, or bill pre-podcast and we streamed some of this earlier i was kind of setting up the game was actually setting up the streaming system and the studio and getting everything to work that's where my rage really comes out it's the role-playing <laughs> game that is therapeutic yeah. <laughs> it's technology yeah. that gives me rage you know, it's the game that's we supposed have, we to have like, a saying in my, have a saying in my temple. Technology, <laughs> it likes to give us the middle finger. <laughs> yeah, all of them. All the techno, techno rager is a prestige class in uh, <laughs> edition five point five. Oh. Um. Okay. So this is great. Uh, we've got about fifteen ish minutes till the hour, and I think that's a good call time. So about twenty fifteen minutes from now, we'll end it. Um, I'm going to put ice in my bourbon because uh, I made <laughs> a drink and I want to do that. I still want to hear from both of you. Um, I want you to promote your stuff. 
Uh, yeah, I want to hear about what you guys specifically do. And Brett, I know that we need to talk about your specific character, Archangel, who, yes, he appears in Dreadlore, and of course we're going to plug the hell out of that. But I want to hear all about that stuff, and let's dedicate this next end to you guys actually promoting your shit. You can start. I'll be back in about a minute and a half. I I do have the... I do have a, a Mildred's... It's Mildred the Monk, is that correct? I, I got yeah. your Twitter, and I got your uh, uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, one of the things that I wanted to actually ask you is, is where do you get your artwork? I mean, you... you I, I actually quite dig I, your... I there's a handful of there's a handful of artists that I I work with for for commissions and the like. Um, usually, usually, um, being very hands on with how, with how I do things. And given one of the projects I'm working on, there's a specific artist that I um, work directly with. Um, just having some just having back and forth as best we can because it's kind of hard it's kind of hard to have consistent back and forth when one of us is in the states and the other one's in the philippines <laughs> you know i i hate time zones so much <laughs> you have yeah, no time idea. Zones are great. yeah i mean i know i get it i used to work with india when, when i i worked at marvel for a while and at the time we were doing a lot of um oh they were doing doing all of our animation in, in india and it's just like back and forth in the in the mid aughts at that time, uh, communicating of, of how to animate oh. things, it was it was always yeah. uh, exciting. So like oh. absolutely, like I had I had I had a, a a bit more of a stock image at one, at one point, but I wanted to one I wanted I wanted to have a, a more con- a more consistent um, character presentation when it comes to the art that I went with, and two. I wanted to lean more into a manga style because I have I've gotten an enjoyment out of pissing off people that that say that you can't do anything anime or video game related in um t- in tabletop or, because that that was a problem in the in the 2000s and for some crowds it still is a problem and I lo- I have a natural um tendency to play it to play up being the villain in some cases so like I'm going I'm going to do this because I find I find one I find this fun, and two I get to prove that I was right about something I said 20 years ago, and three it pisses these people off. You should jump in our uh, our one shot. Uh, I think it's on the first. It's Dreadlore. <clears throat> you should totally jump in as a guy. Yeah. If if I was if I wasn't if I wasn't booked for the first I probably would. Well, some point, if you wanna jump in. You could be the bad guy all day. Oh, yeah. It, it dep- that's gonna that's gonna depend. That's gonna depend. Um, it's just I'm do I'm always doing a lot of stuff because my I've I've been on a crusade for nine years. It'll be ten years this August. Um, uh, of trying to showcase what's out there. Oh. Mm. Uh, because I I would see I would see these awesome indie games whether it be or just indie projects in general whether it be comics whether it be film whether it be music whether it be video games whether it be tabletop games whether it be board games on on and on this kind of thing goes and I didn't see a whole lot of I didn't see enough people talking about it but at the same time they'd lament about the state of the bigger names and I'm like you guys are a bunch of dogs sitting on nails and complaining that it hurts but you won't fucking move. 
And I was like, if the, if if no if nobody's gonna if nobody's gonna do it, then I'm gonna then I'm gonna do it myself. And through do, through doing that, I've been able to meet a whole a whole lot of people. That's how inadvertently I ended up um I ended up working with Zan and him and him and I have been um friends slash banes of each of each other's existence <laughs> ever since. But, and that and that's that's always been the goal to the, to a point where I said if I'm if I'm ever just running like van, like um van, like vanilla five e for Cloister of the Dice or if I'm ever streaming Fortnite for a video game stream, shoot me because I've clearly been replaced with a replicant. <laughs> the whole thing, my whole thing is has been since day one. Um, showcasing what's out there. And um, I have a, a slick Rick cosplay mm -hmm. has asked you, sorry to interrupt, has asked to tell about the coffee incident. Oh, God. What is the uh, coffee incident, sir? So I am a, I have, I'm a notorious prankster, a notorious practical joker. I've gotten the nickname the prankster prince. And I do want to I do want to specify that the person who I did this to had it coming. Uh oh, <laughs> it sounds like a true villain to me. <laughs> they had it coming. It is well, here's it. the thing. Now, for context, I can't have chocolate at all. It won't kill me. I'll just wish it did. Mm. So, knowing that on a scale from one to dick. How much of a dick move is it to leave a chocolate cake on my desk on my birthday? Did they know? Yes, because I oh. had told everybody about that for months. I was there for two years at that point. There's no way they could have not known. Because I kept bringing it up every Halloween party, every, every holiday party, period. Brett, what do you think about this? You've been in the corporate life before. Oh, have I? <laughs> yeah, you know, I I know you have an I know you have an opinion about this. This this doesn't even have to be corporate life. It's just the principle of the matter. You just said desk, desk and cake and birthday. I was like, oh, that sounds like the office. Oh, it was an office. Was it corporate? Mm. Vindication. <laughs> so, what do you think, Brett? Is it uh, a, is yeah. What do you think? I, uh, I don't know. I, I actually, I don't have strong thoughts you, on, you, right, on right. any of it. Is it a shitty <laughs> thing to do? Is it's it a shitty, a shitty thing, to thing to do? It's absolutely a shitty. Oh, like, drop, uh, uh, oh, dropping the cake on his desk. Yeah. I, I, I mean, based on his take that they knew, yeah. Yeah. So it's a shitty thing. All right. So you're vindicated here. Right. What did you do? Oh. So, fortune, we had. A, uh, we had a coffee grinder in the back, and I knew when somebody used it because I could hear it. Yeah. Because it's it wasn't it wasn't like a little thing that you might have in your kit in your kitchen. It was one of those big ass things that's yeah. The, that's like the a, size like of a bun, like a mm. B U N N. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And um, I because I because I confronted him about about it, and he was, and he had this attitude of, "What are you going to do about it?" I'm like, "I could hit you, but you'll eventually get out of the hospital." And you'll learn nothing. 
So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So um, don't worry. <laughs> you are a villain, gonna, Mildred. I'm pretty I'm sure hit, you are. Mildred. I'm not gonna hit you, but your receipt will come. Uh oh. So fortunately, I knew where they kept the beans, and I knew where the, I knew where all the accessories for all the coffee was because this office was full of coffee maniacs. Yeah. So yeah. I replaced the regular coffee. I replaced the regular coffee with decaf. Oh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I oh, it gets worse. I replaced the sugar with salt. <laughs> I replaced the powdered creamer with flour. Although, if they're putting sugar in their coffee, then go. Yeah, it's wrong. Sauce. Yeah. As can. for the powdered creamer, nope. That's no powdered creamer. Good. That stuff that's is like you, you. You might as well. You might as well be putting asbestos in your coffee. That's and true, but flour. I re I replaced the liquid creamer with coconut milk. <laughs> it's yeah, not it's bad. Okay. What's wrong with that? Coconut milk is fine. It's okay Although, if you're yeah. expecting it. Right, right, right. If you're if you're actually using real, real quote unquote coffee creamer and you get coconut mm -hmm. milk, you're gonna be mm -hmm. pissed. Mm -hmm. And as soon after the day that I had set this up, because I had waited a few weeks before I actually went through with this plan, because. <laughs> When I find the day that I the evening that I finished, I was like, I'm go um I'm heading I'm heading home. I'm gonna be on vacation for a few days. I'll see you guys in a week. <laughs> the next day, while I'm waiting at the airport, I get a dozen texts going, Mildred, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> because everybody had found out by then that I had messed with the coffee. Did you also put staples in their pizza? <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that, that would be like criminal. <laughs> yeah, um, that, yeah, man. Um, that's pretty good. And that's pretty good. I said, I said, I said, April Fools, bitches. Turned off my phone and and got and got on my flight. And I knew that they couldn't really do much because that was going to be another state. You're gonna you're gonna go that far to find one guy, get wrecked. Except for the one keto dude who's like, oh, this is awesome. Fucking None of them were keto. Fucking... Fucking coconut shit. <laughs> none of none of them were none of them were keto. If that was even brought up, that, that everybody would be like, no. But afterwards, <laughs> a memo was put out that stated, "I am banned from the coffee machine without supervision." And here's where here's where the peace state resistance of this whole thing comes in. Sometime after this, somebody brought in two boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. Hell yeah. Now opinions opinions on that. I, um, that's not that's not relevant. Now I, I swear by all that is just and holy in this universe, I did not bring the donuts in. I come in, I see the don't I see the boxes. They haven't been opened yet. I think nothing of it. I go to my desk and I do my job for the day. Mm. I'm wrapping up. I look to I look to where all I look to the snack table as we call it. Those boxes are still there in the exact same spot they were when I came in. And, the, and upon closer inspection, the tape was still on them. They hadn't hmm. been opened all day. Hmm. So I immediately turned to one of my coworkers. And I'm like, we had two boxes of Krispy Kreme and nobody dipped into that. He's like, I'm not touching that shit. You, prob you, probably, sw you probably swiped it with a veggie platter or something. Oh, you own them. <laughs> you own them for like a long time. And you I start laughing <laughs> because, it realized, because I came to the realization they all thought I brought the donuts or at least the boxes, uh, and that it was a trap, and you'd open it up, and there was a veggie platter or a salad or something, which, so, <laughs> to be fair, is something I would do, because I've done it. I just didn't do it this time. So basically, uh, 
they're afraid of you. Yes. Good. Good. <laughs> uh, you are likely, uh, in my humble opinion, lawful evil. Okay. So, Brett, let's talk about Archangel. What kind of DJ was Archangel, by the way? What's the music? Like, I've been wanting to ask that for like three <laughs> hours. <now. laughs> um, well, I would imagine the character is probably a little unrestricted, but uh, but as far as it pertains to the real person, it would be largely uh, Deep House, Disco, that kind of stuff. And I mean Disco in the broad sense, not the restricted specifically to the 70s sense. Mm. Um because as as if you ask any of the greats today, they will even tell you, you know, basically disco is short for discotheque, meaning it was club music. Yeah. <laughs> did you see so. what you just did to Ken? Did you see that? What? Did oh, I I, I went made disco. him dance. I went disco. <laughs> made him dance. Uh, yeah, no, I was, nice. I, was, I, was I was big in. Uh, I, I like that stuff. I like disco. I love disco. I mean, my mom, she worked at a bar, a disco bar when I was a kid, like a little yeah. baby, like real disco, like. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that. Well, that's the thing is, you know, unless you're trying to specifically pin it on, you know, an era when that was kind of uh, a really prominent form. Most people uh, who are still attached to this kind of music would absolutely say, "Oh, it's very broad at this point." Now we're sure. we're generally including house music and all that kind of stuff. They're the same. There really isn't. Mm -hmm. the, it's just an evolution of time, right? The yeah. kinds of instruments, a lot of the popular sounds, those have evolved over time, but it's the same music. You well, know, disco tech, so, disco tech. I, uh, I, I dated this this French lady. Oh, the I love their disco. Yep. Yeah. And she was yep. like, yeah, me too. And she she was it's like... the compression. Ah. The reason that it's good is the compression they use, it's on the drum and the kick and the way it... it, it, yeah. it it's yeah. a, I, really the, well done. Just to, just to throw this out there, the, the Palace of Versailles like actually occasionally has a disco party in their gardens, in the Hall of Mirrors and stuff. Wow. So straight so, up, you can go go enjoy a disco party in Paris if you just in the fucking palace. Yeah, so she yeah. she she mentioned she was like, oh yeah, you know, ah oui, well yeah, we'd go to la discothèque, and I was like, what is that? And and she said it was just a big dance where everybody was together and just dancing like all yeah. in a big pile. Yeah, in, but the, in a lot of ways, it's, it's no different, different from raves. No. It's just yeah. there was a little bit. There was no alcohol, so you didn't have the age problem. Sure. That was that well, was the biggest difference. When I was a kid, like the the bars would close at two, but it would it would keep going, mm -hmm. and they would just play house music or disco house or or deep house. Uh, yeah, certainly uh, past two from two to like four thirty. I think the 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 clubs would go to does not exist anymore. That is over. Um, um really or at least really, in smaller towns in la maybe uh, really quick mildra did you ever go to discotheques or any of that stuff i'm not really a club person yeah this is this is an interesting subculture and the reason i bring it up uh brett is can you describe a little bit of it to give us context for archangel because i feel like that's kind of deep in that character uh Yes, although in order to maintain his flexibility as a meta character, I've allowed a lot of that to be 
potentially superfluous in some of his appearances and sometimes okay. sometimes it's a little bit more i mean it is tied into sort of his nature his his drive as far as like why is he doing this what is his sort of overarching mission kind of deal what is mm. he bringing to the table is he just a kook you know right. um so the music is absolutely quintessential to him but a lot of the times he'll appear places and it it feels more like window dressing you know like for example on the into space campaign which he might appear in mm. on cool. the first Getting back to dreadlower here maybe yeah 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 maybe. um so uh, I don't know how his how any kind of DJ persona would come into that unless it's supposed to be like oh yeah he's on tour but even that <laughs> most of the time that's going to be the kind of thing where He's pulling he, out the, the earplugs and you just yeah, hear it for a second. He clearly, if if that kind of thing comes up in most universes, he clearly just thinks that that's some kind of uh, sort of cover he needs. Like, mm. uh, for example, if he if he needs to be at a specific location uh, at a certain time, or if he needs to have sort of, you know, backstage access or or explain away eccentric behaviors, some of those kinds of things are he'll just, you know, invoke the oh i'm a performer persona um it's so that's like i said i've given him sort of the ability to be extremely flexible about how important that is when described in various universes uh, and he's because, been in several right right and that's the point is because he needs to have enough continuity so that he's recognizable this is definitely the same guy that i saw in that game or i saw in that movie uh, or i saw in that he-man psa um uh, uh <laughs> um <laughs> yeah he's been in one of those <laughs> yeah um, and there, there are a few like i mean i i keep thinking blade uh the the techno scene and and that film is well the, sure that Norder song and like in in that world but you put it in space or or whatever like that, oh absolutely that, <laughs> yeah, and, like, and that's the thing is, absolutely, there's, there's, uh, so for anyone who obviously might not be familiar with who the Archangel meta character is, um, the idea uh, is he's he's been uh, he's being assembled across worlds of various, um, uh, uh, I guess, creativity. So he could be in various, like, he could be in a board game, he could be in a video game. And, and he does. He appears in all these different media and all these different creative uh, projects. And uh, part of it is he doesn't exist as his own project anywhere. He doesn't, like, have his own comic book. He doesn't have any of those things. Uh, he only exists as, as a gradually building character with all these pieces that exist in other universes. So each time... Mm, he's an aggregate. Right, right. That's why I refer to him as a meta character, because he's he just he doesn't he doesn't exist within by himself. He only exists as long as other things continue to give him places to exist. Um, uh, but uh, with each collaboration that he appears in, I always uh, speak with the artist and I say he's never intended to be parasitic. He's never intended to take away your vision. Uh, so the point is, if you feel that he's a bad fit, of course, we could just say, okay, well, you know, that's okay. No big deal. He doesn't appear in your thing. Or you can always back him off to sort of like, oh, he's just sort of a crowd appearance or something, um, uh, which makes perfect sense. He does reconnaissance all the time. There's no reason that wouldn't happen. But 
it it does mean he's probably not going to develop his story much in that particular universe. And I always tell the uh, the artists that I'm working with, I, I say, that's okay. I mean, I, he's not meant to be forced to fit, but keep in mind, people who are tracking his, you know, his story by checking all the different lore, if they're not going to learn much from your universe, you're probably not going to be really included in sort of the search as people try to gather his pieces. Um, right. So it's, it's, there's no hard feelings, but it that is just kind of a, a reality of it. You know, people are going to skip the things where they don't learn anything about him. Um, uh, they, I mean, uh, I guess a hardcore completionist might go, ah, I just need to see that one page with a picture of him in a crowd. But uh, I don't imagine a lot of that. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, what I had been mentioning, so Dreadlore, of course, has a pretty good chunk of what I refer to as his archive points. You know, when he really mm. tell a, a bunch of his lore gets kind of put out there um uh and which is really cool like he he really exemplifies in the book he really (laughs) exemplifies uh thergy um i want to do a really quick plug fast uh mildra do you have a copy of the uh digital version of dreadlord if you don't it is free on drive through rpg um and so i'd like to give you one for sure so that you you can kind of see all of what we're talking about um i think the only version that i have um was the um gsg it was probably yeah it was the getting started gun so um i've made the uh the the core book as a digital free on drive through um and i can put a put a link up anyway you can see some of the art that actually brett uh lent me um, for Archangel and all that stuff. Yeah. He's he's a pretty quintessential character. It's an interesting character because... Well, I'll let you talk about it, actually, Brett, because you can talk about other other uh, histories and how he's moved through all these interdimensional spaces. Uh, sure. Um, so uh, what I had mentioned before about how music actually is part of it, it's, it, I allow it to be window dressing when it makes him fit better in a universe. But... Ultimately, uh, the story is supposed to be um, that, you know, he could always sort of hear something in the music, something besides the music that was there. And he didn't understand it, but he spent all his days just kind of living in headphones, just just listening. You know, what what is this extra part I'm listening to? Um, then there's, uh, you know, I, I again, uh, because this this is sort of the vision that I've had, but he hasn't he hasn't had as many opportunities to really just flesh this out. So it is a little blurry. You know, you have to have the archive point to tell the story. So some, some things lose some of their details because they're not fully existing in a universe yet. Uh, But so this, this with its thin details is he had sort of a green lantern ish moment, you know, so he was visited by someone who explained, here's what's (laughs) going on with you. (laughs) Um, Now, who's that person? Have we decided who it is? No, no, nobody, nobody has claimed that role. And, and of course, gonna be something we do. And of course, it's also the opportunity for someone to change a little bit of how that goes. That's sort of the framework. Like, uh, uh, but obviously, somebody can say, actually, this is kind of uh-huh. what do you what do you say about this? Because, like I said, he's intended to be a collaborative character. Um, I try to maintain a little bit of rigidity so that he's always the same guy. Sure. But other than that, he has fluidity, um, and so. The idea is once he discovered that he's actually hearing 
within the music, the vibrations of the universe and sort of it's like disruptions in the harmony is what he's hearing. And uh, and it's uh, because he's interdimensional, thus that he gets all the access to the different universes that are in different time spaces and so on and so on. Um, he uh, it's it is sort of a multiverse ripple and he goes and tracks it down uh, and tries to sort of set things right. So a little bit of the quantum leap kind of, you know, s sort of sense. You know, mm -hmm. I've got to go there and sort of fix things. Um, and it, so it gives him a lot of flexibility for why he's there, why he's clearly an outsider, you know, uh, generally places him on the, he's generally meaning to be a good guy, but maybe at odds with whatever's going on locally. So again, it gives him a lot of flexibility to play a part without taking over. Um, mm. Now, did you ever, like, uh, I'm going to jump uh, to something else. Did you ever see the 2022 uh, version of Quantum Leap? No. I did not see it, and I didn't understand why. I didn't understand why. Is it still Scott Bakula? No. <laughs> Uh-oh. I think it's the guy from Community. I could be wrong. I'd, I'd have to double check. You mean Joel McHale? No, no. Uh, uh, he might have been in Star Trek. Uh, what is his name? I'd have to look it up. Chevy uh, Chase? Nope. <laughs> it was not Chevy Chase. Um, so in, in the, in the Dreadlore um, example of gameplay, because gameplay in Dreadlore is, is, is totally different. We'll get off from that. But the point is, Archangel is one of the characters that you see. And it's supposed to... It's really a beautiful character because, especially for the Dreadlore universe, because you can have multiple settings in Dreadlore. And Archangel kind of just popping in and people, they look over and correct me where I'm wrong, Brett. Uh, they look over and they're like, oh, they notice him, but he's not out of place, but they still notice him. Right. Like they're like, there's something about this guy, but okay, he's cool. It's like this weird. And if they were to dig into it and be like, hey, where, who are you? He'd be like, oh, Right, um, right. You're asking. Well, I guess, <laughs> should I tell you? <laughs> I, and yeah, and that's pretty much, again, it, it's, it allows him to have the interplay at a level that, that, right. that, that flows the story. Um, and since uh, Dreadlore has, you know, lots of different vignettes, lots of different opportunities right. for right. settings and stuff, uh, a character that sort of is almost comfortable being out of place, uh, works well with that kind of chaotic setting like he knows where to flow i i really i really dig the idea of his when you when you described his wings oh um yeah yeah like at first i was like what do you mean and then as we talked about it i was like that's really neat and then how it sort of like plays into the universe uh will you describe some of that oh yeah um so his iconic wings um i've I've generally tried to explain to people they're they're not wings in the sense that you know they flap or any of that. They're actually almost more like antennas. The whole point to them is they displace the you know sort of the air in order to hold him in position. Uh, so it's it's a it's a, obviously super science all that kind of stuff. But that's the thing is as he moves around to all the different universes like a honeybee, he brings with him things that he 
you know, gained from his experience in other universes, which could be arcane tech, uh, mm. weird, you know, weird, inexplicable things. Like this made total sense in that universe. It doesn't make tons of sense in this universe, but he still has it. Um, and that's that's kind of some of the fun of it. Uh, is so here's he's got this weird item that he got from wherever. So someone might say, well, I don't, I don't understand it. How does that even work? Well, you might want to go look it up. The other mm. universe will explain how that thing works and why he has it. It's it's a very meta thing uh, that you're doing, which is really cool because it it on on the level, as in like within the game universe, it makes sense. It's like who is Dritzt, right? Like if 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 you dig into those 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 books, you know who Dritzt is, um, and they can even reference that that character in like the D and D movie, right? Although I don't know if they literally do. Meldra, do they actually reference Dritzt in the D and D movie? Which one? Oh, the new good one, point. I'm sure. Good point. Yeah, the new one. Um, or any no. of them. No, and <laughs> you and know, they should. They should. I'm not. They? I'm not saying that. The... <sighs> I talked he's, about he's that... awesome. Go Here... on, sorry. But now putting a, putting aside the fact that apparently Salvatore hates the character these days, but I have I have said I have stated that doing a straight up D and D movie was always going to be doomed. Largely because the big appeal is this in, is this interactive version of fantasy tropes. But when you take away the interactive part, all you just have is a poor man's version of fantasy tropes seen in other fantasy movies. Now, here's the other half of that. While I think a D&D movie would be doomed to fail, I think you would have better legs with, say, a Dragonlance movie. Or a Forgotten <laughs> Realms movie. Yes, I'm aware of the I'm aware of the Dragonlance cartoon. I'm moving that way off to the side there. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was a visual effects artist on that on that cartoon. So uh, thank you. I've I've um, seen that cartoon and, tr and truth be and truth be told, um, it's the one it's with Keeper Sutherland. Yeah, kids Southern and Lucy, a, Lucy Lawless. Um, the the way well. I described that the way I described that um, cartoon was. It was it was in it was in a no man's land. Yeah, just like because season four of Battlestar Galactica. Just it just was saying. it was too. The art the art style was very Saturday morning cartoon, but the subject matter sure. and the storytelling wasn't, and they don't mesh. It's like oil yeah. and water. And, and the mixing of three D and two D animation. Uh, was I understand that, cool. that was that was a big that was a <laughs> thing that everybody was jumping on in the early two thousands. Um, the the early 2000s, just from a, just from my own perspective, and I'm only going to mention this briefly, was a very transitional period in, in animation. Right. Now, yeah. everybody was starting to shift into digital tools, and not everybody was able to quite figure it out. So, yeah, but the, the, the experience is, is that, you know, if, if, you, if you're looking for a, people, uh, a film that was thrown under the bus, it was that Dragonlance movie where oh, it, people were thrown on, under the bus. I mean, it like I, I'm an okay visual effects artist. I'm not a great one, but we weren't given time, and that 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 was rushed through because it was at the transition between standard def and high def, and so it was made in standard def. And they were like, they didn't. It it was doomed from the start. You know, they yeah. they just didn't. But putting but putting that putting that aside. The key thing is that I th I think you would have more legs with do with doing one of two things: either a, 
instead of building it around D&D per se, build it around one of the D&D settings, because I guarantee you people would fucking flock to a Ravenloft movie. <laughs> Dude, Ravenloft. Or a Ravenloft movie, a Dark Sun movie, an Aquadim movie. You get, you get the point. But here's the, the thing. Go on, go on. The other potential route that you could take is to take the approach that the Princess Bride took, or more um, relevant, the gamers' Darkness Rising, where you are a set, where you, where what you're seeing is is kind is kind of that dramatic te dramatic telling of a campaign the way um, Darkness Rising was, and I I've, I've told people that that movie is the true D and D movie. Hmm. Because instead of instead of trying to play the in-universe stuff straight, it is playing with the understanding that you are seeing a, dra a dramatization of a story. That's also why I bring up the framing device of the Princess Bride movie. You know, the whole the whole story that's being told is is one that the grandpa is telling to the kid. Mm. Oh, and yeah. th those are ways that you could do it, that. but just play. Yeah, but just playing it straight was always was always going to be doomed. And when it, I saw that you I saw that you had um eh, that you had asked about um all star characters for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as I I do have a couple mascot characters that I use because because when I started to re went that I've I've been using as recurring characters for years in different games. Mm. Um. But they've all, they've always been more of ideas that I interpret into different set into different settings, because I wanted I wanted a recurring one that I could kind of use the way Eddie is on every cover of every Iron Maiden album and that kind of thing. Right. But in in general, I don't ha I don't really do that kind of approach because I like to shoot for a, as big of a variety as I can and not fall into habits. Are you more of a player or a GM? Um, I do I do end up GMing more often, but that's simply because of the fact that I I have the lead, I have the leader habit, but I have the leader thing by habit. Yeah, you so, took that as a you know level three feat. I understand. What but, I'm trying but to say. on the on the YouTube, it I, I believe it says professional GM, unprofessional gamer. That was um, a gag. <laughs> oh, is that a gag? I was kind of wondering where that came from. I um, only presume. <laughs> it's um, go on, I, go on. A lot of the a lot a lot of my um a lot of the style that I go with with how I present myself as an entertainer, I largely took from um local morning radio, especially guys especially guys like Dark Star, um Paul Allen, Jeff Dubay, mm -hmm. and um so, and Tom Bernard, especially Bill Tom Allen. Bernard on Twitter will be a guest on here very, very soon. Not the same person, but yeah. it reminds me of it. Continue. Oh, and of course, the other end and was... I, 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 part of the reason I got into media is, is Scott Shannon from New York City yeah. uh, uh, and, and doing a lot of the goofy morning uh, insanity, which I'm sure nobody would get that reference, but... Yeah. I've I've never been in New York, and the, uh, yeah. I've had a few people ask if I was ever influenced by Howard Stern. I never I never really got into him. Like yeah. I'd, I'd occasionally see I occasionally see when he when it was on E really late at night, and I was channel surfing. But that's as far as I went. I didn't really draw anything from him. But he, he the other half me. was um, stand up, um, especially especially the more 
for lack of a better term, asshole comedians. Yeah. You know, your 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 Louis C.K.'s, your Don Rickles, your De your Dennis Leary's, that kind of thing. I had the asshole song memorized, and since because of the fact that I'm taller than most most of my colleagues, um, except for Z except for Xanatrix, him and I are the same height. Um, I would I would play I would always get typecast as the villain when I was in plays. So instead of trying to fight against it, I decided to just play. I decided to just play it up, and I started taking notes from um, wrestling heels as as well, and just integrating oh, right, all of right, that. Right, right. You know, and the best characters are always the villains. I mean, that's, that's the heels. We... The heels, awesome. All right, really quick. I know that DJ Archangel, uh, Archangel, is it Arch or Arc? Arc. 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 I know that you got a roll. Um, dude, closing thoughts. Uh, closing thoughts on all yeah. on, on all that content? On um, all that. Uh, well, I think it's I think pretty much I'll just uh say that I I think a lot of people are experiencing gaming in a lot of different ways and we're joining or sort of joining our universes, you know, with our different interests. Uh, from different hobbies, different reasons we got into whatever we got into, uh, and I think that's part of what means uh, wh why gaming is starting to become a more serious thing. It's coming up out of the basement, and I'm glad to see it. Mm. So, um, you know, I'm proud of all my gaming brothers and sisters, and and how we're kind of becoming, you know, um, a real part of the 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 hobby community. So, well, we're gonna have you back on here because we have so much more to talk about um as as is evidenced by this conversation that has went that has gone i'm gonna go full kentucky that has went has went that did oh god it hurts it anyway dead. it all, done went over it done went over all over the place done um, did yeah we had we had andrea pop in we had holker just out of nowhere pop in um but i wanted to i wanted to wrap it up at least with you, Archangel. Uh, Mildra, Ken, we're, if we have more to say, we can continue rocking and rolling. But I wanted to uh, give Archangel a good bow out at this point because I know the time is coming on. Well, um, I look forward to uh, to playing uh, with Archangel. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, we and need I to... really hope that, that his beautiful character never runs into my character. In oh, <laughs> your beautiful character is going to run into Dolby. <laughs> Lieutenant Dolby, oh, uh, Archangel is going to be in that shit. You basically can't kill him anyway. Yeah. Um, now it seems it seems like it's a, just a futile and stupid gesture. Oh, it's going to be interesting. But you can <laughs> you can you can make him you can change his attitude, which may be even worse for mm. the universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, make I'm him all jaded up. and stuff. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're laying down. I know it's up. Um, yeah, Brett, we need to figure out a time that you're actually going to play because one, you fucking paid for it. Uh, mm. uh, so I, I didn't say this earlier. I, I, I mentioned a little bit. Brett is one of the major um, Kickstarter backers for Dreadlore and creating this goddamn thing to happen. Uh, I just sent the PDF to Meldra and his reply was... I'm glad it has bookmarks. Dude, that PDF 
is likely the reason that my girlfriend and I broke up back in the day. <laughs> For real, yeah. Uh, so Brett threw down, um, super supported me in this thing. Um, Ken has been super supportive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we need to we need to get you on a on a on a game for sure. And I mean, even if it's a a setting that I think into space would work, it's just Archangel could be on lots of different things. Um, long and short of it, let's find a date and we're gonna do it. Maybe the sure. first. Can you do the first or no? I'm Is booked the for the first. Okay, Mildred, you're booked for the first. Um, very possibly. Um, potentially. Yeah. It, I, I, I just I, know we're doing a one shot. I know yeah, we're doing a one shot then. I'm a bit of a moving target. I apologize for that, but I will try. It's fine. All right. Well, just let me know. We'll throw down. Uh, Mildra, pretty much, uh, I demand that you play uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at, on, on one of the Mondays that we do. And when you can, we will throw down and rock and roll uh, one of your characters. Okay. Are Ken, Meldra, do you want to continue chit-chatting? Do we need to end here? What is your guys, uh, what's your vote? Do it. I'm, I'm, fu- I'm fine with, I'm fine with going as, lo- as long as, as long as everyone else is fine with going. Because I, I, I have, I have energy for dates. <laughs> yeah, we're killing it. Apparently, All we're right. killing it. So what we're gonna do? My, I, I kiss my girlfriend goodnight, uh, and so she, she she's she's long since gone to bed. So I mean, all right. So what, what we're do gonna want? do? We're gonna send off Archangel. Well, uh, we're gonna take a five minute break uh, so I can get a sandwich, and then we're gonna continue this conversation. Cool. Sounds awesome. Uh, right. Nice meeting uh, you, Mildra. Brett, good. Thank good you so much, you again, Ken. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. All right. Good night, everybody. All right. Later, man. All right. Let's do a five minute. Uh, and then I say we can go as long as we want.
Um, and we are back. Uh, we are talking to, and it looks like all of my preferences have changed suddenly, which I don't understand why that happened, with Mildra, a uh, famed podcaster for uh, years and years and years. Uh, Mildred, what, what got you into podcasting? Where it, it seems like you go into depth uh, with a lot of topics. Where, where does this, uh, where did it start and, and why, why did you, you start getting into this stuff? Well, the funny thing is the podcasting thing kind of happened um, by accident. Um, there were some, for the, for the longest time, I figured I was just going to be doing um, straight up reviews of TTRPGs and maybe maybe live streams of certain video games, and I thought that's that's my role. I'm sticking to that. Then there were some contentious inc incidents that happened across the internet. I'm not going to go into detail on that. On that, that's a whole other can of worms. Uh oh. Um, I came I in at the right time. Yeah, and I ended up um, I ended up be I ended up being on other people's live streams with debates re regarding certain things and that br that brought up the courage where I was like you know maybe I can do this whole live stream thing this pot this podcast thing I didn't really have a plan I didn't have anybody I was trying to emulate as far as podcasting it was just I had an idea I'm going to see I'm going to see how far this idea goes and just d and just do it and see and see what's the worst that could happen um and originally the what what would become what I have I have now was a weekly um, let's laugh at dumb news um, series called Monastery Live, which produced some of the running gags that we have like the unholy quartet or send them to the clown car or the or the met or the um, many Florida man stories, although that although um, those kind of dumb stories were not limited to Florida. It's just because of the sunshine laws we get I got a lot of them. <laughs> So, um, occasionally, ha occasionally having the get gag when whenever we felt that somebody was a repeat offender enough that we didn't want to talk about them anymore, we had the rule of um, first send them to the clown car and then send them to Detroit. You know, a, ref a reference <laughs> to the take him to Detroit scene from Kentucky Fried Movie, where he's like, yep. "No, no, anything but Detroit, no, no." Yep. Oh. So the the campaign we're doing is literally set in Detroit. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Send her to the clown car, then go to Detroit. Um, when the unholy quartet was what was us laughing at some of the was us laughing and poking fun at some of the bigger um, names when it came to video game studios, because around this around the time that I started doing it, Fallout seventy six came out, and every single week for weeks on end, something new would fuck up, and I had offhandedly said. They keep fucking up like this. We need to give them their own theme song. <laughs> then and that's and then um, one of my listeners had set had sent it had sent me a graphic that was that was a um we that was a Photoshop version of the logo for the bold and the beautiful and it was the bold and the Bethesda. <laughs> what is a Bethesda? Bethesda's yeah. the studio behind that is currently stewarding games like games like Fallout and The Elder Scrolls. Mm. And with Fallout 76, which was this semi-online affair, I don't want to get into the details, but they kept but 
they but it but there was something new that was wrong or some or some new thing in either the promotion or the game itself that they screwed up and and caused a bit of a stir about and i, I was like can you not fuck up for 5 minutes please cuz <laughs> i was like i want to talk about something else but you keep fucking up so i have to keep talking about you <laughs> and event when um when covid hit um so many of the dumb stories were about, were somehow related to COVID, and I was starting to feel like it was getting repetitive. So instead of forcing that, especially since there was a, especially since a lot of people were hyper focused on partisan politics, and I was like, I don't do that. And I'm like, okay, I'm not canceling the Sunday podcast, but what I am doing is rebooting it into a topic based podcast called Geek Watch, which I've been doing ever since. Oh, we're on a we're on a bit of a ho we're on a bit of a holiday break because because some of the people are going to be out of t out of town for the holidays. But starting starting first week next month, we're bringing it back. Sometimes we do world building. Sometimes we do game design workshopping, just going with an idea and seeing where it goes. Sometimes we pick on a certain a certain um director or writer or something like that. We did a whole episode roasting J.J. Abrams, and I called him the California role. Good. <laughs> the reason I call him the California role is, be, in my personal opinion, the California role is the um, Babby's first sushi. You know, the the most yeah. the most you basic. Avoid the California sushi. Role. Yeah, it is the most yeah. it is the most basic bitch version of sushi. Yeah, is it sushi even? I mean, seriously. No, it's not. <laughs> um, in the only in, only in the way that technically speaking, McDonald's is food. Yeah. Technically, I haven't eaten at McDonald's or, for twenty years, so I totally the, technically agree with you. Or tech, or technically speaking, White Castle is a burger. Or technically speaking, Gary Coleman is a taller version of Webster. Yeah, you're technically correct, but you're kind of misleading. And there's a White Castle that I've not eaten at, uh, just about two blocks away from me, and that place stays full. Doesn't matter what time. Yeah. It could be ten o'clock in the morning. That place is full. I don't get it, but. They're in it. There are people oh, in cheap, there dude. eating that stuff. But eating it. The look, I've had I've had some bad experiences with White Castle. That's why they're my whipping boy. But so that's does a everyone. Whole other... <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure everybody's got it's been that thirty White years story. since I've had White Castle, and it just doesn't. Um, but getting but getting back to getting back to it, the the other thing that we occasionally do is reconstructions, and the idea with that is taking. What we consider missed opportunities with a given story, film, game, what have you, tweak a few things here and there, and then just see, just see where the snowball rolls down the hill, as it were. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, as I was doing the monastery live thing, we had a segment where we would highlight various kickstarters, hmm. and I was going through. I think it was. I think it was the Kickstarter for um, Carbine Jungle. By okay. Nor by NorCal Mythos, who is a massive, massive meme lord, <laughs> and because of some of the craziness I was seeing with it within it, I was like, I I got I got to find a way to get him on the show, because and I fig I put that in thinking that there's no way he'd notice. Apparently he did, and he was like, Yeah, I'd be I'd be fine to come on. Then I did I did that I did the interview I had a lot of fun talking with him, mm. and then I was like, You know what? Maybe I can do this whole interview thing more. So I would occasionally um, go through Kickstarter or go, th or go through my usual feeds and see if there was any um, 
Kickstarter that I found interesting or thought they had an idea that or a story that was worth exploring. And then I'd reach out much like the way I reached out to you and say, this is, this is who I am. This is what I do. I'd like to, I'd like to have you on for an interview. Um, and the, RSV, RSVP. Can, let me dot, dot, dot really quick. Mm -hmm. What actually interested you about Dreadlore? Um, I, I can't, I, I think I mean, it was, it's been a couple years, but yeah. So it's going to be tricky for me to remember what exactly grabbed me from, um, I think it. I think it was the. I think it was the fact that there, there wasn't a whole lot of detail. I felt that there was the potential for something, and I was getting it in my head that that it was leaning into um, a bit of a bit of fantasy punk. Though I didn't know that was the term you're going to be using <laughs> when yeah. I when I had that assessment, just mm. based on the, what I was seeing in the writing and and the like. That's that's awesome. That's great because what I. I I said fantasy punk and a lot of people were like, what does that mean? And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I know what it means, but it seems to fit. I, ha I have an, I have an idea and that is, to, and, and that is taking the, um, taking, taking the kind of DIY attitudes that are pervasive within, um, the punk culture and applying it to a fantasy setting. Hmm. Um, you have a you have a similar thing when it comes to cyberpunk. You have a similar thing when it comes to steampunk. Um, my my buddy and I Zan got in a bit of trouble when it came when it came to a experiment we did with cyberpunk with one of our episodes of the podcast mm. because I wanted to explore the idea of do you need to have a dystopia in order to do a cyberpunk story? Good question. And the whole thing the whole thing was I did I did not see enough I. I did not see enough evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to say that you did, because I was thinking, is that really the case, or is or is that what people have told uh, have told themselves? Because so much of cyberpunk was bo was born out of the um the the cultural scene in the 1980s, like the corporate dystopia. I look at that as a response to the corporate raider problem that was just endemic throughout the 1980s, um, mm. like the the character. That's where you get, say, Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. He was he was inspired by Carl Icahn, who was one of the most infamous corporate raiders to the point where he had his own category. If you look him up on Google Image Search, uh. if you look up corporate raiders on Google Image Search, there's a subcategory just dedicated to Car to Carl Icahn. Wow. And but the but the the thing is, huh. it's all. It's eventually I started I just started expanding and starting experimenting more with different topics, different styles of um po of podcasts and just seeing how far I could take this idea. And as I as I kept do especially when I would get I would get people who thanked me for re for reaching out because it's so hard for people to actually get their names out when Yeah. And it really I is. mentioned before the whole reason I started my channel 9 years ago was out of a frustration that I was seeing all these awesome projects that nobody was talking about, and some people are like, "Well, we, we're not going to talk about that. There's no, there's not enough interest in them." I'm like, "Fuck you! I'm going to make interest in them. <laughs> if I and if I have to fight against, if I have to fight against a wall to do it, I'm going to fight against a wall until my hands break." Because yeah, that's that's a thing. I mean, like, what? Just to pick your brain. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Why is there a problem there? 
Like, why is it difficult to, hey, I made a game, get it out, people will try it? Because I have personally felt a lot of resistance. Granted, I haven't gone to all the different outlets, but I'll go to a place and the main question has been, there is a D&D &D 5, now I guess D&D &D 1's coming out, yeah, and that's it. Why? that thing's going to have a lot of backlash when it comes. <clears throat> yes, it is. But at the time, it was, "Hey, there's D and D five. Why would you? Why would you even do this?" And that question to me was like, it was an amazing question to even ask. Like when it was first asked to me, it was by the the GM Gumshoe guy. I forget his name. Um, Davenport. I've yeah. I've never been able to. I've had some back and forth with him. <laughs> And him and I tend to coincidentally cover the same subjects, but it's not like it's not like I'm that level of, of buddy it's, with him. It's, it's very it's very different mediums that you guys are doing. He's more of a text based. You're yeah. you're doing more of a podcast. Um, at least that's what the because I've been on both shows and that's that's yeah. what it seemed like to me. Uh, yeah, he does. He also didn't remember that I'd gone on once before. And I did it twice, and I was like, "Well, he <laughs> both of, both of us cover both of us have covered a lot. The I keep all my interviews in a pl in a playlist. That thing is going to hit eight hundred by the end of next sure, month. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, he 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 was fine, and um, it was an interesting conversation. But one of the questions that it wasn't actually him that 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 posed it. It was one of his uh, like people. They were rather uh, abrasive, and they were which is good, but they were like why'd you make this game? Um, as in like, <clears throat> almost like a guilty till you're proven innocent type thing. Okay. what are you laughing at? I have, I have an answer in mind for that. I was going to say, have you ever met a gamer before? I mean, like, uh, you, I'm on a soapbox. I, okay. <laughs> having, Here's... having, having made content for decades now, um, <laughs> If if I don't get reamed by somebody, I've not done anything at all, uh, and so I think that's the point. Is like, if if you're not, if somebody doesn't hate you, you're not doing anything. Um, I, yeah, I I've um, well, there's a reason <laughs> I why I will anta I, I will anta I will antagonize um certain um certain folk just so I can watch them make mistakes and then laugh at them. Because, uh, as Napoleon supposedly said, never interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake. But the thing, the thing is, for I've seen I've seen that particular question quite a quite a bit, and and the in the past, one of the things I had in my bio was tabletop punk, mm. because because that. And not not in the mohawks and leather jackets, even though I do have a leather jacket. In fact, I got three of them. Nice. Um, but more in that DIY self-expression kind of ethos, I think is I think is very key. And I and especially when you learn how um it, how even D and D got got made, how the chain of events that led to think led to things like Blackmore and then Chainmail and how that was a successor to a lot of people just messing around and experimenting with the wargaming scene back in the 1970s. Mm. And understanding that you can you kind of have a pattern where people get where people get in through some means, become fans, want to do their own spin on it and the cycle repeats. 
an early example would be um, Arms Law. Arms Law started out as just a bunch of house rules for AD&D. Mm. And it would eventually develop into, into um, Role Master. Like Arms oh, Law yeah, and, then a, and a couple other law books, and they'd be combined into Role Master. And then later on, they would get the Middle-Earth license, and that's how we get MURP, Middle-Earth role-playing. And, and now that kind of thing has gone full circle with Against the Dark Master, which is kind, which is kind of a streamlined MURP, but obviously without the Tolkien license and leaning a little bit into power metal, because... Um, Max Christie, the lead developer, is a big Blind Guardian fan. <laughs> but the if as far as that particular question, if that was if that was if the the answer that I have I have, and I've really begun to realize this as I've delved more and more into the tabletop scene outside of the U.S. and Canada. You know, the question, what, the question being. Why even make a system if there's a D and D five? Yeah. Yeah. Um. the The answer the answer is for whatever for whatever reason, D and D in whatever edition that it's that it's being used, isn't be isn't satisfactory to some to the person making that particular game. A lot of art is a response to other art. The Let's consider the ex consider the expressionist movement when it came when it came to painting. Okay, a lot of that was a was a response to the to the emphasis on realism that came a generation before that, and people wanted to go more abstract. Um, a lot of a a lot of the a lot of the um guttural growling type of type of um vocals that you hear. In a, in a lot of um, death and a lot of death metal, like for instance, well, death was a response to the cleaner vocals of the time. And tabletop games are no different in this sense. You all, it is a, it is a, even if it's a different form of art, it is still a form of art. And there's going to be people who don't want to do ju just that and want to do something different. And even even the early TSR crowd, like D and D, wasn't the only thing that they did. There was experiments with other with other genres. That's how you get stuff like Metamorphosis Alpha or Boot Hill or Star Frontiers or get or Gamma World. And this idea of oh, we, we don't need this other thing. We've we've got D, we've got D and D. Well, that's not going to be satisfactory to a lot of people. And what I really began to realize, especially as I started delving more and more into the tabletop scene in Japan and how much of a different beast that is. Because the whole D&D question, that was brought up when the Goblin Slayer TRPG was released in English. And people were like, why didn't they use D&D for this? Well, D&D isn't that popular in Japan. Mm. It, doesn't have that, it doesn't have nearly that same foothold that D&D does. And more importantly, the... the issue that I've tried to combat and the issue that is tied into that why why make this instead of just use D, use D&D is in three words culture of conformity this idea of you have to you because D&D is the big name you have to use it and you use it and you use it because it's the big name that circular um, attitude 
And at the same time, the people who extol that will end up lamenting that they, that they feel like they're burned out or that the, or that there's not enough variety. They feel like they're playing the same characters, the same campaigns, and so on. But because of, but because it's the popular thing, they feel that they have to continue continue sticking in that. You've probably heard the analogy of um, crabs in a bucket. I have not. You know, <laughs> the, they stay in the bucket because any time a crab tries to get out of the bucket, the other crabs pull them back in. Mm, I see. And that's kind that's kind of that's kind of that cultural problem that's been pre that's been prevalent within the tabletop gaming scene for a lot for a long a long time. Um, there were there were cracks mm -hmm. in it in the '90s after TSR managed to piss off everybody because of all because of all the irresponsibility and just all the stuff that Lorraine Williams had gotten up to when she was running things. She was called the Lady of Pain by some people. She is not well liked. <laughs> I like the Lady of Pain though. She's um, quite literally my favorite character in the the Planescape, at least. Yeah, but um, there there were really really dumb decisions that she had done, and <clears throat> there's plenty of people who've co who've covered that in detail. That and Hagen Mud Mover, just to do yeah. a little plug. Go on. Yeah, but this idea this idea of um. Of D of D and D being synonymous with the entire tabletop, um, genre, um, meet I won't say genre, medium, is something that feeds that culture of conformity. And whenever people <clears throat> do that, because I have seen that whole thing of, well, why not just why not just play D and D? It's um, a common question. Like I'm yeah. seriously, and the, the all answer, over the place. The answer. The answer that I that I've often used of of why why not do that is simply what D and D is do. There is a certain thing that I want to foster, a certain thing that I want to help um, encourage, and just doing D and D is not is not going to be satisfactory to that. You know how they all people always say, "Be the change you wish to see." Mm. If D. If um if the if it was really that simple of just play of just play a just play D and D or a modded version of it, then all the other games that are currently out there would not need to would not need to exist. If it's an, it and I don't I'd often say to people, well um if 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 you're really gonna say we'll we'll just play D and D, then um how come how come in say how come in say wrestling. You don't have just you don't have people going well. Just just watch WWE and and that's all you need. Clearly, clearly that clearly that style of product is not working for some people, and they're going to go other places. The gameplay sandbox that D and D has does not work for some people for whatever reason that it doesn't, and either they're going to find something else, or because of the fact that homebrewing and customization is so ingrained in the culture, they're going to make something else. Regardless of whatever heartbreaker term that people are going to use, this kind of making their own thing is going to be inevitable no matter what. And I want to foster that along as best as I can. So there's this idea, and, and, and it gets into an entirely different discussion. Or I should say, a very a deep discussion. OSR um, type stuff. Which seems to be a lot of the content that's on YouTube and TTRPGs right now, um, um, like Professor I have, Dungeon. I have, 
I have a, I have my own concerns about the about OSR as a quote unquote movement. I feel like if it I feel like if it doesn't um if it doesn't adjust, it's going to be swallowing its own tail. Mm. And it's large and it's largely because a lot of the OSR crowd has and not all not all of them not all of them, but a lot of them have fi have fixated on this idea of the of this um of dividing the community into old school and new school. And all that that creates is complacency. And because because of that I f I fear that if that doesn't change you're going to have the you're going to have the OSR basically swallowing its own tail like an ouroboros. So it's interesting. I I would I would like to get someone who's an OSR person on here and have a have a good discussion. Um the reason I bring it up mm -hmm. Is because, so it's 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 something we touched on earlier, uh, when with with Brett Archangel on here, <clears throat> and board games. Like, what's the goal? Mm -hmm. Um, there are terms that are thrown around, and Ken, I'm gonna try not to jump on a soapbox. <laughs> Too late. Uh, yeah, there's 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 <laughs> you have no idea. There's terms that are thrown around. Um, one being things like story or fiction mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, cooperative story, people narrative, that's, that's one. And it like gives me like system shocks from the days that I was in the church, like just regurgitated terms that people throw around that they don't either one know what they mean or two, it's just filler words. If so, I'm if I'm being honest, it's pro it's probably both. And again, that goes back to that culture of conformity. Mm. So there's a question, like why create another game? Well, if you want to do an OSR game, a style which is what they're kind of going after. Old school, call it AD and D and prior uh games. That's a very specific style of game. It has nothing to do with the story. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we have to define story here and what I'm trying to say is, yes, it is role-playing because you're taking on the role. Uh, similar to when I play Monopoly, I want to be the shoe. And Ken gets to play the cannon. We are technically role-playing. We might fight uh, over the shoe. I do like the shoe. It's aerodynamic. The, so shoe's, it goes cool. the shoe's cool. Yeah, the shoe's cool. My, my point is, yeah, it's role-playing. Okay, go fuck yourself. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. It, it, it's a different thing. I'm taking on the role in AD&D of the Barbarian, which mm -hmm. is outlined in the game. And that's, the game is, is it has a very clear idea of what you're doing. Now you move on to third edition, it's completely different. And mm -hmm. you go beyond that and, and into fifth, which I know people sing fifth edition's praises till the, you know, the cows come home. And I, don't. I ran, I ran a game for two years in it and live streamed it. System fucking sucks. It, it, um, it's, it's fucking awful. Uh, I hate it. And the reason that I dislike it greatly is because it's like, it's like if you're trying to, this is a terrible metaphor. It's like, if you're trying to like do a job, like you've got to screw something in and someone gives you the most difficult thing to use to screw the thing. Imagine you're trying to open a bottle of wine and you don't have a wine key. Someone's like, no, 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 this too. is how we do it. And it's like a drill with the thing. 
And there's this oh. whole like yep. thing they go through and it is sacrosanct to them. And I'm like, guys, the problem that I have is the system that they are using is incredibly chunky. It's incredibly mathematical. You don't learn that system from reading the book. Nobody fucking learns the Indie 5th edition from reading the book. Go to hell. What you do is you find some motherfucker who knows how to play and they teach you how to play and you reference the fucking books. Read the DMG if you can stand it. There's a concept there's a concept that I've there's a concept that I've talked about called um, handbreaking, which is the opposite of handholding in um, game design. And it's where you, it's the thing is, somebody can learn the basics by reading the player's handbook. But what the player's handbook does does a very piss poor job of te- of doing, and I get the feeling this is where you're going into is teaching how the disparate parts mesh into that combined whole. Like, yeah, and you would assume in- the DMG does it, and it doesn't. Well, I've, to had, use- I've had. I've had DMG, DMG apologists, and I'm like, really, guys? You literally read this, and we're like, oh, no, this is great. This is this I've is great re- stuff. I've, I've, if I'm being honest with a lot of with a lot of GM oh. chapters and a lot of books, I skim through it because so much of it is just an advice column. Yeah. So there's so there's not a whole so there's not a whole lot that it's really adding. And when it came to the Five E DM's guide, there was one there was one infamous spot that I have used as my whipping boy for years now. And that was when they claimed that you could make a samurai character by reskinning a paladin. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Go back, do it again. Mm. <laughs> uh, that that in trying to talk about wuxia and and um J- and J- and Japanese fantasy in the in the same paragraph as if the, as if they're in the same ballpark and they it's, are. It's because you have multiple writers. They're just trying to push out content because they need a DND. They need a DMG. This I is would, what I'm trying to say. Go I would say. Now, now, um, to to go into that whole meshing thing, the big issue, the big issue is, let's use the barbarian example that you that you mentioned. So, the so um, you have you have an understanding of what your starting kit is going to be, but let's say you're starting at third, let's say you're starting at third level, so you get your first subclass. It does not. It only tells you what the subclass is going to be able to do at those level intervals, but not necessarily what would be a good fit for the theme of your character. What right. sort of, what sort of feet, what sort of feats would you want to take? What sort of ability scores would you want to focus on? What sort of weapons would you want to focus on for certain themes? What would, what is going to be a better or worse fit for the theme of the character you're trying to make? It just expects you to figure to figure that out, and obviously, not all classes are created equal, and you may you may have you may have an understanding of, of what dice to roll for what actions, but in terms of figuring out what sort of com- what sort of combinations will make you more effective, there's no there's no hint of any teaching of that. Well, you touch um, it with a pen, and this is a problem. This is a problem in the system. Um, that that a lot of people just they 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 don't seem to see maybe because it's never been pointed out. The system is teaching you how to play. We said this earlier. 
it is teaching you how to play the way a game a video game tutorial is teaching you the yes. controls and the and fact is else. the fact is all you're looking for is the big number is the win is combat now i know that dnd has has flirted with this idea of social combat it was it's never really it was never really designed for no, it and it was never designed for a story it was never designed dude i if we use the monopoly rules i could fucking tell an awesome story it would be difficult because we would be constantly fighting against the rules and that's what happens in dnd i know people have a big old warm chubby over critical role the reason they like critical roles because of the personalities and Ken and I yeah, talked so about this. the, the mm -hmm. dice rolling because the, the, the fight scenes last for, for 30 minutes to an hour. <laughs> and it's like, come on. The, well, the, uh, a, a lot of this is be, a lot of this is because there's so much, um, there's so much, there's so much material that was kept, that was kept in, in a vestigial form without really examining whether or not it works for what it's trying to be. As well as people trying to make it this omni game, which, if you look, right. if you look at a, if you look at a lot of games on the market, just go, just going, just doing a casual browse through drive through RPG or a, or going through um, your LGS, you're going to see that a lot of that the that most games have a specific direction as far as what type of game they're trying to be. The right. only one, the exception to the rule here. Are universalist games, which are not built in the same way. They're built more like a programming language that you use to build your game. Which is what Dreadlore is. Although Dreadlore oh, does uh, have a setting, quickly, it does have a setting with it. Uh, before we get too far away, um, is 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 a negative that D and D, the playing of D and D, you might as well be playing Magic or something like that, where you're just you've got some cards, you draw some cards, they fight. Well, since you brought up since you brought up magic, I'll use I'll use that as an example of what of what I'm getting at. Mm. It's if you if the instruction manual for magic, it's going to teach you what um that you draw a card just at the start of your turn, that you that you place a land, that you, you that you tap lands to use to use your spells, the basics of what a creature is, the basics of what a sorcery is, the basics of what an instant is. And so, so on and so forth. Um, some of the symbols, some of some of the keywords, but what it isn't teaching you is how is how to set how to set up combos. What the what the idea the idea of um co of combi of combined um combined cost. It isn't teaching you the the ways to use the to use card effects to set up chain to set up chains. The, the the theming that one would expect from the different colors and why those different colors matter beyond just um lore hmm. it's that latter part that it isn't teaching i've i've seen this also in fighting games where it'll t where people will, where you'll get taught like this you press this button to punch this button to kick this button to block this button to jump but in terms of setting up comp set, setting up combinations or figuring out the, or what the strengths and weaknesses of a character are, it's not teaching you any of that. You're just supposed to figure that out on your own. Hmm. This is why you have this Great Wall of China-style gap between people who are um, begin beginners and experts, and as I said before, I want to create a path between those two. 
And I, I guess I guess my my point was is is that people are basically playing a, a magic card. Like their character is a magic card, and they're the, they're going out and. The problem that I have the problem that I have is the is um, the lack of guidance. I can't. I cannot get mad at somebody for just playing a magic card, if, if that's all the if that's all the guidance and instruction that they're given within a rule set. If you you know garbage in, garbage out. Well, it's very clear. You know, when we play chess, <clears throat> if you're playing white, I'm playing black. You win by checkmating me, and I win by checkmating you. If you're playing magic; it's a very similar thing. You're trying to kill all their hit points, right? Yeah, but, but since D &D, you, brought up, you brought up chess, and there's a bunch, there's been a bunch of advanced moves that have come that have come out that you're not that you're not going to get taught um, early on. You're just going to get taught how each piece moves. Right, but you and and, and I, I dig what you're saying. That that's actually a good idea. You, you can learn all these openings and all this stuff, but the entire goal of chess is to checkmate the other king or to stalemate, um, depending on what you where you are in the tournament. In a tabletop role-playing game, though, the goal, the headspace, is not necessarily that clear for a lot of D&D &D players. I see it as maybe one of three things, or all. One, they're trying to be social. You have this meta aspect. It's not necessarily in the game. It's something completely different. They're getting something as a person out of the engagement. Two, they're just trying to fucking win. Um, and when I say that, I mean, I've got, I think this is exemplified very well in 3.5. You have a certain build and damn it, if it's the moon tide and you have your ocarina of whatever the fuck and you can roll an 18 up, you do the thing and then you want to make a different character. And a lot of people are into that. Then you have people that I actually enjoy gaming with and they kind of like Ken their their main concern is what's going on in the story what is my character doing what makes sense and then how can i as a player be creative and build and do that this but, a lot of a lot of those three things are born and and this is and the problem with this is born out of that whole trying to be and trying to make something that was just originally dungeon crawling into an right. omni game right. and when i say when i say universalist games the kind of games i'm talking about are things like gurps right um champ um champions later later on hero system savage mm. worlds right um, fate. Right, right game games that are me are meant to be that omnidirectional because the idea is you're building something from the blue bucket of legos we all had as kids and with dean if you let's let let me contrast that with say, um, Cyberpunk Red, because I do I do plan on I I have been helping out a buddy of mine who's been who's going to be running that soon. I'm not going to be involved with it. I'm just helping him out. Hmm. There is an understood assumption that you're pl you're playing as a mercenary in Night City. Night City is a defined place with a lot of different districts, with a lot of different themes, a lot of different factions, whether it be the corpos, whether it be the gangs, whether it be the freaks, whether it be the netrunners, all, all of that stuff. Is this Fantasy Flight? Um, Cyberpunk? Cyberpunk Red? Or is it just no. Cyberpunk? 
It came out oh, in the late 80s or, yeah, 88, I think. Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk Red is the most recent edition. It's yeah. from um, Artelsorian Games, you know, okay. Pondsmith's company. The point, the point is, with that game, there's a clear idea of, even though, even though there's a sandbox, there's a clear idea of what your character is supposed to be. Right. And where they and where they fit into a place like Night City, you it's are very specific. You are a merc for hire. Mm. Um, Shadowrun has a has a similar thing. Right, you right, are right. a Shadowrunner. You're mm, usually right. getting jobs from some from somebody named Mister Johnson. Well, like Call of Cthulhu. Right. Call of Cthulhu. You're an investigator, usually in, uh, in like eight in like 1920s mm. Arkham, um, Massachusetts, the Massachusetts, yeah. the Massachusetts area. Um. Later, later editions would move to different time zones and different and different regions, like Detroit, nineteen eighty-two, for example. Yeah. But the Crazy, general vi yeah. the general vibe is you are an invest you are a investigator, whether it be whether it be a scholar, whether it be just a private detective, mm -hmm. whether it be just somebody in the wrong place at the wrong time. But you've been pulled into this particular mystery that's going to deal right. with shit you are not prepared for. It's very specific. Mm -hmm. And I, in, I do enjoy the. I was gonna say I, I've got the Call of Cthulhu uh, board game uh, that is that is Arkham of the, Horror. Uh, well, the based off of Pandemic. So I mean, oh. I feel like Pandemic slash, uh, oh, yeah. you know, so you're, you're really basically well. fighting diseases. But yeah. it's 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 got the skin of Call of Cthulhu. I do enjoy uh, that. I I feel like yeah. COVID was basically it was COVID of Cthulhu, right? COVID. But the, the point is with the, with each of the with each of these entries, um, there it there is there is there is something for the for the player to build for, to build on, and the, and one of the best examples of this kind of thing came with the games that ca that came out of the World of Darkness meta series. Mm, sure. You know, with with vampire, you are a vampire. You are a vampire, yep. obviously. One who is one who has some allegiance to one of the vamp one of the vampire clans, mm. what and that is not only going to determine what sort of abilities you're better at getting, but also the relationship that other PCs and NPCs are going to have with you. Like well, and in the mm -hmm. and vampire was a horror game, which yes. it's it's you are clinging to your humanity, but you're gonna lose it. However. What happened with and you know old or were old world or new world is you became superheroes with vampire abilities. That's a whole that's a whole other thing. But the the point is the point is bringing it bringing it full circle to something to something like D and D. Mm. Um, the reason the murder hobo thing became a meme is because there isn't really right. a defined um, answer to. What are your characters? Well, you are oh. you are murder hobos. That that that's the point. Like you can have a game where that's not the case, but the fact is the system in the game that's what you do. You're in old in OSR. You're fucking thieves. That's what you are. You go and, and you you tomb raid. You steal. You murder. And then when they tried to make it a a, a thing where there's a story, you're just murder hobos. Like that's actually what you are. Yeah, I've um, I've as I've been playing through. I've as I said, I've been I've been doing a Emberwind campaign on Saturdays, and 
the mod the module that we're using currently um called the song weave tapestry mm. has as as a little bit as a little bit of a primer that I've utilized when it comes to the big factions, the key terms, and what and whatnot. Because I always write a primer whenever I start a campaign, mm -hmm. just to give people an idea of what the tone is and what I expect. Yep. And within that, there's ways to there's ways to get certain associations for start for starting characters. The there is a um, framing device as far as who your characters are and why they're in this place beyond your your meeting at a tavern. Hell, when we when we started that story arc, they were uh, they were on an airship, heading heading to the city of Summit for this bit for this um big for this big celebration mm -hmm. that was that was going to happen every year. That's basically a basically a fest basically a setting equivalent to like the World's Fair. You know mm. where everybody's showing off different inventions and all that. That's right. that's the framing. That's the framing device that's present in that in that particular story. And that's and the importance of these framing devices is something that only certain set only certain settings barely have. And when you look and when you contrast that with the rest of the with the rest of the tabletop space, um. I honestly, I honestly think, I honestly think, design-wise and f and feature-wise, D and D is behind the ball compared to everybody else. Hmm. Because th because this sort of this sort of concept of having a framing device is almost an accepted standard. It's interesting. So when when I was creating Dreadlore, one of the ideas was so I had this world craster. It's fantasy punk, you know. Think of it like post-apocalyptic. There's science. There's or pseudoscience. There's there's magica, kind of like magic. And one of the things that I sort of lamented was anytime I described some of the races or some of the the world, people would say, "Right, so where are the orcs? Where are the elves?" And I was like, "Man, you know, that's." That's I'm trying to get away from that necessarily, and they'd be like, "Oh, well, how does magic work? Can you cast fireball?" And everything is is framed in a certain way. <clears throat> One of the things that helped me was there's a letter um, J.R.R. Tolkien has where he's lamenting to someone about how when he talks about elves in his, you know, in Middle Earth. People keep on thinking they're like little brownies from like Irish folklore mm -hmm. or someone from like German folklore. And he's like, no, I'm writing something different. These dwarves, they're not what you think they are. These elves, they're not what you think they are. I, th I, I got a lot of inspiration from that because I was like, not that Dreadlore's the new Tolkien or anything, but. Didn't he also roast somebody who wanted to change the name? Like like a um, Danish translation where so they wanted to change the name of Hobbit to something else, and he wrote this long ass letter saying, "You will not fucking do that." Probably, but but that's the thing. You have to put your foot down. You have to be ostentatious to a degree. You know, in writing Dreadlord, it's like, hey, look, here's this setting, and it's a cool setting. It's very different from a lot of things, um, but the system of mechanics, the way you actually play the game, has a very specific goal in mind. The goal is not like a fantasy flight game, which I'm not trying to knock them, but I do knock them. I think they're really fucking boring. 
um, where they have their own dice and like, this is the real way to play Star Wars. And I'm like, yeah, it's a way to play a board game is what it is. I want an immersive role-playing experience where players have agency and they really get into a cooperative storytelling. And that is what Dreadlord is doing. And you can apply it to a lot of different settings the, so long as you're going towards that goal. The tricky the tricky thing when it because I often I often see people talk about how this game or that game doesn't ha doesn't have enough role playing is um for one a lot of a lot of that is going to come down to the to the um table. And again, this is where the tools come come in and two um any game any as we dis as we discussed earlier, any game can have um can have role playing. The key thing, the key thing is, and I've I've had to understand this the hard way. There is no royal road to role playing. What you what is the better what is the better approach in my estimation has always been give people guidance, let people develop the role playing style that they are that they're going to develop from ex from experience instead of trying to find a one true way because you're never going to do that. Mm, sure, sure. You might find your way, but you're never going to find the um the role playing equivalent to the answer to life, the universe and everything, which no, it is not 34. It's 42. Okay. 42, sorry. The and um in a lot in a lot of the reviews that I that I do in the Gaming Monk review series, you may notice if you look at those, I do not score them on a numerical sense. Mm. I use a tier system. Because the approach that I've taken is that I am a tailor. I am I am tr the recommendation that I give or lack of recommendation is less about how good or bad a given game is and more about what kind of players and GMs, what kind of tables right. would I recommend this game to? Because exactly, exactly. Games, games are for everyone. But not every game is going to be for everyone. You actually mentioned that. I don't know if it was on this stream or if that was listening. I was, yeah. You were, you literally were talking to uh, the "Everyone Will Die" guy. Mm -hmm. What was his name again? Um, um, Titus Villanueva. Haha. -ha. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that. I completely agree with that. Um, one of the next guest stars. Uh, who's going to be on this? My buddy Jeff McNeil. Um, he and I, he, he definitely influenced a great deal my uh, both incarnations of Dreadlore. Mm -hmm. And that was one of our discussions. The, the system, the tools, as you mentioned, they matter. When I jump into any game, literally any game, because I mean, I'm a fucking actor, I am always going for that angle. Always. I'm looking for those moments where, you know, the fucking spotlight and you have the moment and people are like in it and it's access and allies. And usually everyone else is like, oh my God, it's not the right forum. It's not There's the right no like, role arena. playing in access and allies. You go to hell. There's very little. You if, you go, if you go to hell, tell the devil he still owes me 12 bucks. That's right. right. I want my $2. My point is, the system absolutely matters, and I agree with you. If people are looking for immersion, where they're they're getting into their character, and they're not, you you said, uh, I'm assuming LGS is local game store. Yes. Yeah. If you're looking for 
LGS style gaming. <clears throat> like my my buddy Daniel Huffaker. Shout out to Daniel. I love him. He runs awesome games. I utterly disagree with him on this point. Go to a fucking LGS. Um, I want to stab myself at those places. And it's nothing against people. It's just, I don't know what they're trying to do. Like, I'm sitting there looking at them, and I'm like, what What are you doing? Like, I am bored to, to tears just watching you guys play. Usually D&D. The pla- not the Planescape. Um, uh, what's it? The Pathfinder. The Pathfinder people are a little bit better. But I'm like, why don't you get into it? Like, at all. But it's always other- some person who's like, nah, I do, nah, nah. And it's like, God, God, geez, God, ah. Something else I want I want to note because I've I've seen this whole thing of oh people don't know how to ro- how to role play in in game X and I'm sitting there going the the ability to do that is not going to be a universal affair. There are some people, and I fair, do fair. I do think that I'm some not looking people... for a performance. I'm not looking for a performance. I, I'm oh. sorry to cut you off, but I want I want to I want to make a, make this a fine point. The rules teach you how to play. Seems obvious, but it's apparently fucking not. When the rules are roll your d20, add your numbers, go. Then yeah, you're gonna have fucking neckbeards doing that. Whereas if the rules I, are like, I hey, have an issue with like roll. Be descriptive. Yeah, a roll in you know intelligence or roll like to convince somebody. It's like why don't you play the game? Why don't you say the words to convince somebody? Because. There's nothing to me that's more disappointing as a, a player character when I have this wonderful role play, and then they're like, "Okay, now you need to roll for this trait that you have, or, or, or roll for this." Well, a, a uh, lot of people have gotten the intent of doing the die roll is when you're doing an is supposed to be when you're doing an action that may that may have a chance of failure. Sure. Um, a lot of. But that ha- at some point that ended up um, being glossed over by people, and so you have people rolling for things that they don't need that they don't need to mm. um, roll for, and they're supposed to. And again, the whole issue of the whole issue of guidance. Mm. Um, but what I've no- what I've noticed is that among some, they end up taking it the opposite approach, where they where they demand that people. Um, role play to the point where they're expecting them to be me- almost method actors, and even in the acting true, sphere, true. method for, actors for sure. are rare, rare unicorns. Yeah, but but roll for guidance, for instance, like that's like a thing that like okay, you get a bonus of some numbers. Here's some guidance, and and like well, you so- don't describe how they're helping uh, when they do that. They're just like I'm gonna like zap you with my finger. And you are automatically going to have this ability instead of like, oh, I'm going to step aside, and start waving my hands in the air. A lot and of like a lot little... of that comes down to. It's important to keep in mind that D and D was a successor to Chainmail. Mm, truth. Chainmail was and it still is the root, oh, it's... The, the core of it still is. And he, here's here's where, here's where I'm getting at. Um, Chainmail. Was bo- was born out of that wargaming culture of the 1970s, mm. and with a lot of spells, with a lot of effects, with a lot of the rules that were in those things, they were meant to be functions because the idea because the idea of 
ro of role playing of what does your character do was not a th was not is not a thing in wargaming. You're playing at you're not playing as a character in those kind of things. You're playing as armies. Now there right. is the character centric approach in like skirmish games, which are small, which are smaller scale. But that approach of the of these being functions, like there's no there's no need to want to ask what the wizard is doing when he, or when he says why he's, casting, he's doing it when he says that he's casting why. fireball because yeah. in a war game that's not important. Right. Right. And this is. I'll, one of my one of my favorite um, spells when I when I play Exalted is Blood of Boiling Oil, and it goes into a short paragraph of what that spell does, which basically temporarily transmutes somebody's somebody's blood into well oil, and does a shitload of aggregate aggregated damp aggravated English monk Jeez. damage. Um, Exalted very much is trying to play itself like an epic. Right. Um, right. It's drawing a lot. It's drawing a lot upon from manga and from. Is is it exalted? Uh, it's the one where you can play like the different tiers of gods, right? Um, I'm not thinking of something else. You might be thinking of Scion, which I'm thinking is, of Scion. I'm thinking which of Scion. is which does have that path of hero, yeah. demigod, and god. Right, exalted, right, 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 right. you are a demigod who has a sliver of divinity from from gods like Luna or the Unconquered mm. Sun or the Dragons of Gaia. Um, and there's a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more to it. But the the point. The other thing is, when you look at magic systems in fiction, there are established. There are usually established rules that have to be followed, or there are certain people who are able to do it because they have connections to something bigger. Like the reason Gandalf is able to do the magic that he does is because of his nature of what's the setting equivalent of an angel. <laughs> yeah, ostensibly he's not even he's not he, even using magic, but what 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 I'm trying to get at when it, this is a good conversation. Magic systems fucking suck in TTRPGs. Um I say this without too much conceit, the one in Dreadlore is fucking amazing. Um <laughs> the and and I actually mean that. Like it's actually very very good. Is um, do you think do you say that they suck because the the um way that magic is supposed to work is not gone into. Yeah. Oh, I can. Uh, I World can of Darkness. The World of Darkness with uh, Mage the Awakening, amazing, great. <laughs> but but you literally have an entire system trying to do it. The entire system is literally about making magic. Now I don't like that game. Truth be told, I don't really like it. I. I think it falls flat on its face. I think Vampire and Werewolf are the best incarnations, old world, of it. Um, and when it comes to lore, rules, okay, the new world's okay. What I'm trying to say is, D&D spells are, um, it's not magic. Uh, when you go to like the old school, like the D&D cartoon, and they're like, oh, how does the DM do, how does the DM do his shit? Oh, it's magic. You don't have to explain it, but you do. It's rules. So you what did they do? They were like, oh, okay, here's some, this spell does this. And then you have players who learn from the rules and they're like, well, hold on. The spell does this and it says is. So there's a semicolon. So I'm holding an acorn. So, and it's the furthest thing from any kind of story. It's like this 
trolling, like, mean, tongue-in-cheek blurb, and it never gets out of it. Ever. There's nothing remember what I Remember what I said about Chainmail? Mm. That this is again, it comes it comes back to what I said before. Not um the the transition between a war game and a role playing game. Right. Right. There was there were vestigial elements that should have that should have been addressed decades ago and never were in the name of tradition. Uh. And, or not or not alienating or whatever whatever way that someone wants to phrase it the point is that that sort that sort of approach was never done and i've i've talked about this in the past about why i have such a strong disdain for the for the spell charges and the like the vancian model as it's known mm. which is ironic because the dying earth rpg based on jack vance's books doesn't even use that model it uses a completely different setup but there is but there's never an in there because of the fact that it wants to have its cake and eat it too regarding what kind of fantasy it is mm. there's never a put the foot down moment as far as what are as far as why you you say have to do the 8 hour rest and have to prepare your spells in advance right there's never there's never a reason given why a certain spell requires certain components now, well, the, I, reason, I w- the reason is because it's game mechanics, right? That's it. The game mechanics need that to happen, and everything's layered on top of it. Um, Except and, and, you look at other games, and that's not and that's not the case. You have the in. We talked about Shadowrun earlier, so I'll bring that up. Sure. In Shadowrun, you have the you have the whole thing of spell drain, and it makes explicitly clear casting magic is a dangerous, very draining affair Mm. casting it is going to wear you out and if you overdo it you are going to fucking die right in something like warhammer all magic whether it's whether it's miracles or whether it's whether it's sorcery is drawing upon chaos in some form Mm. and when you draw upon chaos you are playing with fire right and if you and if the and um every time and if your roles are if your roles are not favorable to you sometimes something extra can happen because you're de- you're trying to impose control on something that is fundamentally against any form of it because it's chaos right and because because of the fact that that is known and there and you have things like chaos corruption or the perils of the or the perils of the warp and so on mm. that you have you have this integration between the, between the narrative, between the story, and but and between the um and between the mechanics and and exactly and what does that teach players? If you're playing a psyker in 40k, you know you can do amazing things, but there's the potential of a cost, and so the player out of game knows that. And I'm perfectly fine with a a table of dreadlore players talking over the table about what their characters almost third like a uh, third person over the shoulder mm-hmm. talking about their characters because the the mechanics are being like hold on we should do things a certain way and my player or my character would do these things you're still role playing you're still in the fiction making something happen versus i'm doing a first person shooter and i'm 
I shoot you, haha, and now I do the little squat thing on your corpse and run off. Yeah, which is how everybody though, fucking plays D and D. Yeah. Uh, if if we're gonna talk dreadlore, I do have to say some of my favorite traits that I've used and made up are it worked in the past, and um, the the other one is hide in plain sight. You know, I just love that. It's, it's like a <laughs> it's immersive. You know, and truth and, be told, and, 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 like we get to make uh, yeah our own yeah. adjectives that describe us and what yep. we can do. The the character that you that you see is that you see is my avatar. The one of one of the two, that being Alden Zabak Robinson and his twin sister and his twin sister Aldine. Mm. Mm. Um, I ha I um unless I'm, unless I'm using certain third party material, it is all but impossible for me to for me to use that character in the fantasy that I that I had intended. Because I ended up, I ended up making, I ended up making a set of bullet points about what are the what are the important um, things when someone is looking at the character, looking at how at how they work. They are they they act like some they are some form of nobility. They ha they um tend they tend to have a consistent appearance. You know you know white white hair, blue blue eyes, all all of that. Mm. They ha they have magical ability, but it is tied to um, winter, and their signature is always being able to make melee weapons out of out of ice that they construct with their magic. I believe it's winter solstice, by the way. <laughs> Just as an anecdote, I think it is. Continue. Yeah. But the point the point is a lot of their ma a lot of the magical effects that they have are <laughs> themed around winter, whether it be whether it be um, mess, whether it be messing around with the temperature, whether it be riding on on gusts of cold wind, whether it be create creating snow or ice, or even um fr even freezing. Soldier, you have to play a dreadlore game. This the, character would exist in dreadlore. Oh my god! And the big th the big thing is being able to make just about any melee weapon out of ice and a. A lot of people have looked at that and said, "You got that idea from you got the ice manipulation stuff from Frozen," and that's not true. I got it from I got it from the. How did you ice... not get it from like Iceman or like? <laughs> I didn't even get it from Iceman. <laughs> the idea to do that kind of thing came from seeing the ice sculpture contest at the Winter Carnival. Hmm. Wow. Because I thought it, I found it fascinating how people can take a block of ice and make all these different things. Mm. And, well, and... It, does, it does make so, uh, sense because you're in St. Paul, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, Akira Coops is on and says hello. By the way, Mildred. Yep, Coop, Coops is waifu hunter. Yep, he's he's one of he's one of my players and one of my one of my guests on the various shows. What's up, Akira? Akira. Um, long, sto I am long Tetsuo. story. Go on. But like the if I was to if I was to try and play that character in Five E, mm. the only way the only way I could I could make it work is Level by 15. using is by using these is by using the spheres of power supplement. Um, same thing with Pathfinder because they're. Because just having them as a fighter who can cast is not going to fit because so much of their magical it's, it's, ability. It's a class-based problem. That's a pro I mean, class-based systems are fine, 
point buy systems are fine too, but you're going to need too many points to do it, which you're... is an, an issue for Vampire. You need to play Dreadlore. Oh. And the reason the reason why I bring up like Spheres of Power is because of its talent-based design, as well okay. as the fact that it has a rule called um called casting traditions, which is a kind of advantage disadvantage thing that allows you to build the rules of how magic is supposed to work for the character or work for the setting if the GM okay. so chooses. So, for instance, say say if say if you're having it that your setting has has it where in order to use magic, people have to write out write out um, runes on solid ground. That's a casting mm. tradition. Sure. If it's a case where they're not, um, where they can get tired out by using their magical powers, that's a casting tradition. If they have to spill blood on the ground and invoke an, and invoke an ancient deity that their bloodline is connected with, that's a casting tradition. And even the ability score that's tied to magic isn't set. They have it that it can be any one of the three um, mental ability scores, you know, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma. I usually house rule it and say you can pick any of the six because it's always funny when somebody makes a muscle wizard. You know, oh, yeah. somebody who... Somebody who I in love fact, it. One of, I love one it. of my players years ago went all the way in and made a character who was pretty much an XP of Hans and Franz from that old Saturday Night right. Live sketch. Oh, who yeah. literally cast his spells by flexing. And every time he would cast this, every time at the table when he would use one of his spells, no matter how minor it was, he had to flex like he like he was at the Arnold Classic or some shit. So so this is this is exactly what I mean. You can tap into a lot of character or player creativity with this kind of stuff. And with D&D, I mean some of the coolest game sessions I've been a part of have been over a D&D table. I'm not trying to knock D&D. What I'm trying to say is there are better systems, um, but there's a lot of resistance people have. They're like, oh, this is the way, and it works. <laughs> because a lot of people can't see past their own table. And yeah, it, prob yeah, it probably works for you, but it clearly it's not working for everybody. Otherwise, right. something like if it, was, if it was the way and it works so so much so, then Dreadlore would not need to exist. Right. Then and any of the hundreds of games I've covered over the last nine years would not need to exist. Right. The right. I but I un, I do understand that different is scary. And that's what it really comes down to, I think, and again, I, I want to tie this back to that whole culture of conformity mm. is because because they were so used to the way that the, the way that that game works, they think that they can do that with just about everything. Mm. But the thing, but the thing, the thing is, is that they're only seeing their own perspective. When I've, as I've, as I've developed as a performer, as a podcaster, what have you, mm. something I've tried to do is, is um, divorce myself from that particular issue, like in the, the. When I, when I covered, say, Overlight, which is a very fascinating um, game that describes itself as kaleidoscopic fantasy, hmm. um, one of the one of the big things that I had um, that I had st I had stated with it is that you do have you do have to play it by its rules. You cannot approach it as if you're approaching any sort of Tolkien-esque high fantasy because that's that it makes it's very clear. 
it makes very clear not only not that's not what it's doing, but also it goes into a whole page's worth of detail on what they mean by kaleidoscopic fantasy and what their inspirations are. And Tolkien is not one of them. Right. And the thing is, if the the thing is, when it comes, I know a lot of people will say, "Well, just we'll just house rule it." My philosophy has been house ruling should be a spice, not the main dish. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I don't like drowning my pep my chicken in so much pepper that it's like having chicken with my pepper dish. I do like pepper. Yeah, but you don't. You're not gonna empty a whole fucking <clears throat> bottle of it. No, I I agree. There, there's a point, like. Ad hocking is perfectly fine. Um, home brewing is fine. A lot of people have home brew, uh, but you're you're at a certain point, you're not playing the game anymore. Fine, fine. Like if you want to play three point five and say, "Hey, look, sorcerers and wizards get d sixes of hit points." Cool. I don't think there's any problem with that. No. But there's a point with people and their home brew that they're not playing the game anymore. And while that is okay, then when they defend the game, I'm like, yeah, but you're not even you're not playing the game. You're defending the game. You're defending yeah. the Frankenstein's monster right. that you've made, right. that you've made in right. the lab. Exactly. Exactly. And that is literally where my buddy Jeff McNeil started doing his Levied Souls game, which is a fantabulous fucking game when he releases it. And then it's where uh, I took a different direction and went Dreadlore. Yeah. It's a style of homebrew that I was like, this is what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. It's not the, ooh, you might roll the 20, which is a cool feeling. Or, oh, you rolled the one. These are cool feelings. But there's the rest of the game. It was... Yeah, ones what... are really bad in Red Lore, and there's no D20, so... <laughs> and... <laughs> what I, um... it's, it's what are you going for at the table? Yeah. What's the experience? And what I'm interested in, mostly is when people, when it clicks, you can see it happen, and they're like, wait a minute, I can do anything, and I have designed this character sheet, and I'm going to play this character. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. you got to get past the, what can I do? Okay. Did I get it? Yeah. I'm going to win, um, no matter what. In the, in the, um, in the em with the Emberwind campaign that we've done, for first off, um, before I even started, I had a back and forth with De with um, Derek about what sort of fiction would be would be inspirational media for it, mm. and it would with that game he listed a he listed a bunch of different stuff, and none of it would be what would be considered typical high fantasy, because some of the stuff he listed were things like Malazan Book of the Fallen. Which is a very fascinating um, fantasy series. Okay. Um, Tactics Ogre, let us cling together. You know the the second of the of the Ogre Battle series of video games. Um, the game the gaming works of of Miyazaki, such as Dark Souls. Mm -hmm. Sure. And the and some of the crystal punk aspects of cer of certain games in the Final Fantasy series. Mm -hmm. And that was what he uses his inspirational uh, inspirational media. And I use that in the primer. The other, th the other thing is that even though, even though it's using defined classes, each of, aside from the fact that the game is very beginner friendly, each of the classes in Emberwind 
have a very, very strong identity of what they are trying to be. Hmm. The warrior class, for instance, is not trying to be like the fighter who who's just good with weapons, <clears throat> full stop. Hmm. No, the, the warrior in it, in its actions, in its visual design, in the, in the way its descriptors are written, is all about getting up close and being and being a close range shit wrecker. Mm. Now, every, every character in Emberwind has a gets a melee and a ranged weapon right out of the right out of the gate, so it's not like they're completely useless if they can't get in melee. Mm. But a lot, but because of the action point approach and because of how actions um work work alongside each other, everybody everybody love everybody loves being able to take their action because they have a certain um they have a certain way that they want to they want to use their kit to um to act complementary to each other and the way that I the way that I GM I've frequently encouraged this and some sometimes when they're building or advancing their character I will give them suggestions on things that I feel would um would fit what they're what they're doing and eventually they figure that out, they figure that out on their own mm. but it's but even even with the action based set setup that it's doing, each of the there's a very clear um, identity, and like when it comes to one of one of the big casters is not a wizard but rather what's known as an ardent. The class art for the ardent looks less like the typical wizard and looks more like a flamenco dancer. Yeah, like an artist. And the tagline that's at the top of their description is "We are fire or we are fuel," oh. because they are all about they are all about set they are all about setting things on setting things on fire and benefiting from things being on fire. That's cool. Uh-huh. That's like the the circle of air and flame in uh, in Craster setting. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um. Really quick. So we have about five minutes left. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we can we can continue. Oh, uh, Akira says explosions. <laughs> we got about five minutes left, so let's let's start wrapping up uh, the conversation a little bit. Yeah, um, you're talking about Ember Wind, right? Yes. Mm. Continue. And even even if um, even if there isn't a description of what you're what you're doing specifically in each action the na- the names of each of the actions are very are very dis- are very descriptive and i love letting people pick um put to, put put it all together cuz a book that i always recommend to, p- to people whether they're a player or a gm is robin law's book blowing up the movies hmm. which is all about figuring out how how people can bring that sort of cinematic flair that they see in action movies into their tabletop and using various movies to to that to the same effect because one of his big contributions to ttrpg is the feng shui game which Mm. is the first edition had the subtitle of action movie role-playing and it is unabashedly trying to be like a hong kong action flick oh that's cool it, it makes no apologies for that and then it went even further by introducing this this um in this um Chi war that's taking place across time with different factions vying for control of ley lines across different time across different periods of time. That would be a better Doctor Strange movie. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of things that'd be a better Doctor Strange movie. But, so but you, know. you you dig what I'm saying? Like the system has a point, and it's like the 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 rules push you in a direction because you are rewarded for playing a certain way. So if yeah. you're playing the barbarian, for example, or the 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 what other whatever feng shui wizard, etc. It's like, well, what role are you taking? Mm-hmm. And you are rewarded for doing that, which yeah. that's a class style system. If you want to get away from that and actually be care more about the story, um, in my opinion, then you release those shackles. You don't have class based stuff, and you say it's a little bit more dangerous. You get the wide ocean; you can do anything in it. But there are rules that say this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to get, we're trying to sail, or we're trying to we're trying to go here. Here are the rules of the world that we're in. But the system rules reward a certain kind of play, regardless of the setting that you're in. And if the rules reward the player for playing their character, you've got a really interesting situation and an opportunity, a very good opportunity, to have cool role-playing and cool stories. But the rules have to enforce that. Yeah, it, it can't be a hey everyone. This is a horror game, so roll your d twenty. Horror oh. games don't fucking work in d twenty. Sorry, I'm sure people have had it happen. It's great until you have to deal with the system. I've um, I since you since we talked since I mentioned L five R earlier, I'll bring I'll bring mm. that up as an example because right. the Shugenja is not the same as a wizard in that game. The sh- it I usually tell people that it ha- that it's less in common with the wizard in his dusty tome and more in common with a um with a da- with a Taoist priest or an onmyunji. Hmm. Om- sorry, onmyoji. I I end up screwing that up. The idea is that they're not casting spells; they're entreating the local kami, the local spirits, I see. to do a service for them, which is why they have to roll. For their particular, when they they have right, to make a spell like a performance or whatever, yeah, yeah, and there's only a certain amount of times that they can do it based on each um, of the fi- of the five elements. With vo- there are void spells, but mm. for most care, but only a select few are going to get those, depending on your build. And though, and um, for everybody else, void is basically a wild card. Mm. You know, it can be any other el- it can be any other element, but you're not going to have that many of them. Hmm. Uh, and of, co- of course the bigger the effect the harder it is to actually get the kami to do what you want them to do uh, and L5R is not necessarily a class based system it's using archetypes mm. which well and, archetypes and classes are I mean by and large it's the same thing when I when I the dif- the difference that I usually go with is that archetypes are more of a, are more of a broad idea, but there but there's a lot of routes that one can that one can take as you create and de- and develop it, as opposed to a class which is more defined in for, in terms of what you are getting in terms of your kit. Sure. Well, I mean, if you if you dig into it, um, <clears throat> you know, old school D and D, like AD and D stuff, AD and D and stuff. If you're the thief, then you're the thief. What archetype are you? What class are you? I'm the thief. I do thief stuff. 
mm-hmm. you know, what are you? I'm the I'm the warrior, or I'm the priest. And, That's what I do. I I like archetypes because I find I find it a good middle ground, because because to continue with that L5R example, the the big the main archetypes are bushi, which are the which are obviously warriors, um, courtier. Which are the which are oh, more Bushido, about I see, right. yeah, which are more about um poli- which are more about the politicking and social aspect, um Shugenja, which are which are the which are the casters, but they're more akin to priests than typical wizards, as I mentioned before, and the monks, which are which are kind of a in are kind of an in between. They're not. They're not an in between like a gish where you can, where you can where you can cast. They have their own particular abilities that are unique to them. Mm. They're they're ju- they're just um they're just kind of on the out, kind of on the outside of things. And the thing that def- the thing is is that because of how the schools work between the clans, you can have two bushi, who are going to approach a combat situation, for instance. In different ways, Abushi, fr- who studied at the Hida school, is gonna stu- is gonna study the way that the Crab Clan tends to study. They tend to fi- they are big guys who prefer big weapons because they've been spending a thousand years gar- guarding a wall, which, which on the other side is a literal hellhole. So instead of utilizing katana, they're g- you're gonna see them more often utilize um, heavier weapons that are more meant to break things that are much stronger than normal people. Like they'll tend they'll tend to use tetsubos because they're going to be up against undead, <laughs> right? Oh, um, you know, just just use big ass clubs and ha- clubs and hammers to to smash the thing and use um that level of strength. Whereas the crane, who very much value aesthetics and this inc- and this pursuit of um perfection in their art, will will, will um. Will have a will have a much more precise type of um, style because the Kakita school of of Bushi ha- extols the philosophy of one perfect strike. So these, if you're playing that character, you're going to be going for that, and that's a cool way of doing archetypes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's and you know playing an L5R system, uh, but doing it in space. While that might be interesting, uh, it's 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 not going to lend itself, or like a post-apocalyptic thing, like you're going to have to do some work to make it actually work. You can well, do it, but it's going to it's going to take I, some work. I do have to do, already does that. You, like the, there are uh, the you know Star Wars is the prime example with the laser swords. It seems like well the the fun the fun <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because eventually. Styles of lightsaber combat emerged in the Star Wars universe, yeah. Where you can have ah, two yeah. characters who use a lightsaber, but they don't use it the same way. My buddy, uh, my buddy Punksicle, who I was actually just trying to get on here, he jumped on for just a second. He was like, "What? What are you guys talking about?" Um, he ran. I've talked about him several times. He ran a Star Wars game, a very solid Star Wars game. Um, in Dreadlore, and we really delved into that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be a guest star. I'm, I'm really excited to hear. Actually, you should jump on again, Mildred, and, and you and he can really geek out about some stuff. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. We need to wrap it up. I don't want to cut off conversation, but yeah, we're we're we're, we're going long. We're going. <laughs> it's two uh, hours longer than we we expected. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we as in me, me expected. <laughs> uh, closing thoughts. Uh, we're gonna put it to Mildra. I'm gonna give you thirty seconds. Any closing thoughts, sir? Um, don't drink the eggnog this holiday season. <laughs> uh, Has there Ken, been a recall? Ken, closing thoughts on you. It's been a while since you've talked, although I know that you've been kicking. Mildred, if you get a chance, check out the uh, the video format of this. Ken has been throwing down uh, a whole lot of cool stuff. Um, well, I just just what you guys are talking about. It's good. Um, it's good. Yeah, my closing thoughts are, you know, we, we live in an era that is epic and intense and like a lot of real stuff is going on. Um, as always, I find role-playing games a way that we can discuss and open up conversations in order to uh, process, you know, real and imaginary worlds that we have uh, uh, that that affect our daily lives and our day to day. And it's a great way to escape and 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 have a filter to uh, process and and be a person in real life that contributes to society and and manages their own stress and issues uh so it's psychologically interesting uh that's it i can go on but I <laughs> all right mildra thank you very much for jumping in um i appreciate it i appreciate you hanging out for the, the three yeah. four hours four hours that we've been rocking and rolling Epic. five with this is Five just a day the, in the office for me. That's right. <laughs> um, when is your when is your next uh, stream, Mildred? My next stream is tomorrow. On Fridays, I do Valley of the Judge with Xanatrix and myself. Mm. We have been going through pl um, Planet Bound by our by our good friends at Successor Games. It is it is a it is a science fiction aff affair. Um, somewhat of a space opera, just with everybody maro um, having to get—they're basically stuck on this one planet called at called Aditum. There's a whole lot more within it. Um, the and that's going to be tomorrow. Yeah, we are continuing our look through because Valley of the Judge is kind of a section by section breakdown of a given um, RPG. Mm -hmm. I blatantly what time admit do you that go I. On? Um, we usually. We usually do prep around around seven. We start at around seven between seven thirty and eight, Is depending on our energy. Yeah, all okay. all times um, central. So okay. adjust, so adjust accordingly for your time zones. Um, and actually, I have, I have to correct myself because I realized the three in one rule we have, where we do three episodes of a main of a main thing, and then we do one um, one shot. You know, covering up, covering a lighter game <laughs> to. <laughs> And um, we are not going to be covering Planet Bound. That's not, that's um, next week. Mm -hmm. We are instead going to be covering a science fiction RPG called Exiles, um, mm -hmm. which we're going to be doing that in in one shot because the books on the books only like um, on, on the the rule the rule set that we're going to be using is only going to be like thirty pages, mm -hmm. and that's the key with these one shots. They are either covering right. the quick start of a bigger game. Or covering a small game that that is only like maybe thirty to fifty pages. That's really and cool. I like that. We generally don't cover the 
um, setting part in, in any detail because there's not a whole lot to dissect. dissect. Although mm -hmm. if a game tries to infer a setting and doesn't have any notes about it, we will rip into that. But next, the, the reason I pointed out the planet-bound thing, which is special, because we have first crack at it. Oh wow, and that's awesome! Something that something that we've never taken for granted is is the times that our input in doing this series actually has a tangible effect in the end product. Yeah, that's and that really has cool. happened a few times. That's really and cool. It's something I always I always find awesome. One of the, the first time one of one of the earliest times that this happened was when we were covering a extensive D and D five E fork called Heavens and Heresies. Which is a very interesting case in the fact that it is really doubling down on team play. Like all, all of the class designs are built around teamwork. And I, I say all of I say all of the classes and everything that's involved with them. During one episode, we were covering the barbarian, and because of a because of a rule that it had regarding um, regarding barbarians' relationship with armor. We had offhandedly said, well, what, what if somebody wants to do a more armored barbarian and emulate, say, Guts from Berserk? And he heard, and um, the designer, um, Brother Tanner, had heard, had heard that, and he, and he was like, yeah, why don't we do that? And so he put that as an, as an optional setup that you could take at first level of, if you, if you want to go armorless, do the, do the Conan thing, you can take this feature. If you want to go the armored barbarian, you can take this feature. Very, very cool. Well, that's tomorrow, uh, and it's going to be on your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Well, Ken has it up there uh, for people to see. I wanted to ask, or ask, I wanted to thank, of course, our two cast members, uh, Andrea and Holker, for jumping on. Of course, other guest star, um, Archangel. I want to thank the chat. So we got Slick Rick Cosplay and Xanatrix uh, Zadere. Mm -hmm. And I believe someone else. Let me go down through here. And Akira Coops. I think all these people are your peeps, uh, Meldra. Mm -hmm. So they came out in force to, to say hello and, and hit up the chat. Mm -hmm. um, thanks to Couch Fire Media for kicking ass. If you guys want to know... Uh, where we get all these cool graphics? Well, Couchfire Media. Uh, all lowercase letters is the music. Um, and Dreadlore is the channel. Anything I'm missing? The Patreon? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Patreon, for being Patreon. Daniel Holker, Nostalgic. Tim Roberts. Ken, you're muted. Uh, I'm and... good. <laughs> Uh, any last because word, they, they, Meldrum? Because I just said uh, Daniel Roberts, uh, Tim Holker, and Statue. Any any <laughs> last words, Meldrum? Uh, the the only thing I'd say is I is um we here in the temple always always encourage people to expand to expand one's horizons, no matter what form that takes. There is always the opportunity to try to try something new, to try ha to try some new experience, and there is literally no excuse to not try. Maybe it won't be successful, but it is better to try and fail than never to try at all. And as of course, as I always say in my, in my things, stay frosty, everybody. Stay frosty, baby. All right, thank you guys for jumping on. Uh, next Thursday, 
7 p.m. Eastern Standard. We're going to have some guest stars. We're going to kick some ass. And, uh, you know, who knows? It might be two hours. might be ten. Probably two. All right. That is all.